All right, well, Scream's taken. What's another very short name for a horror franchise we could have that's somehow horror-related? Um, Uh-oh. Pun it. <laughs> pun it? <laughs> What's on the pun it? Ah! <laughs> a pun it full of horror? That's an old Amicus horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Pun it, oh, heads. Uh, Michael Gove's first. Michael Goff, sorry. Whichever one. Yep. But Michael Gove. Michael Gove's Michael first Goff. attempt to fuck something up, and it was Michael Goff's career. It's and a shame, only but... one Michael G something here. <laughs> <laughs> G something. Yeah, it's Highlander's law, unfortunately. It's a, it's <laughs> only ma- one. Oh, <laughs> of God. anything. And every time, and every time yeah. Michael G something, look at, watch out, Michael Gambon. <laughs> every time one of them dies, Michael Gove gets stronger. But he hasn't demonstrated it yet, has he? So, um... <laughs> no. So it's very gradual. There's a lot of Michael G's in the world, so it's a tiny increase every time it happens. <laughs> Minuscule, even. Enough to forget by the time the next one dies. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot that that happened, says Michael Gove. <laughs> I wish our intros didn't all degenerate into just talking about Michael Gove. I might leave it in this time. I mean, you have to Teaches at some point. It explains a lot, I feel. <laughs> but our headspace. Mm. <laughs> Hand. You fucking love <laughs> Yes. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, sorry, love. <laughs> Michael, we're all looking at you for the answer. Who's the favourite to be Prime Minister next? Hello, and welcome to One Good Thing, the podcast that's a scream, baby! <laughs> this time! I'm Paulie Loomis. I'm Ortho. I'm Ortho. I'm the author, Matthew Lillard. Uh, it's, gotten to, it's gotten to me too. Live the Lillard life, baby. Hashtag Lillard he life. In, he gets over with his little glasses and his notebook and his bathrobe. Bathrobe? <laughs> his dressing gown, I think. No, bathrobe. And he sits in front of the fire, and he opens up his tome, and just says, of my own design. <laughs> tell? Get back here! <laughs> Matthew Lillard is tell. Ah, oh, welcome to this mm. spooky Halloween episode. The spookiest. Thing. Yes. As you know, every Halloween, we subject ourselves to an entire franchise. I say that as if it was limited to one month. <laughs> <laughs> For you guys, it is. <laughs> For us spooky. and the Patreons, we know the truth. But this has been a long time coming and it's been unbearable. So, yes, we are going to discuss the Scream franchise. The spookiest thing is trying to spot where I have my mental breakdown, listeners. (laughs) You can't. You'll you'll, you'll tell. tell. (laughs) It all all sounds like this would be the answer. Yeah, we are going to review all five installments of the Scream movies and a couple of extras as well. Oh, five horror movies in one year? That's not enough for this masochist. <laughs> and his friend. <laughs> Me. So, <laughs> it's a terrible friend. So, yeah, so there's not much to do really except to just get on into it. God, I hope we don't have any horrific shoots or people to interact right. with this time. Oh, probably not, mate. Let's find out. Okay. Uh, this time it's just a door. Wait, we've been walking down this corridor for, what, November, December, Jan- three months. Yeah. And it's just yeah. a door. 
Yeah, it's just a door going through. I can walk through a fucking door at home. Well, you go through a door here. You'll be back in January 2022. Can you do that in any of the doors you have at home? No, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, only only for this month. Only for the next 20 days or so could I Well, do that's that. true, yeah. Yeah. But, but future yeah. me, no. Not a fucking yeah. chance. Yeah. No. Well, I guess, well, okay. now you can. Right here. You step through, and we're going to be at the beginning of the Scream Saga. Okay, well, I'm going to just knock first. Nothing. Fine. Yeah, no, that's true. When I knock on a door and there's nothing on the other side, that generally means come in, carte blanche. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. That's my what I take it. Okay, in we go. Oh, yeah, there oh, we go. Okay. Fine. Is... Yeah, it's quite cool. It's very much the same. Yeah. And here we are. Right. Here we are. Scream one, motherfucker. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Scream, scream one, you absolute twats. Scream one. <laughs> The year is 26 years ago. <laughs> Mainstream horror is mostly lazy sequels to, to tired old franchises. Mm. I mean, there's Silence of the Lambs and Candyman, but that doesn't yeah. that doesn't conform to the narrative I'm trying to shape here. So don't think about this. Don't think about that. Don't think about anything. Think of, We're talking. Don't think about this. Don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it all out for you. Oh, for so you. Kevin Williamson writes mm-hmm. a slasher film called Scary Movie. Oh, okay. He was inspired by his own anxieties after hearing about the Gainesville Ripper. And so, mm-hmm. obviously, he decided to explore those through a female avatar, because only Nightmare 2 had the balls to play that straight. Yeah. And then everyone else just thought it was gay. <laughs> it's the gay one! Obviously. Yeah. So, the script was apparently much gorier, but when okay. Miramax purchased it, they insisted a lot of the gore be removed. They're very moral, everyone at Miramax. <laughs> That's very true. I only have good things to say about the fine folk at Miramax. <laughs> but then Wes Craven got involved and I put a lot of the gore back in. Yay! So, Yay! Thanks, Thanks Wes, Wes Carpenter. <laughs> it originally drew no interest. Yeah. But uh, Kathy Conrad felt, after reading this movie about violent murders mostly targeting women, that it was exactly what the Weinstein brothers were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! No, 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 no. The Weinsteins did have to be Oliver Stone to it, though. Oh, Jesus Ooh. Christ, what that might have been. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking a... manic, exhausting <laughs> experience. Jesus Christ, I've seen through the looking glass, people. Mm. But they did want Craven right away. Mm. They were craving a Craven. Oh, they were craving him. He, however, was busy developing the Haunting remake. And he wanted to... Oh. He also... Yes. <laughs> so we fucked that off halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> he also wanted to distance himself from the horror genre due to what he called the misogyny and violence in it. Well, we can all agree he's blameless there. <laughs> the Weinsteins approached other directors, including Robert Rodriguez, Danny Boyle, George Romero, and Sam Raimi. Which sounds impressive, but I can approach these directors. Yeah. <laughs> do you know how many things they've been approached for? <laughs> I approached them to do my birthday party. Robert <laughs> Rodriguez said yes. That was weird. Yeah, didn't I didn't ask him. <laughs> I made a point of asking no one that knew Robert Rodriguez. I called him to find out if he had... Um, Quentin Tarantino's phone number. And he just said yes, but what, what, as answering the phone. <laughs> Jesus. Craven came back when everyone involved in the Haunting remake decided it shouldn't be good. But he only properly said yes, actually, when he found out Drew Barrymore had requested to be involved, reasoning that a oh. name actor like Drew Barrymore might make this one different from the violent misogynist other horror films. Yeah. So the movie begins with the name actor Drew Barrymore being tormented and brutally murdered by two guys. Spoilers. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh no! Whoa! Shit! You did a craven. Oh, you bloody uh, boy! You absolute idiot. boy of cinema. <laughs> that was a fake out plot summary. I haven't started yet. Whoa, so where am I? January twenty two. I don't know. <laughs> Help Somewhere me, listeners. Like send, send more money. <laughs> Please. It's the only thing that can cure our chronic and near constant amnesia. <laughs> Now, Williamson and the producers couldn't decide if it was scarier if the killers had no motive or if they had a motive. So I, should, okay. I could have put that better, I think. But um, so could the producers, and they did. Yeah. So they yeah. finally agreed. Well, we've got two killers, one of each. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck have it. Have them both say no motive for a while. <laughs> and then one of them secretly got a motive. That'll, yeah. that'll be fine. That'll manage the menace of both, I reckon. Yeah. The name ended up getting changed to Scream because of the Michael Jackson song of the same name. No, I, I mean either. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently Bob Weinstein didn't like Scary Movie as a title yeah. because the film was a comedy as well as a horror film, and he didn't feel that the title conveyed that. <laughs> Whoops! You can never sell a comedy with the title Scary Movie. Yeah. At least not more than once. And you, and you can never, you, yeah, you could never uh, sell a parody comedy of a parody comedy. But uh, so then like we were all fucking wrong. We're all fucking mugs. Also, do you think that he heard the E17 song Steam and thought it was Michael Jackson's Scream? <laughs> I love these guys, Bob. Bob Weinstein, you can't stop him to try and correct his thoughts about anything, and he makes up his mind very quickly and sticks to it. And you've got to admire that in a man. <laughs> very quickly and irresponsibly. <laughs> oh Christ! Well, Williamson and Craven both thought the new name Scream was stupid. <laughs> stupid name for butt. One day, Wes Craven is watching dailies and notices that a lot of them are out of focus. So he asks the director of photography, Mark Irwin. Uh, to fire his crew, his entire crew. <laughs> Erwin replies, if you're going to fire them, you may as well fire me. So they fired him, <laughs> and they got Peter Deming to shoot the rest of the film. Erwin okay. went on to shoot Steel, Deck the Halls, and Freddy Got Fingered. So to me, he's a three-man. <laughs> he's a hero. You you lied to me, Paul. Ah, I'm just teasing you. Oh, I'm just bloody... teasing you. We all love you Freddy boy. Got Fingered. Absolute boy. His replacement, Peter Deming, on the other hand, just did... Pfft, Mulholland Drive and Twin Peaks The Returner? Fuck out of here. Uh, fuck him then. Clearly a superior decision. <laughs> I would say so. <sighs> Here's some Dutch angles. Uh, the film did get into a bit of trouble with the censors. Ooh. They felt it was too intense for an R rating, this uh, horror film. So they threatened <laughs> to give it an NC-17 rating, which would reduce the number of theatres it could play in. Oh. So they made cuts. Oh. They had to cut out any sequences where blood is in motion, like pouring out of someone or hitting the floor. They're okay with blood, but it has to be still. They okay. also didn't like internal organs moving. You can have organs spilt, but we don't like seeing them move to the Ooh. floor. Oh, it just makes Ugh. me feel ah. weird. Now it's morally dubious. And also, when Kenny dies, spoilers, at the <laughs> end, spoilers, they wanted a shot of his pained expression taken out so that maybe he's okay with it. Right, okay. <laughs> that savvy old charmer Bob Weinstein called them up and explained that this is actually a comedy, and so they passed it. <laughs> oh, okay it's not it's it's oh it's funny then okay yeah. i don't know what i'm watching at any given time the sticker <laughs> said horror so i cut movie sensors keeping you safe and your kids yeah in spite of all this it did super well commercially and critically and changed the face of horror briefly right <laughs> plot rundown yeah hello hello yes who is this mm, who are you trying to reach what number is this what number are you trying to reach? I don't know. Well, I think you have the wrong number. Do I? It happens. Take it easy. 
Drew, this is a legitimate movie honest Barrymore is preparing mm. uh, <laughs> for having a hang sesh in her parents' mansion. Uh, mm. She gets a call from a charming sounding man and they chat about mm. how much the Nightmare on Elm Street movie sequels suck because that brilliant Wes Craven wasn't involved in them. <laughs> uh, but then he freaks her out so she goes and locks all 16 doors to her house. <laughs> he has kidnapped and tied up her boyfriend so it's time no. to secure herself in a room with one door with a weapon, call the police and wait for rescue. Nah, she's too scared to act rationally. Or well. <laughs> Just kidding, Barrymore fans. That's some of that Paul humour you love. Oh, I love it. I fear it. Oh, man. You, f- you should fear it. I become unnerved by how often I expect every exchange to continue with the line from Scary Movie. <laughs> and uh, we move on. The relentless madman insists on playing a horror movie trivia game with the trapped, terrified woman, and I start to better appreciate what it's like to be my friend. <laughs> At last. <laughs> Which are the only good Elm Street sequels? The third one in New Nightmare? Correct. Who's Bob Shea? An untalented hack? Correct. Who was the killer in Friday the 13th? Jason Voorhees? No, it was the mother in the first one. Oh, wait, that's bullshit. You tricked me. It's a legitimate question. I think I get a half point. This is a very specific piece of trivia. He kills the boyfriend anyway. Uh, He dies somehow. Mm. Seemingly gutted by an invisible man. That's something to look out for. Oh shit, surprise, the killer is a chair and it jumps through the window, dying instantly. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's also coincidentally two more killers. Uh-oh. At least yep. one more killer, I should say. A copycat to the chair killer. <laughs> this one is into a soon-to-be iconic mask. She gets murdered and strung up in front of her parents. Home Alone Mum and Henry Les Winkler. I really shouldn't be wasting nicknames on these characters. <laughs> Gotta save that But you shit. are, 2022, baby. <laughs> the year of opulence. 90s cutaway. New hero, Neve, I've been in other movies, Seriously Campbell is here. And uh, she's got a Wes Craven-style bad parent. And a Johnny Depp boyfriend, in every sense. You'll find out later. <laughs> he puts on... He he goes and puts on an even sadder cover of a Blue Oyster Cult song and talks about movies until she's in the mood for sex. That how that, that's how that works, I hope. Works for Quentin. <laughs> Oh, God. At school the next day, Neve Three to Tango, for example, Campbell, um, <laughs> has come to school as a 90s mum, which is great. This is good. I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board with this, um, <laughs> this motif. <laughs> like Peter and the Wolf. Do, 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 three to Tango. <laughs> but yeah, she's come dressed as a 90s mum, and she meets her friends, Johnny Depp, Channing, Lillardbra, <laughs> Kevin Williamson's avatar, and her nemesis, Monica, off friends. <laughs> oh shit, actual Henry Wrinkler Okay, forgot about yeah. that But uh, he's the principal of the school And he's interviewing students with Je- Deputy Dewey I can't make that dumber <laughs> Neve the Craft Remember that? Campbell mm. uh, Returns to her mansion Where she remembers her murdered mum Probably unrelated no. Channing calls, uh, something about Tom Cruise's dick Then the killer calls Something about Tom Cruise's dick <laughs> A surprisingly undramatic reveal has him in the house behind her. Oh, no. Uh, Good thing she has a naughty's computer interfa- interface that she can use to DM the police. She gets a lot of dick pics back. Tom Cruise? <laughs> but also instant police assistance. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. Johnny Depp was suspiciously here, as he is everywhere he is. Mm. And he has a mobile phone. Nobody has those. He's the killer. Yeah. <laughs> Times change. Sheriff Robert Duval is also here, um, but it's not as important as you might think he's going to be. He doesn't understand this generation. Kids today. Generation X. Worst one. Bad Dad has gone missing. Yeah. Nobody knows where he is. And Johnny Depp is busy being creepy and having a hay-stuffed straw dad. Man looks like a fucking scarecrow and I'm not here for it. Mm. She'd never stand for that. Yeah. 
Depp asserts his innocence while staring creepily at Neve Wildfangs? What ninety stuff. Campbell. There we go. Everyone on everyone on Twitter believes him. Mm-hmm. They leave the police station and a prominent reporter gets punched in the face in front of a bunch of cameras. No consequences. <laughs> Not Piers Morgan, sorry, don't get excited. <laughs> that would be literally no consequences, except <laughs> too many fruit baskets arriving at the house. Too many handshakes from public figures. <laughs> hey, remember how you were menaced on the phone earlier? What well, is some guy on the phone asking for you? Oh, I'll get it. Oh, shit, it's the killer. Go find some exposition on your backstory. No! <laughs> he hangs up, and the only cop in the house gets fully ignored. <laughs> so, she goes to find some exposition about her backstory. Sounds to reason. Mm. Uh, these are the days before Google. So you just had to go to the reporter you just punched in order to get all the info you needed. <laughs> this is why you couldn't just punch any reporter you liked back then. Literally the only reason. Uh, hey, you accused the wrong man of your mother's murder. Poor innocent cotton weary. What? <laughs> why did the boomers give Generation X such bizarre names? No wonder they turned out like they did. <laughs> Speaking of which, a couple of lads, just absolute legends, run through the high school dressed as the murderer. Oh, Christ. So good. But uh, Neve Churchill, the Hollywood years, Campbell bumps into <laughs> Depp. Oh yeah, fucking love. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so shit. Fuck yeah, this is a highly successful bit. <laughs> yeah. He says it couldn't have been me who called last night. I was in jail. Remember? He says, holding up his hand, which still has the ink on them, indicating that she hasn't. He hasn't washed it since last night. Sniff him. Ew. No. Oh. Well. Anyway, how about some sex? I was nearly killed last night, and I thought you did it. <laughs> Why are you so weird about sex? Ever since your mom died. You literally only make sense as the killer. Henry Justice Winkler tells the absolute legends from earlier that they're bad kids and expels yeah. them. Worst yeah. generation, definitely. Talk about Cotton Weary. <laughs> Neve, two episodes of Grey's Anatomy, Campbell, hides in the bathroom where she overhears some, some people talking really mean stuff about her. Like some asshole reading off her film and TV credits as if they were proof she hadn't done much outside of the Scream franchise. And that that would even be a bad thing if true. But also mm. comments about her bubble butt boyfriend. Bubble... Really? <laughs> oh, I didn't. Has he got a? Okay. Oh, I. Well, yeah, I, I guess. Something to look out for. Tom Cruise's penis. <laughs> Maybe. Ghostface attacks her in the bathroom. Oh, he's fucked now. Public place like this is gonna be on. Oh, okay. So <laughs> next scene. Yeah. In a scene that Wes Craven tried to get cut. No, not Wes Craven. Kevin Williamson wanted cut. Uh, Monica uh. friends tries to that previous one that is attacking yeah. her in the bathroom. It is a bit weird. Monica, yeah. our friends, tries to seduce Deputy Dewey. You look 12. You're a joke character, you prick. Let me come tonight. Okay. <laughs> they decide. As long as I, as long as I can too. <laughs> they decide to celebrate. That Everybody decides to celebrate this new lockdown security measures with a big party, Tory style. God, so irresponsible who would do that, etc., etc. It's exactly. Bob Weinstein notices that there are 30 pages without a murder, so he insists on, principle, on the principle being murdered. <laughs> On Craven's principle. Kevin Williamson's avatar explains very clearly that bit that Johnny Depp is the most likely suspect, but then he yells everybody's a suspect so that they can use it in the trailer. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds do their thing. I didn't know it was yeah. them at the time, but yep. pretty good. Didn't know that was uh, that was the Peaky Blinders theme tune. <laughs> Stupid me as a kid didn't even realise that was going to be the Peaky Blinders theme tune. <laughs> Fucking you embarrassing. You nothing about Killian Murphy as a kid. And it's <laughs> to your shame, sir. Yeah. Worst generation, whatever you are. Um... <laughs> Everybody goes into the completely unenforced lockdown. Oh, escapism. And uh, consequently, there's a big party at Lillard Bra's mansion. Yeah. Uh, his mansion. <laughs> Channing goes full Ch- uh, Lacey Chabert as she confronts Deputy Dewey for showing up with bloody Monica off friends who slips yeah. a camera into the party. Ugh. 
And then, on a very cold day on set, Channing goes for beer in the basement and is killed by the most powerful garage door in history. <laughs> yeah. Made in the US meant something back in the 90s. Wow, Drop Dead Gorgeous by Republica is a really long song. <laughs> oh, Johnny Depp shows up to have sex with Neve some episodes of House of Cards, apparently. That's cool. Campbell, yeah. uh, which she acknowledges is only reasonable. It's entirely mm. irresponsible of her to allow her grief to deny him of sex for almost an entire year. So they have yeah. some 90s scored sex. Fuck yeah. It's ambient and off-putting. <laughs> My decade. <laughs> My people. <laughs> One of the dudes complains that the blood is too red in Halloween, a famously bloodless film. That they're watching out of order. Zero stars. <laughs> Kevin Williamson's Avatar explains this uh, the rules to horror movies in a scene that is iconic and will ruin countless movies to come. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Williamson gets a call from someone saying that Henry Justice Winkler... Um, was killed, so they all go off to see the body. This generation. Hate them. Look at them. Riding off with their Lone Ranger references. Degenerates. The Charleston shoes. <laughs> the dicks. So Deputy Jury finds the dead the dad's car cunningly Deputy disguised dad. two Deputy Dad. He finds the dad's car cunningly disguised two feet away from the main road. As a crash car. <laughs> two feet. What two feet. feet. Neve Skyscraper, that was recent, Campbell, um, has some post-orgasm clarity. Post his, definitely not hers. And asks about his prison phone call. She thinks it might have happened at the exact time she got a call from the killer. Maybe if you told the only cop in the house that there could have been some investigation into that. But, oh shit, Johnny Depp can't be the attacker in this or any other context because the killer is here and just stabbed him up. What? Uh-oh, there's a standard horror movie chase through the house which I feel would benefit from some woods, personally. Uh, but I guess this mansion is an okay compromise. A house yeah. so big that despite being full of young people who have been coming and going all day, nobody has noticed that Channing's corpse is hanging from five <laughs> feet away from the only beer supply in oh, the house. Classic Channing. Worst generation. Kevin Williamson's avatar is caught talking to a movie he's watched a thousand times before, so he's busy. <laughs> but he gets but the killer gets distracted because the cameraman, John Favreau, I'm going to name him now, not <laughs> earlier, he gets killed. He gets killed. Luckily, Neve, an episode of Mad Men Campbell, manages yep. to escape thanks to her intuitive understanding of fans. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, the killer took the time to put John Favreau on the roof, which really fucks up Monica from Friends, though not as much hates as her that. basic ignorance of the existence of brake pedals. <laughs> she hates them. Deputy Dewey has been stabbed exactly once. There's no way he's surviving that. And it's back into another car for our ditzy heroin. Dizzy Henry heroin. <laughs> she radios the police but forgets the right call sign so no one's going to pay any attention to that bullshit yeah she's chased back into the house oh shit Johnny Depp is still alive so he says a movie quote and then shoots Kevin Williamson's avatar right in the shoulder that's him dead yeah down for the count turns out that the killers are Lillard Bra and Johnny Depp yeah. obviously Johnny Depp obviously him in <laughs> retrospect they both talk into a voice box, neither managing to sound like Roger L. Jackson, the actual voice of Ghostface in all of these movies, including oh. the new one. And, um, yeah, she she yells, fuck you. He replies, we already played that game. You lost. Yeah, it's definitely his orgasm. Yeah. So, I win. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Again. <laughs> strike strike out... one for the men. <laughs> strike seven billion for the men. So <laughs> it turns out that they killed her mom as well. Well, yeah. now it's personal. Channing's just out <laughs> dripping in the garage. Uh, a few more things Classic get explained, Channing. including the plan to kill her and then frame her dad for the ki- for the murders and yeah. stage his suicide. Then, 
disguise themselves as victims with superficial wounds. It's mm. flawless. Tell you what, let's do the bit where we stab each other first. <laughs> Wait, Are you sure? So, yes. Yes. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> let's just get it out of the way. Get it out of the way now, and then we'll do all the heavy lifting. Because, I don't know about you, I've been thinking about it all day. And I'm, <laughs> oh, just butterflies, mate. I can barely it, hold this knife straight. Ever since we came up with this plan this morning. <laughs> We came up with this this morning. Oh, you weren't here. That's right. I was having a shit. We were at and brunch. I, th- I, th- I didn't go to brunch with you. Oh, shit. You're not my <laughs> accomplice. Channing is hanging in the, in the doorway. <laughs> She's got a ghost face mask in her pocket. She's very confused. <laughs> oh, dear. Monica, our friends, has the gun. Oh, no. Oh, but she, she forgets the safety and gets knocked out. Classic Monica. The yeah. one where that happens. <laughs> Best finish her off. Oh, Sydney's gone. Oh, okay, we better deal with that first. Guys, you've got to focus, okay? <laughs> Objectives, actions, outcomes. Okay, you're never going to have good deadline success at this rate. And speaking of which, she's already called the police, so really nobody responded to that radio call earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I guess she did make it from Jury's radio and fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Neve screamed too. Oh, no, wait. Uh, Campbell <laughs> stabs Johnny Depp, the murderer, with an umbrella. Yeah. Yeah, having fuck gone him. to the effort of changing into the ghost face costume. Yeah. Also, that's a stunt woman stabbing Skeet Ulrich there uh, with a retractable umbrella. He's wearing a protective vest underneath, but she missed that and hit a wound that he had from a recent open-heart surgery, causing a genuine cry in pain, and that's the shot that's in the movie. Whoa. Go, Wes. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Wow. What did Love he have open-heart surgery for? <laughs> I don't know. He's such a young man, a young Johnny yeah. Depp man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, we all wish him a speedy recovery. We do. I hope he has recovered in the subsequent 26 years since this fucking movie came out. And as we all deal with how depressing that is. <laughs> don't don't deal with it. I, I haven't dealt with it yet. Little bra has a go at attacking her, but he's too weak from all the stabbing of each other they did. Yeah. She decides to kill him with a TV. Got a neat one-liner for that? Yeah, piece of shit, bang. Yeah. Cox, meanwhile, shoots a uh, killer of women Johnny Depp fatally in the other shoulder. That'll be him done. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Williams' avatar comes in and explains that this is usually the bit where uh, the killer gives one last scare, and so he goes, blah, and she shoots him in the head. And yeah. says, not in my movie, but you already did it. Yeah, he just did that. Yeah, but my movie's going to be different. I'm making it later. I'm producer. <laughs> that was unrelated to this. Vanity Project. Nah. You lost Neve Titan A.E. Campbell. You lost forever. <laughs> well, Bad Dad is out of ideas, so he throws himself through a door. Oh my god, he's the chair killer's brother. And he's out for revenge. We'll deal with that in the sequel, because Moby's playing, and that obviously means it's the end of the movie. <laughs> As it always does in every movie. <laughs> the crimes and the sirens of the larger cities that its residents have fled. Okay, let's take it back to the Come on, move it. This is my big shot. Let's go. The end! Yay! Did a scream. Good one. Yeah. Good one, mate. The layers. But you know what? First of all, have you seen it before? Yes, only about 78 times. Yeah. Um, How come this one? How come you were such a non-horror dude, but Scream got such a look in? It's probably because it's not really a horror film, Paul. It's, no, that's true. It's, it's It's got elements, but it's... It, it, like Watching it this time was very much... It's about as much a horror movie as scary movie is. Um, yes, interesting, <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, it was a lot sillier than I remember. Yeah. It was very, very silly. Yeah. Um, to, we'll get we'll get onto this. I I I did watch it a lot, and it was around the same time that I watched Starship Troopers and Terminator. So oh yeah, 
<laughs> so yeah, it, it was just it was fun. It was kind of cool to me as a kid. It was mm. cool, and oh, it, yeah. it, it, I like I thought it was smarter than um, the thirty-five-year-old me thinks it is. And and <laughs> yeah, it was it was for me. I think yes, this one. Um, and there wasn't too much. Uh, sorry, there wasn't too much like staying with and dwelling on the misery of people. That's interesting. Yes, mm. to, yes, pretty much. You see, when I was a kid, I saw this when I was in primary school. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine it was about a year after it came out in 1997. Mm. New labor, new dangers. Oh, new hopes. And this was definitely one of them. New hopes. Everyone was very optimistic. Mm. So I think I saw it that year. Yeah. Now, yeah, so when I was a kid, I remember this being quite a harsh movie. Yeah. I remember it being quite brutal, very violent. I remember a lot of blood. Mm. And I don't know, there was something about it that felt less safe than movies like Halloween and mm, uh, Friday okay. the 13th. I think it's because, you know, everyone involved is young and they're all running yeah. around screaming at each other. You know, mm. you bitch and you fuck you and that kind of yeah. thing. And there are moments like at the beginning, the murder of Drew Barrymore is for the most part kind of goofy. You know, yeah. he breaks in, he's running about, he's tripping over shit. Yeah. You know, and she's kicking him around and the music's going... Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, yeah. And it's very silly. But then she gets outside and her parents are there. The music goes all sad and quiet. Yeah. He gets her on the floor and just stabs her as she sort of desperately pleads for help. Yeah. You know, and tries to scream out mum but can't. Yeah. And we're with her for so long. And she yeah. gets dragged across the lawn and she's already dead. Yeah, but there's nothing she can do about it, and she's been yeah. strung up, and it's just, and, and her parents can hear it on the other end of the phone. Yeah, and you know the the mum's like, my daughter, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's so really it feels like rough. the beginning of an epic. <laughs> it's really tragic and upsetting, yeah. and it has you know the sort of echoes of you know Wes Craven's brutal early stuff like The Hills of Eyes and yeah. um, the, uh, Last House on the Left. You know, really brutal and ugly. Um, Definitely, and then, come yeah, to... we cut to yeah. We cut to Neve Campbell in her, you know, nineties sort of bedroom, and yeah. her boyfriend sneaks in, and it's just all <laughs> wacky characters. Absolutely, Doug was on, and yeah, you know, <laughs> and The Exorcist got me thinking of us. Just very silly dialogue, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. It's 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 yeah. very Tarantino. Uh, oh my god! I mean, this is so. The, the postmodernism, to be honest, is not something I remember being an issue, probably because when you're a kid, this is how you genuinely speak. Yeah. But now growing up and you see how much of the dialogue is them talking about movies. And yes, yeah. it is very Tarantino. It's, um, oh dear. It's not too obnoxious. It's not meta no. to the point that it feels like you stop buying into the reality of the movie. Like, no, I would say The Matrix you know, resurrections. Yeah. Where you stop thinking about it, about a reality and with characters that actually make sense. The only thing I think is, would every single one of these characters with a speaking, like teenagers with a speaking part be this well informed about horror movies and have their own oh, sort of Christ. preconceived ideas about how they work? Or would it just yeah, be I... Jamie Kennedy's character? Yeah, that's the thing is, I you remember Randy, Jamie Kennedy, as being yeah. the one who knows about horror movies, but no, they fucking all do. Yeah. All of them have watched a ridiculous number of horror movies. Yeah. And... Yeah, that's a little incredulous, I can say with some authority, especially considering how young and attractive and socially connected these kids are. <laughs> it's um, unlikely yeah. that all of them, literally the entire friend group, although I don't know, there's a... The, the universe of this movie... Because the thing is, 
watching the movies is tied into the logic of this world. Yeah. Because Drew Barrymore's character at the beginning is doing up some popcorn because her boyfriend is coming over and they're going to watch a scary movie together. Yeah. Later on, when Neve Campbell's going to meet with um, uh, Tatum, uh, she says, yeah. "Bring you know, bring a movie," and they're yeah. going to bring a Tom Cruise movie over. Yeah, she doesn't like horror movies, you know. True. And so, the watching of movies is very much ritualized within the way in which True. people yeah. spend time together. But yeah, there's an awkward encyclopedic knowledge of horror movies from <laughs> yeah. the cast. Yeah, it's it's within a new reality, I guess, uh, a new nightmare. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's and and it just it just left it feeling it was very fun it was a very silly film and yes. it, and, it, and um, it wasn't all that scary it had some very troubling mm. or unsettling moments uh, for sure yes. I'll definitely get to that um, yeah. but you know you've got Matthew Lillard's third act for example which is which is wild Paul Jesus I, I, Christ he's giving I, it a lot I enjoyed it very very much um, <laughs> you know it's a scream uh, baby yeah and unfortunately yeah I do obviously think of all the bits in scary movie that parody the bits in scream oh jesus i couldn't get away from it yeah well it was the, the one that really got me was on the phone when she's like she's like my boyfriend will yep. be here any minute he's big and he'll beat the shit out of you immediately i was just thinking of i don't yeah. remember who he's it is black he's yeah he's big and black and he'll beat the shit out of you yeah <laughs> does he dress like a woman yeah do you know that yeah like oh, i was so God. expecting it in so many scenes that movie yeah. really did very effectively ruined the first scream. The uh, yeah. the the familiar faces, you know, I loved going through this. And Neve Campbell, um, Ski Ulrich, Henry Winkler, Rose McGowan, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Jamie Kennedy, Matthew Lillard, and even <laughs> the names like Maureen Prescott and Woodsboro. Just everything was just yeah, tumbling down. Yeah, so it was few wonderful. Of these things to made relive. it out of the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was a real. It was a big. A big nostalgia fest, and the music yeah. as well. Mark, Marco Beltrami's score, some of yeah. which has not aged well, and yeah. is no longer considered would can be considered a good or effective horror score. But um, yeah. I don't know. Wes Craven's approach to horror is always very interesting. Yeah, because if you remember, he only did he only directed the first and seventh Nightmare on Elm Streets, mm. and in both of them, we did feel that the horror elements were quite silly. Yes. Do you remember that Freddy gets brought into the real world and suddenly he's just like being fucking home alone? Yeah. You know, in the house. Like, oh! <laughs> yeah. Ow! And doesn't the seventh one have him, like, actual Robert England just being a really yeah. sensitive man? And, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's like a demonic version of him who says things like, let's skin the cat. Yeah. Yeah. And- it, yeah, that's, it does work for me a bit better than um, the, the two sincere stuff. Especially when the two sincere yeah. stuff is bad, anyway, to be fair. Yeah, I'd say the moment in this that maybe scared me, that did mm. scare me, is the bit that really got to me when I was a kid, which is the confession slash exposition dump, where they mm. say, you see, it was I who was the killer all along. Yeah. Uh, kind of moment. Because there's just something about the way the two killers are acting. Mm. You know, they're not a cold, stoic, evil badass. They're two yeah. dumb kids who have no yeah. moral, you know, sense of morals. And they're completely desensitized. desensitized. They're not in control of anything. Yeah. And the moment that struck me as being fairly funny on this watch through, but which really mm. disturbed me when I was a kid, was when mm. Matthew Leonard gets back on the phone and says, Did you really call the police? You make your sorry ass like My mom and dad are so And like, 
as a kid, I remember just being like, oh, Jesus, this is awful. Nobody is in control here. Yeah. Everybody's a fuck up. This is dangerous. People are getting hurt and no one has any control or authority. Everyone is out of control. And that frightened me. Yeah. I remember being unnerved by it. And watching it now, you do get a little bit of that because, Mm. you know, it is fucked up. We have to... God, I was in of two minds whether to write something for this, but... This this the Wikipedia for this movie does have a lengthy section that talks about copycats, mm. and you know, stuff about you know people who were not necessarily driven to violence by the movie, of course, but people yeah. who themed their violence that they did around the movie. Yeah, and it is fairly disturbing the idea that these two young men who became vicious, sadistic lunatics, who are portrayed as being clowns. Mm. Proved to be aspirational figures for some. Yeah, that's a disturbing quality, and there is just enough of that sort of entitlement and masculine rage summarized mm. in the two of them. I mean, the fact that Johnny Depp spends the whole fucking movie trying to guilt Sydney into having sex with him. Yeah, God, I mean, so unpleasant. W- one of the one of them has the line um, about like movies don't create. Yeah, serial killers. It like it makes them more creative or something. Which is ironic because it's the opposite of that, surely, yeah. if they're just copying yeah. the movies they're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true. I was just going to say, not that it's an original or creative way of killing people. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's, and that's the thing as well. Scream doesn't have much in the way of creative kills. Um, mm. No, apart from that garage door. Yeah, apart from that. Um, <laughs> but the but the um, the inevitability of the first scene uh, with Drew Barrymore, yeah. I like this, like watching it through this time and knowing that she's going to die, and it's like ten minutes yeah. or so. Yeah, it, yeah. is is pretty rough. They they really, really they is. really dwell on it. There's still just enough in there to remind me of why I found it to be a creepy and brutal film when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but it's a very silly film. It's one that is very interesting. I can see how it shook things up. Yeah, for you sure. Know, it's got it's got the Deadpool feel to it, where it's yeah. like. You're a little bit wink wink in on the joke. Yeah. Whilst you're watching it. And I can see how that was revolutionary for yeah. you know, young people in the nineties. Oh yeah. It's perfect for the nineties. Yeah. And I think what? the horror scene needed it as well. Yeah, I yeah, I think so. It had become a bit stale apart from those movies I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um <laughs> those really great ones. Those really great movies. Um but yes, there was a staleness to mainstream horror, certainly. Mm. So yeah, but watching it now you get a big nostalgia hit if you grew up with it like oh, yeah. I did. Um, it's very much of its time. It's yeah. somewhat romanticized. There's no parents anywhere, of course, because it's a Wes Craven movie. Yeah. Oh Christ! All right, let's um, let's get into our categories then, and we shall start with best camper. Okay, camper. I, I was gonna initially gonna say Matthew Lillard because he. Yes, he that's did what just... I was gonna say too. Yeah. I was about to ask if the killer can be a camper. So I, I mean, we could. You can have Matthew Lillard if you want, I... and, and I'll and I'll go with uh, Jamie Kennedy because he. Okay. He was a, a stereotype, but I think he played it pretty mm. well and sincerely, and 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 I, and I liked his 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 sort of flippant uh, mm. approach to like the per- personal relations that he had, and he was just quite enjoyable yeah. and not as overbearing as I was expecting him to be. <laughs> do you know what? Um, I also want to do a shout out to Rose McGowan's uh, Tatum because yeah. in her few the few sequences that she has, she does establish herself as being fairly. Um, uh, ruthless, like not ruthless, but like assertive. Yeah, you know when she yells at Dewey for holding up, releasing Sydney. Yeah, 
you know, that's good stuff. And when, you know, she kind of gets in between her and the reporter, you know, yeah. she's very fiercely protective of her friend. Yes. And I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, true. But yeah, Matthew Lillard was over. I think we have to, in the Scream franchise, allow the killer to be the MVP, if possible, because for most of the movie, they will just be acting like one of the characters. That's very true. Yeah. This is the first franchise we've done where there's a whodunit quality to Yeah. Uh, except the first Friday the 13th. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and we we had this. I've I've told this story before of watching Halloween H twenty with a yeah yeah H two O with a with a friend and him be like, who do you think the killer is? And it's Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, but who? It's not how this works. You fucking idiot. Yeah, fucking um, idiot. Come on, son. Does that look like Josh Hartnett to you? No, it's not. You're a joke. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely campers. And, yeah. Ma- and speaking of camp, Matthew Lillard, everyone, because yeah. oh my god, he was fucking wonderful. Man. Yeah. <laughs> And don't see much of him yeah. anymore. You see, he, no. was, he was in Hackers. Except it, he was in Twin Peaks The Return. Oh! oh. <laughs> Zoom just cut that out after a while. <laughs> nope. No more of this. Thanks, Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, best kill. That's what oh. we're here for. Yeah, oh, so... <sighs> oh, I don't know. It was, it was kind of hard. Um, I did like the TV on the... I like the TV on Matthew Lillard's head. I do. I think probably <laughs> it's Neve Campbell's stunt woman, stunt woman, ki- stunt person <laughs> killing uh, Ski or stabbing Ski Ulrich because I okay. I like the the tables turning and her yeah. having the now st- or just like the forethought to play the same game on them. And yeah. there's a bit of tension, but it's not tension. It, it's yeah, it's all reversed, and it feels kind of yeah. good and empowering. That's um, good. Yeah, she didn't. She she didn't need to dress up in the the scream thing, the <laughs> ghost face uh, costume until you pointed out that it was a stunt person, and then that's why. <laughs> oh well, I didn't know you can always do something with that hair in front of the face. Come on, yeah, I've been doing it for years. True. Shitty SD videos, quality TVs. I'm not going to pick that out. But it's actually the same dude who was Nick Cage's stunt man in Face Off. So <laughs> it just wasn't going to work. Yeah, and, uh, he was, and he hated fucking Ski Ulrich. He was out for blood. <laughs> He knew he'd been in conversation with him a week before, and Skeet Ulrich had brought up, apropos of nothing, Skeet thought about his uh, open heart surgery, and then this guy just started laughing madly. Yes, okay, best kill. I'm gonna go with yeah, with best. I'm gonna go with the most menacing, the one that mm. really got to me, and that is yeah, Drew Barrymore's mm. death for the reasons mentioned earlier. The mm. very end of it is very disturbing. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, when it gets pitiful, when it stops being sort of madcap, sort of blur, ah, yeah, kind of thing, you know, when it when it stops being a ghost house, um, yeah, and it gets really disturbing. Yeah, yeah. I think that was that was the most effective, affecting kill. Uh, yeah, from this movie, and it starts with my scariest moment. Well, no, the, 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 there the, we go. The down, the down, the bad feeling time, Paul. It starts with my scariest moment. Okay, <clears throat> which. Again, with a lot of the remakes and a lot of the sequels, scary isn't quite the word. But when he when Ghostface catches up with Drew Barrymore and from behind sort of brings a knife downwards into the ch- into a chest, yeah, there's something so slow and steady about the movement. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's not. It doesn't seem to be done in anger. It's just right there, and she can't do anything about it. Yeah, and yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> how yeah. helpless she is at that moment. Oh yeah. Uh, my scariest moment is the bit where uh, Tatum and uh, Sidney Prescott are just talking and chatting, and then they move out of frame, and Ghostface is just in the bushes, and he goes, blah, and he runs away. That's great. 
No, I'm just kidding. That's that was ridiculous. That was a very ridiculous <laughs> yeah. moment where he was there in broad daylight in full guise, and he just runs past a clearing to remind the audience he's there. Jesus Christ! Um, we know he's there. <laughs> it's fine. Scariest, scariest moment. Let me think. It's not a very scary film. There is something to the mm. cameraman realizing there's a 30 second delay on the footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Because he looks at the camera and he sees that Ghostface is still in the house and then he opens the van door and sees that the door is wide open and then he remembers the delay. Yeah. And if he had been murdered immediately then, that would have been great, but he felt the need to turn around and remind the audience there's a delay. Yeah. Which is irritating, but until then, that's quite a good little spooky moment where it's like, oh shit, I thought I had a grip on this situation, but I forgot something and now I'm at a disadvantage. Tables turn (laughs) very quickly. So, um, but no, actually, scariest moment. I'm going to stick to my guns. The moment I <laughs> needlessly described earlier, it <laughs> is when the two of them are just stabbing each other, and it's just like, yeah, Jesus yeah, yeah. Christ, you're both clowns, and nobody has any control here. Yeah. And my life might be, you know, at risk just because these two are idiots. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's you know that's what fucking Columbine was. You know, it's it's yeah. it's like just two morons. Yeah. With no empathy whatsoever, have decided to do this stupid thing. Yeah. And now that's going to be your entire life. You're going to be a part of their Wikipedia page. Yeah. It's, yeah, terrifying. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Wow. So, well, there you go. There you go. There you go. That's a scream. Yeah, that's this room for you. That's scary movie, according to Kevin Williamson. <laughs> um. So, yes, yeah, Scream 1 came out, made a lot of money, and started off a trend for teen-oriented horror flicks. Mm. And uh, yeah, resulted in a sequel just a couple years later, which uh-huh. we shall catch up on on the other side of this door. Oh, this one, mm. right here. That's <laughs> no, just a door. Just a door. It is just a door. I'm just fucking with you. Let's go through. Oh fuck. Okay. Oh, careful. There's a bit of a step. Oh no, there actually oh. isn't. Okay. Nope. Nope. I'm... Come on in. All right. Cool. Uh... Yay. Oh, it's unlocked. Yep. Un- unlocked. All ready to go. Anyway, here we are. February. Oh, am I right? Oh, oh God. Oh, am I right? <laughs> oh, totally. Is it, oh. is it possible to be wrong in this crazy world? Oh, these seats. So I'm just going to sit. Oh, that's lovely. It's really comfy, actually. Yeah. Oh, it's very nice. Yeah, it's quite nice in here. In this viewermatorium. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, screen two. Bloody two, everyone. Scream Absolute Two. Wes Craven and screenwriter Kevin Williamson return both, uh, united by their dislike for horror sequels. And fans. <laughs> Evidently. Yeah. Um, Wes Shit, has some cause. I've just, I've just ruined the best joke of my... Uh, the only joke of oh. my <laughs> Fuck. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I was so excited about it. <laughs> I do this thing where if, when it's my turn to do the plot... In that week's episode of OGT, I make loads of jokes that have sort of been influenced by the plot I've done because I can only keep so many <laughs> words in my head at any one point. I love it, mate. And it's <sighs> it's a beautiful thing to see harmonised together. It's your Twitter presence 
and retrospectively understanding it in the context of the <laughs> um, plot synopsis that most people hear in October. It's it's, it's just the only staggering. way to live, people realise. I don't know it at the time <laughs> or, or after, but it is. <laughs> and yet it came to define a generation. Uh, speaking of which, Williamson developed two sequels during the production of Scream 1. And oh. once greenlit, he wrote a script, seemingly with four killers involved. Okay. Uh, but... The script was leaked in full on the internet, so filming started without a complete script, whilst Williamson rewrote massive parts of it, including the entire ending. Great. Yeah. Craven says that it was so rushed that script jobs were being delivered the day of filming, and there were huge sections that were lacking in detail where Craven had to improvise. That's interesting. Um, Yeah. I'm not saying it's rushed, but... uh... (laughs) I don't want to say this thing's rushed. That was during Wes Craven's uh, stand-up routine. (laughs) (laughs) Bam, 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 bam. (laughs) How rushed was it? <laughs> to avoid another leak, they mm. didn't give the actors full scripts. They didn't mm. tell the actors playing the killers who they were until the end of the shoot. Yeah. They wrote multiple endings. They had limited set access. They issued NDAs to everyone. And the script was printed onto special paper that couldn't be photocopied and was often destroyed at the end of the day. <laughs> okay. So they were pretty hardcore about this. No one's going to give a fuck about this if they know who the killers are in advance. It's Jim. Oh, shit, I don't need to see that movie. No context needed there. Yeah. Fucking Jim did it. Son of a bitch. They should have called this movie Jim. <laughs> Jim, t- Jim 1, Scream 3. Um, the film is apparently... Poor Condor. <laughs> Operation Condor. The film is apparently yeah. the first in which an internet leak affected production, but in 2017, Williamson claimed that it wasn't the real script that got leaked anyway. So there... I just oh, I just massively yeah, well, rewrote so, the third act during principal photography because I wanted to. Just like I massively re- rewrote my 1997 just now. <laughs> like I constantly rewrite episodes for my own life to ensure I'm the best. <laughs> Me, Kevin Williamson. King Kevin. King Kevin, as I've oh. always been known. <laughs> Since before I was born. <laughs> um, they considered titles like Scream Again, Scream Louder, and Scream the sequel uh, before the okay. studio decided that they should probably call it Scream 2. Before the studio decided that they shouldn't fuck around. <laughs> before, before the studio took their pot away and said no. <laughs> pot after film. <laughs> oh, said Wes Craven. <laughs> it was felt that Drew Barrymore lent credibility to Scream One, so they went after. So they went after a relatively established and famous TV uh, sort of cast. Uh, to fill out the uh, sort of supporting characters, we mm. have Elise Neal from the Hugh Lees. Mm. heard of that jack o'connell from sliders i don't mm. I, I just jack kangaroo jack for me yeah. uh timothy oliphant oh. from one episode of sex in the city yeah Remember that uh sarah michelle geller from the sarah michelle geller show it was big in the 90s yeah. and laurie metcalf from roseanne yeah did you go oh because you didn't realize jack o'connell was in Ch- kangaroo jack it just it just all it all settled <laughs> finally and is it jack o'connell i thought it was jerry o'connell it is Jerry O'Connell. I wrote Kerry O'Connell, and I was like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> must must be Jack. <laughs> I didn't look it up. I just thought, probably Jack. Uh, let me see. Yeah. Jerry O'Connell. It looks like Jerry O'Connell. It's definitely Jerry O'Connell, my friend. And Excellent. I respect the, respect the fact that you remembered that. We had a big old conversation about it yesterday. <laughs> um, Sarah Michelle Gellar filmed her role in between seasons of Buffy, and shortly after appearing in another Kevin Williamson film, I Know What You Did This Evening. Oh, that's lovely. An evening with <laughs> Kevin Williamson. <laughs> it's a very daunting experience. 
because there were so many extras at the shooting of the cinema sequence um, that full details of what happened just got leaked immediately, which Wes Craven described as the production's first experience of a major plot leak, which I think he only said to fuck up my chronology here. (laughs) It was definitely first before anything else that Paul might have mentioned, he said. It's very Wes Craven. It's a very Wes (laughs) thing to do. (laughs) It's a very meta thing to do, and I appreciate it. Rewriting the past. So it's for Kevin Williamson thing to do as well, which I respect. The fact that both of them now, do it apropos, like in, <laughs> independent of one another, yeah, just just, just speaks yeah. to their brilliance, <laughs> and yet completely consistent. It's unbelievable how they do that. <laughs> now they had trouble with the MPAA again. Oh, and so they sent the eight pa. different cuts. The mumpa, 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 dubbity boo. If you want your film cut, we That's will what fuck we you. Do. <laughs> They sent eight different cuts and required another phone call from Bob Weinstein to get this passed. What oh, is this Christ. process? Exactly. Fuck we just me. like hearing your voice, mate. <laughs> but <laughs> we just love it. We need to hear from you. You don't call enough. <laughs> Jesus. The MP- calling other people. The empires are a fucking teasers. It's my story. Deserve so, it. A- <laughs> Deserve what? A- I don't know. What did Bob What did Bob Weinstein do to the MPAA? Oh, I don't know, but it's still being felt to this day. Yeah. Apparently, Craven submitted a very violent version of the film to the censors. Right. Including Omar Epps' get, um, character getting stabbed in the head three times in the year instead of once. Ah! No! <laughs> ow! Ow! What? Ow! Oh, no! He's been stabbed in the ear. Well, they can't possibly do it again. Oh, God! Why oh, shit, he did! Why would you? Why? <laughs> The thinking was Craven was going to submit something way more violent than what they yeah, right. actually wanted to put out so that they could then cut stuff they didn't want in it anyway when they demanded yeah. cuts and then the next version would seem more reasonable. Yeah. Um, but they just passed the first cut. So, <laughs> but if that if that's true, why is he only stabbed once? And what's this about Bob Weinstein's involvement? Yeah. Look, it just, it depends who you want to believe. Scream, the inside story, or behind the scream. I'm okay. in favor of behind the scream because of their name. Okay. You're behind the scream. I'm behind behind the scream. Yeah. Because I think it's superior. They put more effort. They put more than a second of effort into the making of scream. Yeah, that's true. But maybe they, they the making of scream was so concerned with veracity and ferocity <laughs> that they didn't have time to think of a fucking title. They were just scream the making of. Yeah. Get away no, from it. It was Bob Weinstein who did it. And Bob I won't have Weinstein's. anyone else say differently. <laughs> Bob Weinstein's scream the making of. <laughs> oh God! Uh, one last note, and that is on music. Uh, the movie sees Marco Beltrami, uh, return as composer, with mm. a little music from Danny Elfman during mm. the play. Mm. And what's that funky guitar work that plays when Dewey is about all of a sudden? It sounds pretty familiar. Sounds like something I've seen John Travolta fuck a movie camera to. Well. <laughs> That music was written by Hans Zimmer for John Woo's sublime nonsense action flick, Broken Arrow. Amazing. The filmmakers used it as a placeholder in the film before Beltrami reworked the Dewey theme from the first film, which yeah. apparently you can still hear in this, but I don't I didn't fucking <laughs> notice. I noticed Hans Zimmer's um John Travolta track. Um the problem is they showed it to a test audiences a test audience and everyone loved the Zimmer score because of fucking course they did. So yeah, of course. 
they just kept it in and now you can hear that piece of music when you watch broken arrow and <laughs> scream 2 <laughs> do, 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 do. and it's now a legitimate um 6 degrees option isn't it <laughs> that route oh christ well when the film oh <laughs> when the film was released studios were so worried they wouldn't be able to compete with scream 2 that they moved the release dates of tomorrow never dies and titanic <laughs> okay <laughs> We don't want us to eat into our profits here. No. <laughs> there's, there's too much overlap between all of those. Oh, shit, son. I'm going to go see Scream 2. Motherfucker, that doesn't get released yet. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Titanic was my second choice. <laughs> Tomorrow Never Dies, I'm willing to, to miss. <laughs> yeah, we'll give that one a miss. Uh, Scream 2 has 2% more than Scream on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, but 2% less on Metacritic. Uh, so... 2% more critics liked it, but in general, everyone liked it 2% less. Yeah, okay. And the first movie made $173 million in the cinema. The second movie made $172.4 million. <laughs> a th- Jesus. 0. A 0.35% decrease from the previous film. Thank you, Katie Maiden, maths boss. So <laughs> how many sequels have managed to so closely mirror the previous film's critical and commercial success? Jesus. Like, it's within 2%. That is incredible. <laughs> That's fucking eerie. What a... Oh, Jesus. What a thing to happen on this day. <laughs> on this day. This St. Swiven's Day, I imagine. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, Paul. Do your, do your worst. <clears throat> all right. Let's have it. Well, here is my worst. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Sydney. Yes? What's your favorite scary movie? Who is this? You tell me. Corey Gillis, 5550176. Hot flash, Corey. Prank calls are a criminal offense prosecuted under penal code 653M. Hope you enjoyed the movie. The movie begins with a movie. Stab. Ah. We follow a regular couple of fuckle-nucks queuing up to watch the movie made about the last one of these we did, and we're treated very early on to some disconnecting cine-literate chat. Where do they get their PhDs from, eh? They then go on to highlight the fact that they seem to know an awful lot about cinema. Eat your cake, Wes. Eat it! They walk into the theatre containing the worst kind of people on the planet, whites, all of whom are doing the second worst thing in the world, talking in a cinema, and the fifth moan when Heather Graham puts a gown back on before getting killed. Third and fourth is taking Heather Graham for granted, you pieces of shit. She's a flower. Eat it wet. Anyway, the audience spends some time explaining what Kevin Williamson thinks of horror fans and foreshadowing what James Vanderbilt thinks of horror fans. <laughs> they yell and squeal in delight at a worse written, lamer version of the first movie until the woman of the couple we're following goes into the lobby to get startled by a non-diegetic horror sting. Her ace boyfriend scare. Her ace boyfriend scares her with a scream mask because he's got a reputation to uphold. This is Omar. This is Omar Epps, lady. Whoever you are. Back in the theatre with the kind of people who'd fucking cheer at the end of The Mandalorian. For the first time since Texas 1, things are getting too real for me in this cinema full of actual paedophiles. It gets even realer as I remember this guy dies whilst going to the toilet during the film. And I do that. That's my thing. (laughs) But he does die. I mostly remember the scary movie version where a guy gets a dildo in the ear ear when investigating a glory hole. Ah, the past. Back in the theatre and Jada Pinkett Smith, that's who it is by the way, is getting fully into the swing of things and her boyfriend comes back wearing a ghost face mask like all the other nonces in it. But oh no, it's the killer! Uh, Wait, how do they know how to how do they know to sit down next to Jada Pinkett Smith? The killer was already in the toilet when the guy went into the cubicle. Did he assume just because they're both black they uh, were together? I say were because they're both dead and no one has to ask the awkward question. <laughs> which is why hasn't that theatre been burned down with those literal actual child rapists inside? Open your mouth wet! <laughs> Neve Campbell is back everyone! 
She's at college. Uh, She's also got street smarts and spends most of her time utilising cooler ID to fend off the more instinctual perverts. Just like a real adult woman. No luck with the thinking weirdos, but she'll get there. One wank at a time. (laughs) Anyway... Neve Campbell, aka College Girl, doesn't want to go to a party, but oh no, there's a note I didn't finish writing. She's made aware of the recent killings and we meet our campers. Movie Buff the Vampire Slayer, Joshua Pacey Facey Jackson, Paul Salt, uh, Jerry Not a Killer O'Connell, and Forever 38 year old Timothy Oliphant, sporting a hairdo, which is the main thing I remember from this movie, Jamie Kennedy. Okay. <laughs> Yay! Oh boy. <laughs> and, uh,. And then, uh, yeah, that's the last time I mentioned that because I, uh, I felt bad about making the comparison. But it was because you made a joke about it kind of in the first one, right. and, uh, and 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 I don't I don't actually mean it. You're a, you're a wonderful man, and, um, and not in any way like Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, just just piece of nowhere near as annoying, living piece of shit. I feel less bad about interrupting you now to say that he did know the black couple in advance because he knew their names so that he could kill them and make references to the first um, series of murders. Yeah, I I, I I looked I looked that up, but um. <laughs> But then they're not credited with their surnames at IMDb, so I was like, oh, maybe they're just talking about different different people. Oh, but uh, oh, but it, okay. <laughs> but it, I, I remember the scene in Scream Two mm. where they uh, where they talk about people's names, mm. but uh, you didn't you didn't IMDb, know if it was they just there. got their first names. Okay, yeah. But uh, yeah. what a, what a lovely what a crazy coincidence that those two people had um had like they're <laughs> together and they have two of the, like they share names of people who oh my god the, first, the amount the of research he also mentions that he got to send those tickets for free which presumably with the killer did but it, 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 let's go on it's fine that's that's brilliant that's actually really good <laughs> i like that yeah. anyway no i just look this isn't the first time paul that i kind of thought this isn't <laughs> gonna stand up if you analyze it at all but i wanted to have my cake and eat it much like uh, <laughs> much like a certain director oh oh uh, oh oh we're in class while some of these characters take part in the horror movie tradition of discussing the main intellectual thrust of the movie, making sure everybody knows Kevin Williamson knows accurate movie quotes and is sick to death of people misremembering them when they're always on their phones and their Game Boys. <laughs> so, uh, Jam- old man director. I had to scroll down so I couldn't just I couldn't just cut. Yeah. Um, Jamie Kennedy's walking weird. What's wrong with him? Oh yeah, he got shot and or stabbed. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. At least I got it before they mentioned it. But then they don't, and I don't know what to think. Except that uh, I really value my friendship with Paul Salt. <laughs> anyway, college girl is going out with maybe I am a killer O'Connell. Big shot <laughs> Courtney Cox from Friends is on the scene and slamming some motherfuckers with a fresh brand of investigative reporting. She gets a brand new bitch to carry a camera around <laughs> after her, and then she's accosted by a disgusting sycophant slash reporter. Tautology, am I right? You know, repeating something unnecessarily. Here comes Mr. Courtney Cox with an even bigger and more explainable injury than Jamie Kennedy's. Neve's glad to see someone that hasn't even seen a fucking movie, let alone talk about one, and enjoys a real conversation about emotions where he brings up the murders and the grave threat she's in. Courtney Cox brings in Liv Schreiber, who actually does look younger in a shock twist. He was promised 10 minutes of airtime and an interview with Neve Campbell, but there I go again, not finishing notes. Guess this move at a pace, huh? Basically, Neve Campbell doesn't want to do a TV interview about wrongfully accusing a man about some murders that happened to her family and the people she loved. Wow, Sid, you know, that happened to my family too like a year ago and i'm fine now yes says the crowd in unison that happened to all of us too and that was roughly a year ago and we're all fine too (laughs) strawberry apple bobbing she sells seashells on the seashore weird then they all go off to get a room leaving college pearl to go to some (laughs) bullshit frat party and i'm just relieved to be watching a late 90s horror movie as opposed to an early noughties one the ones where preppy american kids with college sweaters do keggers to godsmack and power man 5000 American new metal goths are the orphans at Christmas gazing in at a family seated around a roast duck or when I and the people I pay to be my family eat duck pancakes in that van to make my real family jealous. <laughs> Movie buff has an interesting backstory of a deadbeat boyfriend and is watching Nosferatu in a house like that's normal. But enough of that, she gets a call the killer Kate. Enough of that, she gets a call the killer maid from inside the house. <gasps> okay, but seriously, put Ted on. 
<laughs> a friend makes a Friday the 13th reference over the phone. Read the fucking room, Cynthia. Jesus. <laughs> a student friend shows up and they talk for a moment whilst the killer cartoon villain's in when she's not looking and has her ears plugged so she can't hear the smoke machines or mad insane laughter. The phone rings again and student friend answers. Oh, you want Cece? Sure. Cece, it's Ted. Oh, brilliant. It's not Ted. No. Old bitten, am I right? What's the matter, Wes? Need some ketchup? She guffs about a bit, trying to locate the source of the rising horror strings. Ultimately, this proves to be her downfall as the killer attacks her from behind a door where you can't hear music. <laughs> More effort goes into making Timothy Oliphant look like not an obvious killer. He makes jokes. He doesn't like Ewoks. This is pretty airtight. And they're filming the boyfriend in some pretty creepy ways, you know. Just saying. Book covers are made to literally be judged. <laughs> Students try to hide their ecstasy as they announce police swarming a potential murder scene. <laughs> Horror fans, I tell you. <laughs> the sycophant reporter tautology duology uh, double checks with the police that the stabbed woman lying crushed on the drive wasn't a suicide, and then some shit happens. As Brawler Brr prepares to leave her house and get away from the murder, the landline goes, uh, the past, and suddenly the killer's in her house with a knife. He stabs the door, mistaking it for her head, pratfalls over wired and breakable things, and suddenly her boyfriend's at the back door, a little suspiciously if you ask me. How did he change out of that suit impossibly fast? Hmm? Uh, the past. Boyfriend gets stabbed up and Dewey runs in after him. Sydney, he's in here, he says. Yeah, you're fine, mate. I think I'll stay here. So, um, in the hospital, forever slightly young 30 year Forever slightly young 38-year-old Timothy Oliphant shows up in a sweater, what a lovely guy, and does start to sound like a killer. But ooh, now the film is, sig is signalling that he's the killer. I won't fall for that again. The first movie had this where they did a fake out with a boyfriend and it turned out he wasn't the killer. But then he was, so you see why this is confusing. Anyway, Dewey picks up on all of this and has his finger squarely probed up the boyfriend's anus. Amazing that you let him get away easily. I mean, Sydney can vouch for me. I went in there like three seconds before you did. It's amazing that he got away so easily, but that's more praise for him than anything. Anyway, college <laughs> brah, Neve Kamatball. That, yeah, <laughs> he's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Love this guy. Oh, I got a, we've all got a lot to learn from him. Uh, collage brah, Neve Kamatball. That's how I spelt it. I'm not going to change it. Dumps Jerry O, not the killer Connell, and he does a sociopath look when the camera gets close. <gasps> Silly man, you save those for when there are no cameras, just the usual ones that catch you wanking. Anyway, Courtney Cox and Mrs. Courtney Cox discuss the possibility of a copycat killer like it wasn't obvious. Forever 38, Timothy Oliphant eats an apple innocently, red, the best colour, and Jerry, not, 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 an O-killer Connell, eats a green one murderously. <laughs> then, like a fucking serial killer would, he gets up on the table and draws attention to himself by singing a song that's from Top Gun. Yes, thank you, naive and pure 38-year-old Timothy Oliphant for pointing that out, but it may well be a song in its own right, so back off, you lovely, innocent man. But anyway, that clears everyone in the room of suspicion as far as I'm concerned. Neve Campbell... There's reference to David Schwimmer playing Dewey in Stab, which if we're getting meta, and yeah, we are, is incestuous. They then cut to a scene from Stab to show Luke Wilson playing Billy, which is uh, which gets the biggest laugh from me for the film. <laughs> uh, the two injured men, Dewey and once avatar of Paul Salt, Jamie Kennedy, discuss in overtly metatextual terms who the serial killer could be. I assume that everyone in the movie tunes out as I do because I'm certain there's a clue in there, but again, I did not listen. I'm, I'm not prepared to. <laughs> David Warner shows up, so everyone knows the speech about using art to help embrace the inevitability of mortality isn't wanky-wank film meta-wank, and is, as a result, moving. Anyway, a shitey play is performed, and David Warner realises he's made some mistakes somewhere along the line. <laughs> Fortunately for him, Carl Agrara definitely sees Ghostface, who scrambles amusingly and shitly offstage before anyone else can put down their Game Boys or cellular telephones long enough to connect with the world. Shove it in your mouth, wet! There's a second Friends reference. Ha ha ha, wait, what film is this? The killer calls whilst Jamie Kennedy and Mr. and Mrs. Courtney Cox chat more about who the killer is. He puts an airtight, solid finger over the mouthpiece and has a conversation with Mr. and Mrs. Cox. Ah, the past. Then Jamie Kennedy does. Eyes. He's dragged into Cox's van and stabbed while some youths boombox their way by, probably on the way to an orgy. Uh, the past. And kids. 
Bortage Bort is in the library <laughs> using a computer, but it freezes. Hey, she asked the guy next to her, did your computer just freeze? No, your computer just had to do one other thing. Just alt tab <laughs> to, the, to the message. I don't know what any of this means. Anyway, it's from the killer. The cops run in, <laughs> tricking me into expecting Hank Azaria every time they turn around. Anyway, they say, you stand over here on your own in a corner and we're going to go check every inch of this place. Every <laughs> inch. It's going to take us hours. So Liv Schreiber as Cotton Weary shows up and goes 100% serial killer in her face. He gets arrested by the cops and I don't think he broke the law, but arrest him anyway. Yeah. That would make me feel better. The Azarias grill him a bit, but can't hold him just for being a fucking maniac, unfortunately. <laughs> Dewey asks Neve Campbell if she's okay. All right, man, read the room. Uh, and she replies, quit treating me like I'm made of glass. I'm not going to break. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty weird, actually. You should probably keep asking her. Just check in from time to time. <laughs> glass of water. Uh, there are some very good cop photographs on the wall next to uh, Courtney Cox. Uh, Cotton Weary walks out of the station with no police escort and is asked by a reporter if he's still under arrest. Mr. and Mrs. Courtney Cox decide to work together because no one else knows anything. They break into the motherfucking audiovisual club, bitches, and sleuth the fuck out of some VHS tapes. They headbutt each other in some weird friends-related incestuous fuck preface and start comedy fast-forwarding through news reports. They come back across the footage of Dewey being mean to Courtney Cox, but with good reason, and they realise it's time to do a fuck. And they would have done a real one too were it not for Wes Craven changing the script then and there to stop this couple demonstrating their love and physical needs in front of everybody on Bring Your Kid to Work Day again. (laughs) <laughs> the killer is filming from inside the lecture theatre, oh no. They plough their ah. fields and scatter, followed by some running about a bit, and a creepy bit of cat and mouse, ending with Gal Weathers cleverly evading Ghostface into a room with no exit. <laughs> Dewey is on the other side of the glass, though, and can't be heard, bloody audio, bloody audio-visual club. He gets stabbed by the <laughs> face, which, as luck would have it, turns his head in just the right direction to see the mic he needs to alert Courtney Cox in time for his bloody, annoying, noisy death. Foliage World gets ready to go into hiding with the help of the Azarias, and definitely the killer O'Yessel says, when this is all over, I'll still be here. Horror sting for the definite killer boyfriend, and time to kiss. But then some kids turn up and punish him for giving away his frat letters to Sid, which he did when he sang that song. White kids, the worst people in the world. Even worse than immigrants. Sid and friend's car party gets crashed by Ghostface, and he didn't have an invite, so he slits a policeman's throat and drives the other one into a wall of construction materials, splatting his head. And he didn't even have an invite. Ah, oh, the past. Ghostface is unconscious, but the only way out is over him and out of his window. Bloody hell, you couldn't make it up. They do this successfully, and then then Cortage Fell says, well, time I became the final girl again, I guess. Wait, says a friend. We could just run. I'm just going to go and find out who he is. So a friend <laughs> dies, and girl, that girl runs exactly to where definitely a killer boyfriend or boyfriend is tied up for being a frat failure. I don't know, America, how do you work? Anyway, forever young 38-year-old Timothy Oliphant reveals he's the killer and demonstrates it by using his voice box and then dropping it from six feet above the ground and having it take way longer than it should to hit the floor. He shoots boyfriendo murderer and reveals that he wants to get caught so he can blame it on movies, specifically Gangs of New York. He hated that it built up to this incredible battle between the Patriots and Irish only for the army to step in and rob us of an awesome action scene, which is the point of all movies. I just don't think they've made a good movie since Attack of the Clones, you know? So... With his true opinions about Ewoks come to light, Oliphant channels Travolta and Cage, and John woos the crowd with the reveal that there was a second killer, Bloody Laurie Metcalf, who, by our own admission, doesn't have a 90s motive, but a good old-fashioned revenge one, with a mental 90s frame-up story and some mental 90s acting. It turns out that Laurie Metcalf is Billy's mum, and if Neve Campbell would have been anywhere near her this entire time, she'd have realised. Metcalf plays a straw man of middle America for a few minutes, which is just long enough for (laughs) Jewess Ex Machina to show up, which is uh, a great joke, which is only slightly ruined by the fact that he has nothing to do with the ending. Uh, Right! gets away on her own merit and fucking terrifies Laurie met you one night and realised you're a murderer calf then Cotton Weary shows up enabling Metcalf to finally be the one to channel some cage and oh boy does she channel it's enough to convince Cotton Weary that he should kill 
let her kill Sydney. Not really, it was a ruse, but it is a good thing he was the one to shoot Laurie Metcalf, otherwise he'd have had some explaining to do to the next person in the room. Do you know how hard it is to convince someone you didn't want to kill them and sound sincere? <laughs> Trust me. <sighs> Timothy Oliphant, forever young, does the jump scare this time. They kill him finally, and Neve Campbell pops one in Billy's mum's face, just in case. You know, that's not okay just because it rhymes. She's gone, I know. Anyway, now Dewey shows up to unbelievably and unconvincingly save the day by getting wheeled out of the building on a gurney. And you're telling me cinema isn't dead? Bloody audiovisual club. Ah, the past. So, Neve Campbell is asked what it's like to be a hero, and she says, Go hound cotton, you vultures! So everyone wins. He sells his story immediately. Triumphant music plays. Didn't I have a boyfriend? Oh well, the end. <laughs> Da, da, da. And she said, My boyfriend's dead. For real. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Make it yeah. run down, my friend. You ran that right the way down. I did. That, that was really <laughs> long. I apologize. That's good stuff. <sighs> okay, well, what do you think of Scream 2? Oh, God. Um, I don't know. It was kind of fun. Ooh, um, okay. Still. I, I enjoyed a fair amount of it, but it meandered mm. an awful lot, I think, mm. this one. Yeah. And <clears throat> for all of its discussion around making a sequel better than the original, you know, the, mm. the kids were having at uni, this definitely yeah. wasn't that. The mm. original was much tighter and snappier, whereas in this it feels like there's too much roving and happenstance with them getting to the specific mm. places for the showdown. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it with, with I think it may have had something interesting to say as well around whether movies inspire serial killers but it was all mm. yelled exposition and it was more jarring in this one i found right okay um yeah so yeah it was yeah it definitely had that nostalgia pull um it definitely did yeah definitely definitely mm. but yeah i was longing for like for the final third of the movie to take place in one house <laughs> as opposed to mm. campus and then in a car and then being chased and ending up at this right at this, the same place as uh you know, mm. there's Tim yeah. Elephant and all this, and it was, sure. yeah, it was. I found that better, the better moments were the conversations that weren't about movies. Mm. The first, oh, yeah. the first time Neve Campbell sees Dewey again, and she runs to to greet him, and it's really yeah, nice because yeah. she's just desperate for a familiar face, and they yeah. have a conversation, and it's not not one of them is is going, yeah, but John Carpenter's later movies were, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, they just have a, this 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 human moment, yeah. Um, and there are a yeah, few of those throughout the movie, and like. Get, uh, Courtney Cox and David Arquette when they're like making up and they're mm. like starting to like l- like each other again. It's yeah. really sweet. It, it it, it's kind of it's kind of silly, but it's all very sweet. And I couldn't, no, yeah, I couldn't not like it. I love sure. the bit when the boyfriend does, uh, you know, singing in the middle of that canteen. <laughs> it's so yes. fucking fun. I woke up with this feeling I didn't know how to deal with. And so I just decided to myself, I'd hide it to myself. And what is he doing? Uh, Tom Cruise, Top Gun, 1986. Derek, don't. I think I love you. Don't do this. I think I love you. Isn't that what life is made of? Yeah. It's just, it's just great. It, <laughs> it feels like a breakfast club kind of, yeah, kind of move. Yeah. Um, so it has a lot in there, and mm. I, um, I'll, I'll let you respond to that before I say any more. <laughs> well, yes, I prefer it to this. I prefer it to the first one. <laughs> really? Yeah, I like this one oh, better. Wow. 
I think it's aged better. I think the um mm. the, the silly stuff feels funnier, more natural and intentional as well. The stuff I'm laughing yeah. at, I'm always sure that the filmmakers meant me to be laughing at it, which oh, is different okay. from the first one. Um, I found that the characters interacted in more interesting ways, and yes, agreed, it's way better when they're talking about each other. But I found yeah. that I fe- I felt they were doing that more than they did in the first one. In the first yeah. one, there's a lot of film stuff, like yeah, the the, the moments of sweet sincerity between, like even Rose McGowan and Sydney talking about yeah. what's going on. I seem to, I just remember her calling her Wes Carpenter, and it's like yeah, it was just a filler scene. Here, there are actual moments where they talk yeah. to each other, and it's nice. Yeah. And the self-aware stuff about being sequels and, you know, mm. stuff about the first movie, the whole stab thing is yeah. here, but it's not overbearing for me. It's still, mm. It still felt like they had its own story to tell. It's its own okay. movie uh, that you could definitely enjoy on its own, I think. I don't think it's necessary to see the first one to sort of no. enjoy this movie. And I think that's probably the last time we're going to be able to say that about any of these movies. Yeah. It's going to get so fucking insular and navel-gazy yeah. as of the next one. Um, I remember the first felt... 10 minutes of Scream 4. Oh, the first God. five minutes. Oh, just... no. I think it is 10, actually. You're right. I oh. fucking forgot about that. But this one, <laughs> this one, it's self-aware, but it didn't feel insincere. Like, you weren't supposed to give a shit about what's actually no. going on, which is what I got from the most recent one. And okay, yeah. what's going on is not just a tired retread of the first film. There are some no. similar beats, but it feels actually, and this is the opposite criticism of um, what you has. Well, it's the it's the same thing. I felt the opposite yeah. way about it. It feels bigger and more sprawling. Mm. And I actually really like the college setting. I yeah. like the fact that we're across multiple locations and yeah. there are more people involved in what's going yeah, on. Right. It just, it maybe, yes, was less tight, but it felt more ambitious Yeah, as a result. And yeah. Like I, I guess the discussions that they're having about sequels and and, and mm. ones that that surpass the original and they get onto the Terminator, yeah, or, or Term- that T2. scene was obnoxious. Yeah, because it, nobody's it, it, talk. It, it, no, I remember as a kid finding that scene obnoxious because no yeah. one talks like this. And the yeah. way all the other class, there were so many class members there whose sole role is to laugh at the funny things that people are saying, and it's just the uh, not so funny things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there, there's there's that, but and they're clearly going for a, a similar thing. Um, yeah, but I, but I I found. Yeah, I I think usually I'm I'm all for that bigger and bigger and more ambitious. I mm. I fucking I love that. You know, yeah. I agree. T two is is a better oh, a better sure. sequel for you know for and that is one of the reasons. Mm. But um, I, I I guess with um the with the first movie, even though yeah, I, I agree. I probably sort of connected more with the the characters in this one. Mm. Um. I, I missed that driving force and I don't I don't mind sprawling, mm. but I felt like it it wasn't I, I wasn't going, Oh shit, of course they're gonna end up here. There there was yeah. just it, it just felt a bit too look, she went to the fucking she went to the fucking theatre, okay? Yeah. And... Yeah, maybe winding up at the theatre is a bit of contrivance, but there's still mm. like interruptions. There are ways in which mm. the real world steps in. Like, you know, Jack mm. o- Jerry O'Connell getting abducted by the f- the frat was yes. such a weird little detail that sort yeah. sort of happen. Yeah. And it just made, I don't know, it made it feel like there was more going on. And that yeah. these young kids aren't that worried about this sort of killing spree, which, you know, mm. feels very realistic based on what's happening now. Yeah. For me, the only thing I really felt it lost from the first movie is that it does lose that very timely and very, you know, prescient mm. and also upsetting theme of angry young white men serial spree killer angle. Yeah. From the mm. first one. And routing the killer's motive in the metatextual commentary about violence in movies sets a dangerous precedent for where this movie's going. 
where yeah. killers are just going to be motivated by what it is, whatever the fuck it is they have to say. Yeah, I about it. I, but I, I, I found. Sorry. Mm. Oh, and I was just gonna say I do quite like Jerry's uh, Jerry O'Connell's rash. No, Timothy Oliphant. Sorry, I do yeah. quite like Timothy Oliphant's rationalizing there. The whole like, but yeah. we it doesn't explain why he wants to kill people. But yeah. I quite yeah, like the idea. I like the idea that he's a straw man. You know, the idea yeah. is. This this is how crazy the argument that uh, media causes violence yeah. is. You know, here's yeah. this, and here's what pandering towards that argument costs. Is here you yeah. have a sadist, an absolute mm. lunatic, and he's planning on using your argument as his get out of jail yes. free card. He's yeah. going to completely lie, bullshit, yeah. and say that the movie has inspired him to commit violence when it didn't, so yeah. that he can get what is it, the Christian coalition to um, pay yeah. his legal fees, something like and that. Yeah, there's way too much talking going on in that final confrontation um and and way too much sort of fast-paced kind of you know staccato talking from both him and metcalf but nevertheless i was i was i I was all right with what's going on yeah and i I did enjoy you know Mm. laurie metcalf being yeah like being like mums against mums against movies or whatever you know mums against violence or yeah yeah yeah. that that kind of thing and um yeah blaming movies rather than looking at themselves or you know how they raise their kids or yeah yeah is 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 censoring things actually you know gonna fetishize uh (laughs) things and make this uh unattainable ideal and Mm. it's gonna create unhealthy obsessions and that's not the film's fault that's your sort of that's your your weird overbearing parenting and and Mm. your reluctance to see uh billy as uh someone in the wrong and that mm. and that's and that's yes. really cool. I I, mm. I did also feel that there was a disdain for horror fans in this one as well, though. That's very common to all of Wes Craven's stuff, though. I mean, Jesus True. Christ! Whenever that man needs to show people watching horror movies, it's the bizarre. It just makes you wonder if he ever went to a screening of any of his movies. Yeah, it's so weird. Like that that theater was just hell. Yeah, I remember thinking that as a kid. Like I would hate to be in there. Yeah. And yet Jada, Jada Smith, yeah. and yet Jada Plinkett Smith gets hushed when she like yells out a legitimate piece of criticism. It's very strange. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, yeah, so it, it doesn't. That in itself doesn't make much sense. Um, Shut up, bitch! Kevin, I want to yell about how I want her to be naked. It's it's interesting because yeah, I, I agree mm. with a lot of your uh, mm. um, <sighs> compliments. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of your positive. You know, mm. yeah, I just agree with a lot of your points that. Mm. It is, it is superior in a lot of ways, but I, I think, yeah, I just, uh, it, to be like, I needed it to be more sprawling and have more of a sense of that myself mm. or I, or I, yeah. um, it needed a little more something driving it. Okay. Not, not to say I didn't enjoy it because mm. I still did. And there's, there's a heavy nostalgia there and it could be the fact yeah. that, you know, the original scream is, is uh, mostly nostalgia with a driving force. Right. I, I, well, I wondered if actually the reason I came out liking Scream 2 so much is because mm. I I have seen it less than Scream 1. Mm. And that might have had some aspect. But more importantly, the most important part of all of this, you know, the meta mm. humor not as annoying, the actual humor working somewhat. I did love Jerry O'Connell's song. Um, yeah. Yeah. Most importantly for me, and I love Timothy Oliphant, actually. We'll come to this. Uh, we've got I, segments yeah. for this. I, I really did. I, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll come to him. But more importantly... It has horror set pieces that, for me, worked better than the goofy fall over fonds from the first movie. First okay. movie is always woman is alone, gets chased around by a guy who is quite easily shoved over and kicked quite mm. a lot until eventually he tackles her down and gets the better of her. And there was only really yeah, right. one of those sequences I really liked in the first one, and that's the okay. very end of Drew Barrymore's murder. But okay. this, they keep coming up with these kind of inventive ways for the killer to stalk and appear. 
Mm. You know, only the Sarah Michelle Gellar one is in the style of the first film, and that is mercifully sort of cut short and plays more with the tension of mm. there are other people about. Surely she's yeah, safe, right. and she's on the phone to the cops. She's surely going to be okay, and they keep finding reasons for that not to work out and help her. Yeah, It's still awkward and weird and dated, but I, yes, enjoyed this one a lot more. And, right. yeah, I, 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 I just found myself enjoying it more. So and I'm going to relish that at this stage because I feel like... <laughs> And I, you know what? I was worried because having seen the fifth one, which I hated a lot. Mm. Um, spoiler alert, <laughs> I hated the fifth one. Um, I was worried I was going to come back and not be on board with any of this. I was mm. just going to be like, I was, all I was going to do was very much like returning to Lord of the Rings after The Hobbit. You see the little things that are like, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. There's that thing that irritated me in the new film here in the old ones. Oh no. Uh, okay. And I was worried that was going to happen, but it didn't. didn't. I found yeah, right. that this film worked light years better that also might account for the difference in our opinions is that i saw the fifth one in between yeah. the first and second and you didn't so that's true yeah but nevertheless i think that it's i think it's a good one way or another you know it, it makes sense to me that this is within a percentile of the previous film and its yeah. reception and box office yeah i mean they did I a good job yeah okay cool so let's move on to our segments yeah let's start with scariest moment Okay, so when they're in the cop car and Ghostface is unconscious, yeah, it's good. Yeah, they have to peel back the mesh and then crawl across him. They really, really, it's really sort of well drawn out. Yeah, they keep it going and going and going. Yeah, and uh, and then it just amounts to to nothing because it's they're just waiting for them to turn around and need to satisfy curiosity. I found that tense because it wasn't curiosity. Like, it was a genuine threat. Like, she doesn't want this yeah. guy to just be gone next time yeah. that, you know, yeah. when they go for help. So, I, I Oh, no, this liked... wasn't a criticism. I wasn't oh, saying. It came, I wouldn't say. And then it came to nothing. I was saying. Mm. And, like, well, oh, I wasn't right, saying I see. that, but it was good. It's, yeah. <laughs> I see what you mean. Okay. Um, for me, it was, it was actually Dewey getting stabbed. Reason yeah. being, I remembered it as a kid. Like, he's on the other side of this glass and the sad yeah. music playing, and it really looks like he's getting fucked up back there. Yeah. And there's. You know, he's pulling blood over the screen and, and Courtney yeah. Cox is like watching him and seeing this guy that she, you know, likes at the very least, possibly loves already, yeah. um, getting stabbed. And it's horrible that she's mm. seeing this person she cares yeah. about getting yeah. horribly like attacked by this guy and there's nothing she can do about it. Just sort yeah. of try and make eye contact with him as he's, you know, mm. oh man, it was, it was rough. Yeah. Was yeah. Upsetting moment. Yeah. Okay. Let's have the best camper. Uh, so I feel like you're going to go with Timothy Oliphant. Uh, yes. Although with um reservation with uh honorable mentions to Randy, who I preferred in this one, he annoyed me less. Mm. Yeah. And also Derek, I really like Derek. But yes, I'm going to go with Tom- Timothy Oliphant uh, cool. if I can as Mickey. Yeah, you go for it. Fuck me, he was good. Um, he was great. Yeah, just great energy. He's clearly meant to be the stew in this one, the Matthew Lillard mm. type. Yeah. Um, but. Like, okay, so there's the scene where he sits down next to Sydney after she's mm. been attacked, and it's like, hey, how are you holding up? First of all, I was yeah. like, oh, that's a nice interaction. Then I remembered he's the killer. Yeah. And it's quite cool the way he's quietly throwing shade on Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. And then later on does it as well, you know, to another character. And it's it's fun to watch him when you know yeah. that he's the killer, you know, just yeah. trying to cast aspersions. Yeah, and, cool. And just wide-eyed, sort of big yeah. smile. Like, yeah. he goes a bit too far... And um, uh, he goes a bit too far in the climax. In particular, the lion. Billy's mother. Spice twist, huh? Didn't see it coming, did you? Yeah. <laughs> Bet you didn't see that coming, did you? Like that's yeah. uh, that's a bit much there, Tim. 
it, it, it gets bring it thoroughly down. face off at that stage. <laughs> but otherwise, I enjoyed him quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I really liked Timmy, Timothy Oliphant in that. It started Oliphant. Um, Oliphant. It started Tolifant. a lot of be- sorry. <laughs> Say Tolifant. I was rolling the thing. T- okay, Oliphant. T- <laughs> uh, yeah, and it started what has been a lifelong fondness for him. <laughs> a fond- uh, a Foliphant. Yeah, a font fond of font. So, uh, <laughs> best camper. Hmm. I did. I, I quite like the. I quite like the boyfriend. Was it Derek Jerry O'Connell? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I liked him too. Yeah, I liked the singing. He... I liked the tragicness of his death. Yeah, yeah. It was tragic. I I remember him as surviving. Yeah. So uh, that was a shock. <laughs> yeah. Like getting shot, but also surviving at the end. But it was just oh, Dewey. Man. No, it's just Dewey. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I like him. He was good. Yeah. He dealt with a dealt with it <laughs> in um. <laughs> Some yeah. dealt with a lot of the emotional beats in really good, yeah. believable ways, and um, yeah, he did the singing thing, which is great. Yeah, and I did like the couple at the beginning too. I liked Jada Plinkett Smith, and uh, oh, I did write his name down. You said it Omar earlier. Epps. Omar Epps, that's the one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed those things. Uh, yeah, cool. God, I wonder where it is that I wrote them down. Anyway, best kill. Uh, mine is yeah. Omar Epps and uh, Jada Plinkett Smith. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I did actually. I have yeah. It was them or Randy, but yeah, I enjoyed their death at the beginning. Him getting stabbed through the bathroom wall is ridiculous, but also after it's happened, he just keeps like looking back at the wall, like he's really hurt and upset that this has happened yeah. to him, and he doesn't quite understand it. And Ooh. yeah, his performance really got me through that. And then there is something uh-huh. to a a room full of mostly white horror fans, and a young black woman is is killed in front of them mm. as they bay for blood on screen. Mm. There's something going on there that's quite cool. Mm. Um I don't I don't have the ability to put it into words, but mm. there's something going on about when she gets up in front of them all and they're all stunned into silence by this genuine act of violence. Yeah. Which hey, actually, might play into um their overall thing about violence and horror because, you know, a crowd who are like baying for blood on the screen yeah. suddenly see real violence and they're stunned into silence. Yeah. You know, there, is, yeah. there might be something to that. But there is yeah. that. It's just so but fucking ridiculous. Upsetting moment. All of, all of them. <laughs> not, not that bit. The uh, the bit all Lunatics. before it. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Um, best kill for me was uh, the Hank Azaria cop that was on that that like jumped onto the car. Oh, because yeah, that was good. It, it's immediately it looks dangerous with him on top of the car and crashing into things. It looks yeah. really yeah. Oh, white knuckle. And um, <laughs> and it builds tension to the point where I know he's going to die. Um, and then just when the car crashes, you get the slightest hint of his head squishing before all the camera cuts away. Yeah. It's just the tiniest bit yeah. of, oh, fuck. Okay. Well, there's a bit where he's like indicated to have a pole for his yeah. head, but still be alive. And he's like gul- kind of gulping. Like, yeah. And that was, yeah. that was bad. Ugh, that was a bad good. time. Hinge needs some oil. Oh. oh, no. No, it doesn't. No, it's fine. Oh. That squeak, that horrible squeak was actually just my aging joints. Oh. Are you sure it wasn't this mouse? Hey, little buddy. What? Oh, oh my god, you'd think that'd be a problem, but he's actually adorable and yeah. lovely. Why are his eyes red? Oh, it's not it's not red. It's just my aging joints. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's wearing a little waistcoat. I love you, Mousy. Oh, he's brilliant. I hope we see him again. Stay he's coming with me in my pocket now. So uh so you will. Oh shit! You got a, you got a pocket friend. Yeah, I got a pocket friend from this lovely door. And we'll be checking in with uh pocket friend as we go. Yeah. Uh back we are though. And it's oh, time yeah. for another one of these. Oh. Welcome to the final act, says the poster. <laughs> Fucking please. Whoops. Another line. Uh, the most terrifying scream is always the last. Mm. What? 
Are you saying that the scariest one is always the last one you saw? Are you saying that your audience is a bunch of incredulous idiots who only remember the last movie they saw? Scream 3! Yay! The year 2000 American meta-slasher film, according Comedy. to Wikipedia. Oh, God, Meta Cinema has its own Wikipedia page. Oh, good. Let's have a look here. Freddy got fingered in this. <laughs> Fellini's Eight and a Half, Bergman's Passion of Anna, Godard's Le Mepris, Truffaut's Day for Night. Well, this needs an update. <laughs> Not even a mention of The Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> or Scream 5. <laughs> oh, God. The film is once again directed by Wes Craven, but excitingly, we've got a new screenwriter, Aaron Kruger, Ooh. screenwriter of The Brothers Grimm, the Ghost and the Shell remake, the mm. Dumbo remake, mm. and Transformers 2 through 5. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. <sighs> We're in for a treat. How was your day, honey? Yeah, I got another Transformers deal. <laughs> That'd be good. You can, so you, oh, can, you got all the money to work on your indie project. Stairs at desk getting covered in cobwebs and fire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one day. <laughs> I'll put, one day, I'll put that out and do that again. Right, you wrote Arlington Road. That was good, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I remember <sighs> that being good. That was good. I don't know. I'll talk more on production later. No. Uh, but for now, the film cost $40 million, made $161 million back. Yay. So uh might explain why there's more of these. Yeah, and that's in spite of negative critical and public response. <laughs> so, great. Well, yeah, box office so is me, not concomitant with um, a people's opinions. <laughs> public it, right? appeal. Because everyone went to see it and then went, oh, fuck. I really feel like we've collectively taught Evan Kruger just the worst lessons about life. Because he also made the Transformers. It's like, oh, so movies just make money. And I don't have to try at all. <laughs> this is where it all fit into place for him. Oh, brilliant. I'll put all that energy into my indie prot and then it just falls off a cliff. <laughs> Looks at a hole in a wall where his desk used to be. Oh, God. All right, me, what happens? All right, well. Hello? Hello? Who's this? Who's this? Who are you calling? Oh, you know what? I'm sorry, I have the wrong number. That's okay. Lee Schreiber gets a sexy phone call. <gasps> Happens all the time. Oh, yeah, when you're the Schreib. Mm, another day in L.A. as Lee Schreiber. He's a uh, TV guy now. A TV guy now. TV guy now. Uh, called his show... He's a TV guy now who's called his show 100% Cotton. Classic Cotton. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, but oh no, this sexy phone lady he's speaking to is actually the murderer no. in a scene that'll be very amusing to imagine the other half of later on when you find <laughs> out who the killer is. Where's Sydney? He asks on the, in his new scream voice. How do people know what that voice is? Did Sydney do like a pitch perfect imitation of this voice for the police at some point and it got leaked to the press? I guess it was in Stab, wasn't it? But how was it in Stab? Don't ask how writers get their ideas, Paul. <laughs> no, never ask about this. Aaron, Aaron Hunter or whatever her name is. <laughs> His name, <laughs> I don't know. Aaron Hunt, yeah. Anyway, it's time for a high-speed mm. chase. Oh, he's crashed. Oh. oh, he's off again. Good. Okay. okay. High-speed chase. Yay. <laughs> Bad start. He's, he's all right. Dun, 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 we dun, get dun, invited dun. to spend a long time staring at a PG-13-friendly naked lady. But oh no, the new killer. He's so scary, the way he falls over if you kick him. <laughs> Ugh. Mm. Where's Craven? Master of horror. Cotton gets home and grabs a fire poker so that he can slowly and boringly wander around this house. Ah, scream. <laughs> he finds his girlfriend, but she thinks he's the killer because earlier he called her with his voice. Yeah. Uh, and also he's Leaf Schreiber. <laughs> so, the killer murders the girlfriend. Nice. But, oh no! Kills Cotton Weary! Classic oh, no. Cotton. But he was so important to this franchise. <laughs> well, I can't see them making another movie now. <laughs> Not without the cot-cot. <laughs> Oh god, who are we who are we left with? Oh, it's Sydney Prescott with slightly less cute hair than the previous movie. That'll be Y2K. She's uh 
living out on her own in the wilderness. She has her own space and peace and mm. works remotely from home. She takes long walks, has a dog. Pretty much seems to be living the dream, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Speaking of which, she gets to work on her iMac G3. Nice. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. She's she's a counsellor now for women experiencing domestic abuse. Mm. Oh, wow. Hearing how she relates to her clients is going to really grant valuable insight into how she's processed her past experiences. Mm. That's all we're getting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, speaking of all we're getting, Courtney Cox is here with way less cute hair than the last one. But to be fair, she had very strong hair in the last movie. Okay. You know I'm going to be fair about that, Paul. I know you're going to be fair yeah. about that because of this, that yeah. Courtney Cox tattoo you've got. <laughs> With her Scream 2 hair. Yeah. So Actually, it's just the hair, isn't it? There's no face. It's just, it's <laughs> it's just, just Courtney the hair Cox's hair tattooed onto my arm, and I stand by it. It's what you call Literally, tattooed, but what the, police called, it's what the police called sellotaped. <laughs> she is delivering a lecture in the worst laid out theatre I've ever fucking seen. There's just no gradient. It's like a school hall. You're staring directly at the guy in front of you's head. And whilst I'm dealing with that, um, she's struggling with her big problem, which is that she's not with Dewey. Oh, oh Her fuck. problem in every single one of these. And I'm yeah. sure it'll be joylessly resolved by the end as she learns to value family over career, as she should. Uh, I'm saying this now because I'm not going to reference either of the other scenes in which this is uh, this is developed at all. Okay, good. So just accept that that happens. Uh, we meet Naughty's cop, Detective Dempsey, mm. and his hair. And they report that classic Cotton is classically dead. And only you can help Courtney Cox, main character of this film. So we cut to the production of Stab 3. Ho, ho, ho. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's get one of two scenes with most of our victims. Oh, don't hurt them. I'm so attached to them. (laughs) Uh, We've got the face of American anti-vaxxing Jenny McCarthy. (laughs) We've got the blandest man in the world who's playing Dewey in Stab 3. I'm going to call him Connor. Yeah. Feels right. Emily Mortimer as Angela yeah. Red Herring. Uh, Dion Richmond as the guy we forgot to write scenes for. Scott Foley as the director of the film, Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and the worst performance by any actor ever, which is being portrayed by Parker Posey of <laughs> Blade 3 fame. Yes. Worst performance by any actor ever shares some great dialogue with Courtney Cox, and they really just bring out the best in each other. Uh, Lance Henriksen is also here as Harvey Weinstein. He'll <laughs> have a scene later. Look forward to that. A lot <laughs> of people are going to stake a lot on that scene. And Dewey is here with way less cute hair. Slicked yeah. back. Ew. Dewey. Fucking Dewey. naughty. Hey, stand alone. Speaking of the naughties, Jay and Silent Bob show up for a great cameo. So Thank scary. Fuck for that. Less obvious as the earlier studio exec was Deathstalker producer Roger Corman. Yeah. Oh, he brought so much. Speaking of bringing so much, Sydney has dinner with some fucking guy. Oh, that's her dad. Oh, my God. Oh, God, he exists. Remember him? Oh, just for the scene. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, okay, phew. That would be inconvenient. They try and do some ghost movie stuff with Sydney's mum, and her eerie, inhuman performance is no less weird than any other performance in this film. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, the face of the American anti-vaxxer movement, Jenna McCarthy, is poking around a production studio in a skimpy outfit. Mm. I feel bad about her being objectified, but I also feel bad that she's subsequently become the face of the American anti-vaxxer movement. Uh, guess I'll just feel, feel bad in general. You haven't mentioned that before. <laughs> this is my first time mentioning it. Uh, she gets murdered. So I don't have to think about her horrible beliefs anymore. Yay! I wish there was a better way to deal with the issue of anti-vaxxers, but there definitely isn't. <laughs> There's a conversation between Cox and Dewey that shows off just how naturally they've settled into these roles after two movies. Mm. Uh, they are for uh. some fucking reason allowed to be involved in this investigation, so they'll be about in the movie to God. everybody's detriment. It's 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 like a drunk with no hands playing violin for the first time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so natural. That's Chemistry. uncanny, uncanny, uncanny uh, imitation of David Arquette in this movie. Were they? Were they? Sorry, were they still married at this point? Or yeah, I think so. Okay. Beginning yeah. of the end. So they get called to worst performance in the, any movie ever's house, and she's wearing the nineties. Mm-hmm. They discuss that they are murdering the actors in the order they die in the in the movie script. Will that mm. come up again? No. In fact, we often won't mention who's due to die next. And in fact, most of the deaths are crammed into the last 15 minutes of the movie, Yay. so it makes very little difference. Yeah. Uh, hey, speaking of uh, supposed order of deaths actually impa- uh, impacting on the plot, are any of the Final Destination movies out yet? First one next month. Ah, oh, shame. Okay. Could have uh, some good lessons there they could have learned. <sighs> uh, speaking of great lessons you can learn, though, Patrick Warburton is here to have two scenes. Hmm. Don't you hurt him, movie. <laughs> He's been through enough. Sydney gets a call from a woman saying that she's killed someone and that she needs to speak to her and definitely not the police. She can't speak to the police. God, your voice is so... Mm, where is it? Where have I heard that voice before? Uh, sorry, you were saying you killed someone. Turns out to be the killer, so she's oh, no. now back in. Ugh, back at the worst performance in um, any movie ever's house, she's having a very even-handed conversation with Dewey about um, Courtney Cox that she can spy on. What a bitch. I hate her and her face. Ah, she's not so bad. Thrilling. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, though, this is a nice picture of you. It's not, but it's exposition for later. Yeah. Warburton isn't going to let anything happen around here, though. He captures Cox for snooping. Oh, my God. <laughs> captures Cox. They realize that Sydney's mum came to LA uh, once because of the terrible picture from earlier. Okay. Mm. And Warburton gets murdered. No, no. The most natural and competent performer in the film. We knew so much about him. Everyone else takes ages to realize he's not okay. Uh, we also lose Connor oh, in a sinister, terrifying, massive explosion. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Dewey gets tussled, and uh, Cox has let her hair down, so they're both looking much cuter now. Oh, okay. Worst performance from any movie ever, hams it up a bit, and Angela Redherring was mysteriously absent. Ooh, I don't know how to feel about Angela Redherring. The killer leaves a picture claiming responsibility for the murder of Sydney's mother, but those two idiots from the first movie did that. This certainly raises the stake for me and my interest in this film's events. Mm-hmm. Detective Dempsey has some very natural lines of dialogue, and his partner dramatically walks through the scene twice. Thank God he's pulling this much focus. <laughs> God bless you, Detective Partner. <laughs> Detective Hero. <laughs> Detective Hero, as I like to think of him. Sydney appears. What are you doing here? Ugh, what was I doing out there? Living my own, on my own in the wilderness, of all that empty space and crushing silence, working remotely without co-workers to enjoy, nothing to do but take long walks with my stupid dog. What an absolute loser I've been. A coward. And what kind of idiot would envy me? <laughs> so Sydney reunites with Cox in an interaction that she'll only get more natural with every subsequent installment. Oh, good. Oh, look, it's Martha! Yay, Martha! She's Randy's sister. Um, and will she also uh, be a fun, eccentric character? Oh, no, she has a tape of Randy. Oh, cool. Oh, Get out of here, yeah. Martha. Randy explains <clears throat> that if there has so far been a bunch of exposition going on, then this must be the final part of a trilogy. <laughs> is that what this has been so far? Exposition? Because I feel like I haven't learned anything. Yeah. In a trilogy, you always learn something about the first movie that you thought was true, but actually isn't. Godfather, Jedi. Hang on a minute. What did we learn about Godfather 1 and Godfather 3? Sonny likes to fuck? We knew that. <laughs> yeah. What was the what was the big revelation in Jedi? That Leia's his sister? Exactly, the most famous yeah. twist in the franchise. In fact, it's mm. just one of many cop-outs featured in that film. <laughs> and anyway, yeah. expect some revelation about the first movie in this one. Uh, will it recontextualize what we know about Sydney, her experiences, or the world of the franchise in general? I don't... Shut up! I need to have this finished by Monday. <laughs> 
Carrie Fisher is here to make you wish you were watching something good, but she identifies that Sydney's mom was an actor and appeared in Lance Henriksen's films, Super Mario Brothers. Understandably, she never talked about it. We have a a third scene with Angela Red Herring. She's becoming a more plausible suspect. Mm. Sydney finds the set of her childhood home and has a slow explore of it. And then the killer shows up and they have a long chase through the house. Two hours, you say? Mm. Oh, great. (laughs) Half an hour left, you say? (laughs) They confront Henrikstein about his past. Yeah. He used to be in movies directed by Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron. Also, you knew Sydney's mother. Look, I arranged some casting couch parties where young women could be taken advantage of by men. Oh, that's bleak. Yeah. Is that what this movie's about? Yeah. Uh, can be. Whatever <laughs> be, you maybe. want. Ooh. <laughs> that's something for everyone. <laughs> they have a go at setting up Detective Dempsey as a uh, red herring. Yeah. Uh, that's good to finally have one. Right, Angela? You're the only one I'm sure of. <laughs> it's got to be her. Oh, boy. Detective... Director Timberlake, though, is having a party. Of He's invited all of the main characters to his house. Actually, to um, uh, Henrik Steen's house. Yeah. Uh, where Sydney's mother got molested. Let's go! <laughs> uh, we're going to go look for a special secret screening room away from everyone else. That's a dumb idea. It's okay, we'll stick together. They split up immediately. Angela Red Herring dies. No, my secret theories that I had that I haven't told you about yet. No. Uh, Justin Timberlake is also dead. Oh, what? okay. I guess. So, <laughs> huh. I guess it must be the guy we forgot to write scenes for. Oh, he's also dead. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, Sydney's dog. Yeah. Oh, we'll find out in a minute. Oof. But the killer literally pulls the rug out from under a character, and they yeah. go flying through the air. Oh, these movies are so scary. And that shit's whack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the killer is frequently able to seemingly teleport from one place to another. Oh, there's two of them. That's right. Don't worry. Disregard that. Yeah, part. that's all I remember from this. Genuinely. Yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> Uh, they try to do something interesting with the voice faker, but fuck it, you know? I want to get to bed tonight. (laughs) I'm meeting a man called Michael Bay in the morning, and he's got some big ideas. (laughs) So, Cox and Dewey get captured. Yeah, shit. Sydney has spent the last six hours sat in a police station doing literally nothing, and then she finds some pictures of her former superior hairstyles in the cop's desk. (laughs) It's incriminating. (laughs) This will not come up later. Burn it down. (laughs) She gets a call from the uh, killer, who informs her to report to the climax so that she could be at least somewhat involved in what's going on. Uh I'm in a cop's office, so the desk must have a loaded gun in it somewhere. Here we go, behind the stapler. <laughs> but the killer's savvy. He gets Sydney to toss the gun and then reveals that Cox and Dewey are tied to chairs. Can he have just killed them and used the voice changer to trick her? She doesn't know about it. Yeah. Oh, well. Again, it's getting late. <laughs> but surprise, second gun! And she shoots the oh. killer definitively right in the chest. Yeah. To be fair, that's only fucked her twice before. <laughs> but oh no, Detective Dempsey is here. He's so suspicious. Maybe it's him. Oh no, he's dead. Yeah. Well, I'd just leave Sydney herself then. <laughs> so Sydney gets chased around the house some more. Two hours. <laughs> and uh, she finds a way into that secret viewing room where she's immediately stalked by the dead mum's voice, presumably operated by the second killer because the first one was just outside the door a minute ago. <laughs> oh, the murder was Justin Timberlake, the director. Mm. He's not really dead. Yeah. Is that hinted at at all? I don't even remember him dying. <laughs> <laughs> and the second murderer is non-existent. Okay, great. Yeah. Anyway, our imagination. Sydney's half. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he secretly sit uh, Sydney's half brother yeah. and murdered their mother because she disowned him. Their mother. And uh, he 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 orchestrated my mother. My mother creates films. <laughs> he orchestrated the events of the first movie, kind of like a director would. So yeah. he's a commentary on egotist- egotistical directors, a satire of Wes himself, a dark reflection of Sydney's character. Anything at all. You know, 
sitting here right now, I try and remember any him or anything he said, and I can only think of Timothy Oliphant from the last one. Do, do you know fucking what? Every time I think of Scream 3, <laughs> I put Timothy Oliphant in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's airtight, Sid. <laughs> <laughs> time for the bit of the movie where Sidney cries a lot in the killer monologues. Just twice more. They have a straight-up fight, and as predicted, it goes pretty well for Sydney. If you yeah. ever just didn't run away from this guy and just kicked the shit out of him, you'd probably be okay. Yeah, a mask. Dewey shuts off the power in a hilarious sequence, and Dempsey Detective introduces a gun to the situation, but Timberlake's no fool. He's going to shoot her right in the chest twice. <laughs> so she kills him, obviously. Her own brother! This must be so complicated for her, considering how important family might be to her. Or may not. Well, he's dead, and they've all settled down in the country together. Beltrami tries really hard to make you feel it. But now she's comfortable enough to leave her doors and gate and life wide open. Joke's on her, though. Two more movies coming. Oh, no, that joke's on us, the cinema goers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Paul, what'd you make of Scream 3? I didn't like it. It was, it was, un- it was non-thrilling, Paul. It had nothing to offer <laughs> me, really. Um, yeah. it, it, it wasn't scary, much like the first two weren't scary. Um, but it also, it also <laughs> this is even less scary. Yeah, it's less scary. It's goofier somehow, and yes. it's it's more annoying because um, it has fewer. Yeah, it has fewer of the emotional or emotionally resonant moments from the second one, and it has fewer of yes. the cool. Uh, contained thriller feels, I guess, of the first one. Yes, there's fewer actual scare sequences. Yeah, it's, this is just this is just this is just a metatextual film about <laughs> something. It's not even yeah. that clear because it's just <laughs> it's it's yeah. wisecracking lines that are s- so without without edifice, without any kind of yeah. nuance. And, and there's there's nothing more than that, <laughs> really. No, to some extent, the movie points out the issue with that because I saw like in the Wikipedia page it says something like the movie pokes fun at the tropes of the of the horror movie trilogy, but in the movie itself, Randy correctly identifies what horror movie trilogies. Yeah. Which. Yeah. What? Where are they? Yeah. I don't know. The Omen. Yeah. What What are we talking about? This is ridiculous and it's just movie trilogies in general but oh it's so weak and i i remember absolutely hating this as a kid it was like the scooby-doo scream movie Mm. and i'm not against making it a straight parody but the humor is terrible its approach yeah is to make everything incredibly camp and over the top especially in performances yeah. And it's just obnoxious and incidentally parker posey does not give the worst performance oh no ever she she completely understood the assignment here. Yeah. I just hate the assignment. I hate that yeah. this was the brief, was to deliver lines in the way that she does. Here's how I see it. I've got no house, no bodyguard, no movie, and I'm being stalked. Because someone was to kill me? No, because someone was to kill you. So now, starting now, I go where you go. That way, if someone was to kill me, I'll be with you. And since they really want to kill you, they won't kill me. They'll kill you. Make sense? None. I think it was the, um, oh, what's her name? Nomi, Nomi Parker? From um, Showgirls. Oh yeah, Nomi. Yeah. Nomi. Oh okay, like Elizabeth Berkeley. Elizabeth Berkeley. That's it. Given the yeah, like given the direction, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ruining her career forever <laughs> and ever. Oh god. Well, she was in Blade Three. So there you but go. Look, it, yeah, the 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 
the assignment was to smooth out any hint of an edge mm. this franchise may have had, stuff it full of half-baked ideas, and make something silly and disposable and completely uninvolving. Yeah. And uninvolving to the extends to the production as well, because it's so flatly shot. Yeah. It looks like 90s television. Oh, God, yeah. It's so lame. The dialogue sounds like they were directed by a non-English speaker. Yeah. It's all plot and no character, which does, it made me reflect, actually, who is Sydney Prescott, really? Mm. Stuff happens to her. But whereas I got hints of a character in the first two movies, mm. this movie suddenly made me think, who actually is she? She's only defined What's... by the tragedy now. Uh, but, yeah. but but not even in an in interesting way. You know, they, 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 no. they could do it to a point where she's so so self-centred or something because of being the, <laughs> yeah. the, the centre of these two yeah. murder plots. If, if they wanted flaws. to go that way. Yeah, that's true. She's smooth. The movie starts with her cut living in the middle of the countryside with no with no people around her and then ends with her still in the countryside, but now she has some friends over. Mm. And that was it. She learned the importance of Netflix night. It's And the plot uh, is just boring mm. and unnecessary and it's the start of the franchise becoming unbearably insular and inaccessible because yeah. i watched this with jack and as soon as it started with cotton weary in a car he was just like oh so i'm gonna just need to have remembered everything in the first two movies and i was like <laughs> yeah sorry not that much though <laughs> it's so fuck- it's, well, like, it's got the fuck so is this guy yeah that's true oh god yeah it's just i don't know it's also it's disappointing as a whodunit too speaking of yeah. watching this with jack because I remembered who the killer was, but I was okay. watching it with Jack, and he hadn't seen it before. Yeah. So, and I just, I just really felt dispirited watching him try to guess who the killer might be because the movie yeah. gives you nothing. Roman is briefly in the movie before he's revealed as the killer, and when yeah. he shows up dead, yes, it's the first off-screen death in one of these, which makes it a little suspicious. But there's mm. nothing to hint at the yeah. fact that there's something going on there. And I found, I found a Reddit listing clues to who the killer is in each of the movies. Mm. First movie, he listed 13 clues. Second movie, 11. Third mm. film, 5. Yeah, right. And one of them is just that Roman gets arrested like Billy did in the first movie. Okay, so that's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. I did... Um, it's just a coincidence. Yeah, like, take this how you want. I, I I didn't remember who the killer was, and I didn't guess. I remember that the first time. Uh, the yeah. first time, I was like, who is that guy? Everybody's calling him Roman. That's such a weird name. Why don't I remember a Roman? Yeah. <laughs> I remember that as a teenager, watching this movie, being like, who's... Who's he? <laughs> oh, when they revealed it, I went, "Oh, it's him." Okay, yeah, because okay. they, they they telegraphed <laughs> they telegraphed Emily Mortimer and Patrick Dempsey pretty hard. Yes, um, more on that later. But in the but in the other movies, um, like Timothy Oliphant, they hide it fairly well. He doesn't quite he doesn't he's not constantly looking like a psychopath. Whereas Billy, no, but remember in the first one, is just constantly. Yeah. Well, you know, your parents' <laughs> death was like what seven minutes ago. I'd be pretty over it by now. Yeah, exactly. He's crazy. But yeah. I remember in the second one, I noticed the mov- the moment where Timothy Oliphant is trying to comfort Sid and mm. how sinister that is when mm. you remember he's the killer. Yeah. There's nothing like that in this. I was watching Roman yeah. and there's just no moment yeah. where he's being duplicitous or interesting as yeah. a result of actually being the killer. It's no as if they just filmed it without him knowing. Well, then throw in, to- throw in on top of that the magic voice box that can do any oh, voice Jesus, in the world. This thing. How does it do that? Does it record somebody's <laughs> voice and then modulate the person? This isn't face-off 
crazy sci-fi John Woo bullshit. This is this is yeah. this is a movie set in you know a, a supposedly realistic world, one in which obviously everybody follows a script, like it's uh, like it's actually mapping yeah. out their their futures. But yeah, like there's this voice box it is mental. Yeah, how does it work? It, it's, yeah. it's really inexplicable. And but I'm fine. I'll suspend disbelief. You've got a voice box that can perfectly mimic anyone's voice. They use it so lamely. Yeah. There's a couple of moments where the killer gets the upper hand, but being able to imitate anyone's voice perfectly should l- be like the whole fear quality of this guy. Yeah. You can't trust anybody's voice now. He can be anyone on the phone. Yeah. You know, so characters need to be ditching their phones and like, yeah. you know, Hi- very careful, like developing call signs to yeah. each other and such, but there's yeah. nothing. Hi, police. Uh, I'm Sidney Prescott and I've just killed this guy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm at home. Yeah. I, so I'm turning myself in. You can come and get me. That's one thing. The only time the killer of. does that is to incriminate himself. Yeah. Because he makes a call to make it seem like Roman called, but Roman did call because he's the killer. So like, they, oh, there is only so, so much you can suspend disbelief. You know, you, yeah. you can you can forgive little things if you know if the rest of the film is solid. If you feel the rest of the film is true mm. about something, but this film it mm. wasn't. It was like the the, vo- uh. the voice box in itself is a it's kind of not deus ex machina but it's like a mm. i guess it's like a meddling deus, deus ex machina well it'd be um, like a deus ex machina if the deus if it didn't actually solve anything yeah yeah exactly if so god like, entered the machine to do to just like flick a butt and yeah. then left <laughs> yeah it, just 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 pointless but it, it but it creates a reason for characters to do completely nonsensical things and mm. in order for the characters to do these nonsensical things, for me to suspend my disbelief for that, yeah, you need something. But you could have had the the voice box creating the paranoia and fear that made them do silly things because yeah. they've never been in that situation before. There were so many ways they could have explored mm. this. Oh, the and, voice and- box gets dropped every time it's used. It is dropped whilst it's being used. We never see the voice box like get used and then finish, yeah. except once. Yeah. Sydney Prescott tells Dewey and Courtney Cox and and Parker Posey. That she's going to Roman's party. Mm. That is the only time that the voice box has clearly been used to imitate someone's voice and is then not immediately revealed as yeah. such. Okay, <sighs> that's it. That's one yeah. thing, and it just gets the protagonist. Honestly, the the protagonist probably would have gone there anyway. Yeah, just <clears throat> a second uh. draft, surely. But g- going back to the the issue with meta horror mm. as well. Yeah. Um, it's very much again. We're we're back to where's Craven having his cake and eating it, mm. uh, or you know wanting to have yeah. his having his cake and wanting to eat it as well, because mm. you're in in analyzing how a horror movie should play out. It has this knowing, winking, tongue in cheek type. <laughs> see, this is what would yeah. usually happen, and then and then mm. doing it at the same time really just mm. hammers home how pointless this whole thing is and it, and it, it hammers yeah. home the artifice as well mm. so so yeah. so there's no point where you're getting in you're feeling involved or invested because you're constantly reminded no. that everything is artificial everything is f- mm. fiction is fake yeah and, and and at 2 hours long it's just insulting that you're you're you have to sit through this Oh, Jesus, that's so much time to have so little happen. It's unbearable. Yeah. So much of it is exposition and pointlessly so. Yeah. To come on to something that could have been something, the Hollywood commentary has been a big factor because a lot of people have noted that this is fairly uncanny considering, you know, it was executive produced by Harvey Weinstein and a mm. substantial part of the subplot. I say substantial. Two mm. scenes <laughs> reference the fact 
that Lance Henriksen's character is a sleazy Hollywood producer mm. who would hold sex parties where young women, impressionable young women, would come along and sleep with movie producers in the hope yeah. of securing roles. Mm. So it's there, but it's uh, and people are like, oh, it was so prescient, but it's so insubstantial and unfocused. Mm. And actually, the editor of Scream 3 said something that really explained it a lot to me because he said, Wes saw the sleazy movie producer as not necessarily the villain. He's a villain, but he is a catalyst for the real villain, which is a traumatized kid mm. of one of the victims. Yeah, right. So he he's set dressing. This is all set dressing. It's just a, uh, oh, what could his motive be? I know. You know, it's not eliciting sympathy necessarily and there are frequent comments about the idea of having to have sex with men to get ahead throughout the film but they are jokes yeah they are all jokes yeah it's carrie fisher joking about sleeping with george lucas it's you know remind me not to sleep with him again yeah you know it's it's jokes because emma fraser at sci-fi wire had a better perspective pointing out that maureen prescott in this franchise has frequently from the beginning been slut shamed and victim blamed in this franchise Mm. Yes, by villains frequently, but she is never explored as anything other than a promiscuous woman who created her own killers. Mm. You know, she slept around and she ruined lives. And so in some sense, even though, of course, we can say, well, she didn't deserve to die, but she created the people who killed her. Yeah. And it ne- we never explore her perspective on this. And Sydney never gets any insight into why her mum cheated or no. what impact this all had on her. Yeah. So, yeah, bollocks to any <laughs> pretensions this movie has to. Yeah. And also, and also, in any way, yeah, yeah. Also, a little nod to the sleazy underworld of Hollywood is is if 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 it's if that's all it is, it's kind of cowardly as well. Yeah, you know. Well, it's like one of those roasts, you know, yeah. like oh, Harvey Weinstein, don't go to his place after dark, and you cut to Harvey Weinstein chuckling. Yeah, that's what this felt like because he's the executive producer of this fucking yeah. thing. It's kind of gross, if anything. Yeah. Very little about this this film to be happy with. <laughs> I, I I will say as 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 a, as a positive before we get into the 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 categories. Um, uh-huh. the I remember at, at the beginning. I remember I remembered the ending, and I went, oh, I remember liking that. Oh, okay. And I still uh-huh. and, and and I still liked the ending in and of itself. Uh, when you think of it in Ooh. the context of the film, uh, <laughs> or anything else to follow it, <laughs> maybe not. But mm. as the the book ending of it, I still liked, and maybe it was the sorry the. The very ending. The door. Yeah, the door being open. The door. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I'll come onto the door and when we quick fire okay, this. Great. Actually, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that today. Yeah. yeah, it's a good moment. Yeah. Um, before we do, I did say I was going to talk a little more about the production of this movie because it does give insight. Okay, cool. Just a little bit. There was an increased emphasis on comedic elements in this installment. Oh, this is actually quoting Wikipedia. There was an increased emphasis on comedic elements in this installment. The violence and horror were reduced in response to increased public scrutiny about violence in media following the Columbine High School massacre. Okay. Hey, maybe we shouldn't make a Scream movie this year. <laughs> no. The public need this. <clears throat> in their time of crisis. We'll be there for them. Jesus. Yeah. <sighs> I know, look, it's a screen movie with a troubled production. It's almost <laughs> like these movies don't want to be made. I just got a feeling. The script was actually... Williamson left notes, because he wasn't involved. Kruger, mm. you know, wrote the movie. He was in prison. He left notes. For an unrelated crime. <laughs> he was busy making some movies that I had never heard of after he made this, and, you know, mm. I know what you did last summer. Um, Yes, he wanted to... They changed a lot of notes that Williamson left in order to discourage comparisons between Columbine. Mm-hmm. Uh, including moving the action from Woodsboro to Hollywood, 
Mm-hmm. And Matthew Lillard claims that the original idea was that his character, Stu, would have survived the first movie and would be orchestrating all of the murders from prison. Okay. Um, and in 2013, Williamson revealed that his script ended with a reveal that the whole thing was actually perpetrated by a stab fan club and that it would turn out that none of the victims were really dead. Like April Fool's Day. There was uh, like a prank. Cool, that sounds bad. Oh, boy. Yeah, all of that sounds really bad. Fucking hell. So... As with the last one, the script was really rushed, mm. and sometimes scenes were only written on the day of filming. But in the last movie, that was because of a script leak. Here, yeah. I think it was just greed. I think they just wanted a movie out by Halloween. Yeah. It's it's almost like it was in response to Columbine, isn't it? I was like, oh, shit, we got to get this out quick. Oh, fuck me. Yeah, hurry, this won't be acceptable for long. Why well, Just hold out for a year. I've got a good feeling about media in 2001. <laughs> I feel like everyone's going to get a lot more relaxed real soon. <laughs> So, Neve Campbell was only available for 20 days of filming. Oh, will it, oh. will it be obvious that the main character is barely in the film? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, it will. It will be obvious. It will be very obvious that she's barely in this movie. What? Oh, mm. fuck me. What else was she doing? <laughs> she, was, she had a bit of a thing going on at the time. It's weird. You'd think Courtney Cox would be the harder get, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, post, like, post-sitcom, though, people, people struggle. I don't think it was post-sitcom. I think she was thoroughly in sitcom at this point. Post-sitcom, Paul, is a terrible, terrible thing. (laughs) Here's a sentence for you. For the opening driving scene, the production filmed on Hollywood Boulevard, but the following scene in Cotton's apartment was changed frequently, requiring alterations to the driving scene to maintain continuity, modifying who speaks to Cotton by phone and what the conversation entailed. How? Does it? Yeah, that they kept changing it. That's the thing, is they kept making this movie whilst they were writing it, so they had to keep going back and changing shit. <sighs> and like they filmed the car chase, then they didn't then they changed the scene in the apartment, so they had to go back and film the car chase again. Then the car chase led to a different change, and now they had to go back to the apartment, but they didn't have the apartment, so they built the apartment again on a soundstage. <sighs> God. I can only imagine that they were thinking, if this works, we'll say, oh, we did this on the fly. Cinema has been revolutionized. And they didn't, <laughs> so they didn't. You don't have to fucking plan anything out beforehand. Hey, you know, you can all do all this with sets. <laughs> the, film, the scene with the film set of the original house was not in the script, but Wes, Wes Anderson, Wes Craven, mm. insisted that it be built. And they just improvised the scene for it, the bit where Sydney gets chased around, you know, the old house. Okay. Uh, so that long, boring scene where nothing changes for the characters and the plot doesn't change at all and yeah. easily lifts out of the film was just improvised. Brilliant. You'd never have guessed. <laughs> there's one There's one good <sighs> bit from that, and we'll find out in my quickfires. Okay. They shot two hours of footage shot two of owls. Jamie Kennedy for his... <laughs> they fucked two hours <laughs> in order to get three minutes of footage with Jamie Kennedy. Jesus. Was that all improvised as well? I don't know. I just don't think they knew what they wanted. They never knew what they wanted. They kept filming different things in order to try and safeguard against future Mm. changes they filmed the ending three ways one with patrick dempsey absent Mm -hmm. one with him injured and one with him normal (laughs) how do you not know what he's gonna be fucking hell just mad it's infuriating what are you doing (laughs) you're wasting so much money why do these people have money i need money i need money let me do it i'm better than patrick dempsey probably (laughs) and well, yeah, so three months after all of this, they ended up refilming the ending because in the original, and this is fucking hilarious, <laughs> Sydney easily overpowered the killer. Mm. <laughs> I think she just did it straight away. God, I, I think I'd actually have enjoyed that. I think so too. <laughs> but they went back 
and they reintroduced Detective Dempsey into the climax because, and I quote, the production realised that his character simply disappeared from the plot and that his story arc went nowhere. The production. Well, thank God they fixed that. The pro- yeah. <laughs> the production realised that this movie was a house of cards and had <laughs> had to do something because who the fuck would believe or see this shit? Oh, fuck me. Do you know what else got cut? No. There was a second killer and it was Angela. Well, there there we go. That they explains just cut that out. That, that <laughs> explains uh, why it was really obvious that she was the killer. <laughs> the movie had a budget nearly twice as high as the previous movie, but it seems it was all spent on shooting stuff they might need or Ow. refilming stuff they did but didn't have. Yeah, too much money. He needed to be stripped away and given a Kevin Smith budget. And uh, Yeah, fuck uh, me. <sighs> Fuck me. And Aaron Kruger needed to be sat down in a room and told to finish the movie. <laughs> because, I don't know, this movie has Kruger's fingerprints all over it. This, to me, yeah. is Scream 3 Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah. It does feel like a Transformers movie in the way it moves from like thing to thing. Yeah. The characters are all obnoxious and, and really dumb and terrible comedic relief. There's robots all over it. Yeah. And it in just, disguise. You can see bits of Williamson's original script, like the movie within a movie yeah. thing. The disdain for its audience. <laughs> that too. And it would have maybe been interesting, but... Yeah. I'll tell you what. I'm a lot more positive about Scream 1 now. I think I was too harsh on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's just going to grow with subsequent films. It's a time capsule. All right, let's get into categories, shall we? All right. What was your scariest moment? Ooh, oh, brrr, um, oh, God, I Love don't know, guy. Paul. There was nothing fucking scary in this. There was nothing even no. rem- remotely troubling or, or Let horrible. me... All right, let me go with mine. Okay. Uh, this is where I was planning on talking about the final shot because it's an interesting moment and it was ever so slightly eerie and it easily had the best artistry of any moment in the film. Yes. So Sydney Prescott, she's got her friends in the next room. She's not locked the gate. She's left it wide open. Yep. She comes in and she doesn't set the alarm. And as she's about to join her friends, the wind eerily blows open the door mm. and she looks at it for a moment complete silence which is unique in this fucking movie oh God, yeah. you know, the, a yeah. moment of silence where nobody's Ugh. talking or the music or bad stings or jump scares there's also shitty jump scares all the way through this oh yeah oh yeah she looks at the door there's the sound of the wind and a wind mm-hmm. chime somewhere and then she turns and walks away and before she has left shot we cut to black yeah Very good. And kind of just, I guess, spooky in just the sense of a, a slight tingle. Yeah. Like, it was very good because it, it says what it needs to. You know, she's not afraid anymore. Yeah. That was great. And I don't know why she's twice defeated serial killers before. And it's not like she's finally gotten the better of one foe. She's still part of a weird cycle of violence that seems to involve her at every turn. But well, I still like the messaging of it. Well, I guess the idea is the uh, it, it's implied that the, the half-brother... Um, convinced Billy and uh, uh, Billy to kill Sydney's mom, right? Mm. Uh, as well, yes, but she didn't know that before the events of the movie. Yeah, so but there was a piece missing. So she, yeah, so she now believes everything is is wrapped up in a neat little package. I think she might have thought that beforehand, though. Is the thing? Yeah, but this time it's for real, Paul. <laughs> so <laughs> this I don't time, know what to I tell mean, you. It would have made more sense. Yeah, it would have made more sense if she had just beaten the living shit out of the guy at the end. Yeah. And then it's like, you know what? If another one of these show up. I'm just gonna stand my ground and I'm, kick him in the face a bunch I'm of great. times until he goes down. We get all the survivors yeah, great. into one room with one door <laughs> and a whole bunch of cops <laughs> on the outside. 
in hiding. <laughs> and we don't trust anyone new. Yeah. Oh, God. All right, best camper. I quite enjoyed Posey Parker's worst performance in the world of any film ever because of... <laughs> I hated her so much. It, it was, yeah, but I, I appreciated the the effort that she was going to in this very lame, um, oh. this, this lame send-up of, um, you know, diva actors. Um, yeah. It was so lame, though. There was no nuance there. It was oh, just no. 110% all the time. But at least the brazenness of it, the pause to flick hair mm. and, 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 th- and things like that. I It, it was yeah. it, I, it made me feel something, Paul, in this film of nothing. What do you <laughs> want? It made me feel something as well. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like Dion Richmond, but it might just be because he was barely in it. He plays the character that's barely in the movie. But yes. He also you- had some... Lines. Yes, and Dion Richmond. He had some lines. Um, for everybody who doesn't know, and mm. I assume there's no one, he he, <laughs> he was a token black guy in not another teen movie, whose only job was yeah. to stand around and say damn shit, and that is whack. And my and god, bling, is bling, that not and my favorite bit? Uh, bling bling. Yeah, that is true. That's amazing. <laughs> and god, my god, is that not? Um, <laughs> is that pertinent here? <laughs> Fuck, he has he has nothing. But he is my best kill, actually. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. Because, yeah, best kill. For me, it's Cotton Weary getting stabbed in the head, which then leads into the logo. I yeah. quite liked. It was quite a neat little sort of yeah. poof and then yeah, okay. thing. It doesn't have the same shock value as uh, Scream 2, you know, a moment of Jada Plinkett um, Smith lying dead before the logo yeah. comes on. But it's still, you know, yeah. fairly dramatic. Yeah, okay. Um, Dion Richmond, it starts with him getting the rug pulled out from under him and then, you know, it culminates <laughs> in, in him getting thrown off a balcony and yeah. the camera stays with Ghostface and you just hear a like a <laughs> with Ghostface looking down at him, yeah. and that that yeah. that made me laugh, made me feel something, and this film of nothing. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, because they were scaling down all the violence because of yeah because of media scrutiny. Yeah. Oh, it's just and to be honest, it really does show if you take the violence out of these movies, it's like a a, a house of cards made of two cards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's full okay. It's gonna, it's gonna fall. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I'll just clean <laughs> yeah, this up. Yeah, it's gonna fall. Yeah. <laughs> and call it Scream Four. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well, I think we're just about there on Scream Scream. I hope so. So we look forward to Scream. I look, I look forward to this d- door four. How's, how's, um, how's Mouse Friend? Oh yeah, he's. Oh my God, he's dead! No! Oh wait, no, he's fine. He's actually no, he's fine. He was sleeping. Oh, okay. He, he finds my. It's better than ever. Finds, yeah, he's actually he's doing push-ups. He's uh, <laughs> I think he can talk. He's I think he's saying, now. "Don't go through the next door." Why? Oh, the, the door oh, is fine. He's looking out for our well-being. Oh. oh, what a sweet guy! Yeah. It's a shame he doesn't know that we're duty-bound to do this. On the anyway, bound, yeah. Where was little friend? Ooh, I thought I was gonna trip on the door jam there, but I'm actually more stable than ever. Yeah, I think the step going into the next room accounted for that. I think yeah, it, it actually leveled me out. Yeah, I think it's part of my life now. How's oh, Mouse wow. Friend? Speaking of part of our lives. Oh, wh- oh yeah, Mouse Friend. Uh, oh, he's oh, he's uh-oh. he's chatting with the door. It's fine. <laughs> of, oh my of god! Days of, of of days of future yore or door. Oh, yeah. Aren't all of the days days of future yore? And that's what I like to think about when I get into me franchises, because oh. it's second to once more unto the breach, my friend. God damn it's it. It's time for 2011 Scraform. Working for another hour tonight. 
must perform. I forgot about this. So I was thinking about the doors. <laughs> I forgot about our terrible duties that we have on the other side of the welcome door. Yep, it's uh, another Scream, another meta slasher, apparently. Another directed by Wes Craven, another written by Kelly- Kevin Williamson, another Weinstein Company, another... Day to Die! So, Paul, you Alicia Keys. I forget what we're doing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fucking hell. Tell me about the fourth Scream movie. <clears throat> uh, Alright, then. Hello? Hello. Uh, yes? Who is this? Who are you calling? Who am I speaking to? Wrong number. Uh, Scream, uh, with three, three, one, and with two horror fans discussing Sephora, because, uh, oh no, boo, <laughs> there's no character development, just gore. Just gore. No character development, just gore. Imagine that, Paul. <laughs> Imagine having at least one thing. Uh, <laughs> how would you keep up? Unrelated, but, uh, Brew, da- Brew Darrymore has a Facebook stalker. Oh no, but he's hot. Oh yes, but it's Channing Tatum. Yeah. Oh no, no, I said Channing Tatum. Uh. Oh yes. Anyway, new ghost face is on the phone talking nastiness, and there are two main thoughts here: that it's a joke and that it isn't. Looking back on that note a week later, I have no fucking clue what that's supposed to mean, but that's art, I guess. Anyway, Facebook stalker like and an new artist, ghost mate. face. <laughs> Even I don't get this. <laughs> it's the best way. Best David way to Lynch do art. Says that all the time. <laughs> what does your movie mean? What? Anyway, Facebook stalker and new ghost What the fuck was that face. all about? <laughs> Who are you? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Facebook stalker and new ghost face are only the same ruddy person. And then the doorbell goes. It could be Lisa, what? Bailey or Wayne. But it's no one. Damn wind. Or kids. Or young wind. Coming over here with its dreams of blowing forever. But will have a last laugh when it's caught in a left wing policy something something votory. But a ghost face is already inside. Oh no, oh no. And kills a Brew Darrymore. And then another ghost face kills De Brew De Barrymore. The other one. Oh, definitive <laughs> no. Also, dicks, you've just been watching Stab 6. Anna Paquin and Kristen <laughs> Bell were watching it too. Twist. And have a realistic conversation where one of them is not a fan of Stab and one of them is. And then to top off my dissociative experience, Kristen Bell stabs <laughs> Anna Paquin, just like in real life. Shut the fuck up and watch the movie, she says. Oh wait, we're Stab 7. So let's meet some new people. What does any of this mean? There's another uh. conversation between the next two losers watching this fucking thing, and they have an entirely separate <laughs> conversation, although slight, although not dissimilar, about whether they're over or underthinking the meta. And it's not big or clever, Kevin. It's just long. Anyway, <laughs> I pull the fork out of my thigh and use the residual feeling to get <laughs> terrified because Ghostface is calling these girls now. When does he sleep? Oh no, it's one of the Kristen Bells pranking the other one. Then the other one actually dies, Drew Barrymore. There's some more referencing of horror tropes, and I don't think anyone's trying, especially me. <laughs> So there's mention of so there's mention of an app then that lets you talk like Ghostface and fuck everything. Anyway, a Kristen gets chased upstairs and gets stabbed down some. The irony. Amazing how naturally this movie slips from self-referential and goofy to serious and accessible. Really amazing. <laughs> well, for anyone who's interested, it turns out you can't just stab yourself in the same fork holes twice and get the same near ejaculatory <laughs> buzz. Don't blame me though. I'm just part of the system. But I'm going to go ahead and blame woke comedy. <sighs> Roll call. Boo. Shabuya. Sh- Shabuya, ah. my name is Sydney. Yeah, a famous writer. We left oh, this behind. I checked the script. Yeah, it you could be tighter. Listen to my thing. It's a joke, Paul. Stop shouting over the top of it. <laughs> I heard it is good. Thank you. But I hate you. Thank you. Um, Ad- Ad- Adderall Annie is Sydney Campbell from Screen to his publicist. She wrote a book <laughs> and is definitely moving on with her life. Look, it says so in the script. Don't make me do another rap, please. <laughs> David Arquette has the Beverly Hills cop ringtone, which is fun. He seems to share a double bed with life partner Courtney Cox, even though that size bed is reserved for single men. I'm looking at you, Kevin Williamson. 
Anyway, <laughs> new campus ho. The cheerleader picks up the cousin did it and then picks up shh, Victoria's secret. They talk about how tired they talk about how tired and old the what's your scariest movie line is. <laughs> Am I right? Uh anyway, they almost die in a car crash. One one generation's tragedy is the next one's joke, says someone. I didn't write down who. It was whoever got to the lines trough first. Squonk it down, piggies. When it's your turn to speak, pretend I asked you how the original movie's holding Squonk. up now with four movies in. Anyway, anyway, Sydney's moving on. I thought I told you. So was Courtney Cox, apparently. Don't make me tell you again. Because we have more campers to meet. New Randy and Culkin? Dick about a bit. And then we meet Trevor's a murderer. And then he gets nothing but sass from everybody because, well, Trevor... Things go awry at Sydney's book event because the killer's phone was in a boot. Adam Brody's here, though. He points it out and then leaves the set for a later scene. Hey, hey, listeners, who here is waiting for me to actually get stuck into the plot? Life partners Dewey and Courtney have some really (laughs) believable interactions that make you think, hmm, maybe he should cheat on her with his deputy, Never Graham. Look, she's only mildly a stalker and it's fine because she's a woman and literally can't be one of those. Life partner Courtney Cox wants to help with investigations, but Dewey says no after being pressured aplenty by Nether. But this is what I'm good at, Dewey, says life partner Courtney Cox. I mean, I guess so, sure. No worse than anyone else, anyway. Meanwhile, the identity of Kevin Williamson is starting to fragment. John Cusack's here. It's only going to get worse. You know what? She positions herself as like, oh, I'm the expert. I've solved this three times. She ever actually figured it fucking out? Or does no, she just get got by the killer? That's my point. She didn't fucking do yeah. anything. <clears throat> um, oh, rubbish. <sighs> Anthony Manderson is here and leaves. Uh, waiting in the wings with the broadster. Laura Roslin motherfuckers is in this, potentially the cousin did its mum. She's been told to forget everything she learned in acting school, and by God she did. Dewey and Sydney <laughs> chat, and do you remember how Scream 2 had some lovely affectionate human dialogue between the two of them? Well, oh, yeah. Dewey ties up their conversation by quoting something from Sydney's book, including the fucking page number, and that's so good I just wish I didn't have friends to spoil the reality. Wait, turns out Trevor is the cousin did its ex and has no small amount of Billy vibes. Oh, I mean, douche chills. Except his lips just refuse to pronounce those consonants. Tighten up that aperture, boy, and say your words good. <laughs> the cheerleader and the cousin did it are watching Shaun of the Dead. Oh, I love that film. Anyway, there are too ah. many. Anyway, there are way too many instances in one go of people pretending to be Ghostface or actually being Ghostface. But then supposedly a real Ghostface calls and warns them he's in the closet. And then the line, this is not fucking Trevor, is said as though that's a menacing one. But the fact that he's, it was said anyway should speak volumes. Truly terrifying. Anyway, uh... Ghostface reveals that he didn't say he was in their closet, just that he was in a closet. I mean, Victoria's Secret's closet. And he is. He truly has leverage at this stage and says very menacing things like, I'm going to cut your eyelids off so you can't shut your eyes when I stab you. I didn't rewind it to get it verbatim, but if I got it too accurate, I'm afraid I might just shit myself. Anyway. (laughs) So scary. Christ it is. Anyway, turns out third time's the charm for the old fork in the thigh. Cousin did it, shows up, says something fucking weird, but don't worry, cuz, cuz Ghostface is back. Sydney pushes her to one side like a classic wank and, cu- uh, and Cousin did it gets cut, cuz. Cunts. Ghostface does his now you see me and disappears in the one second it takes for the cops to come in and the whole scene plays out far away from this podcast. And I've just thought of a serv- <laughs> and I've just thought of a serviceable name for the and I've just thought of a serviceable new name for new Randy. Michael put you in my cellar and Culkin, turn up and seem to relish the murders. What's wrong with you kids? Courtney Cox, that's the end of that note. Adderall Annie tells Sydney from Stream 2 that she's a victim for life and should cash in on all those assholes who love scary movies or persecute scary movies or whatever. I'm losing touch with what this thing means. Four times the fork, shame on pork. Five times the fork, eat some pork. Oh, okay, hang on. Just got, yeah. to, just got to hitch up the stronger, less stabbed up leg. 
Come on, righty. Don't let me down. First time's pristine. Receive the teens. Anyway, Adderall Annie gets fired for being a mentalist and then goes to a car park for the express purpose of getting murdered in a way that on paper is terrifying, but here is Scream 4. She's thrown into the middle of a press conference, further undermining Sheriff Dewey's authority. New Randy and Culkin both take up the mantle of New Randy and host Film Club. They talk a bunch of bullshit about movies, none of which interests me. Movies, that is, can't stand them. But ultimately, the gist <laughs> is that the killer is definitely playing by sequel rules and there'll be a big showdown at a party. Which is uh. interesting. Coincidentally, they're having a stab movie marathon tonight. It's also a party. Secret location. Tell us? Ah, oh, we can't. There are already a thousand teens coming. It's going to be lit up and heard for miles around because we're all obnoxious and drunk. <laughs> Sorry, I wish I could help you more. Anyway... <laughs> This whole film club's being streamed and seems prophetic until I realise this is 2011 when my life was already getting ruined by smartphones and the world was a butthole with a fist cl- clutching a clump of apple cables jammed right up it. And sentence redacted and Sydney and cousin Yay. did it ha- uh, have an emotional chat. It's great. And the cheerleader goes to the Stabathon party, a horror movie event which either goes to show how little of anything uh, Kevin William understands about movie loving teens or how little I understand about them. How little I, un- how little I understand about the Kevster has never been in doubt. Anyway, Gail Weathers has rigged the whole place to film the events and fucks back to her car and flicks her bean to the sound of her own excellence until she realises the shitting killer's only gone and turned all the cameras around. Et tu, Uh-oh. Societe? Oh, that's why I said Societe twice earlier. Um, <clears throat> the killer's going to try and outdo the original. Like the kid said, how much more meta can you get? How water, says Dewey from the film. I don't know, says Courtney Cox. The kid said it. And that's interesting. You told me that you're good at this, but you have such low self-confidence that you parrot the opinions of a teenager. And are you telling me that we spent years around original Randy and we never learned the meaning of the word meta? Who's original Randy? I mean, the Randy we knew. I'm continuing a running gag by the author of this synopsis to highlight the redundancy of the new Randys. Oh shit, look behind you, life partner Courtney Cox. Ghostface is here. Ghostface is behind her. He stabs a silly once. Uh, He's making the movie this time, she says. She's so good at this. Uh, the cops talk the same meta shit about which one of them will end up dead, but it's better this time for some reason. Now, does that tell you that Anthony Anderson and Boyd and Brody are better actors than everyone else? Or that Kevin Williamson hates civilians? Anyway, Ghostface stabs Brody in the back and Manderson in the brain. Laura Roslin motherfucker's home, but the cousin did it isn't. It, by which I mean home. But the Ghostface is it. Home, I mean. Sorry, I yeah. truly apologise. He stabs Laura Roslin motherfucker through the letterbox. Special delivery, yells Nell, which is better than anything <laughs> I've written in the past hour 20. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for your money. <laughs> After party, Culkin's, drink- Culkin's drinking a Red Bull, obvious villain. He suggests Stab 7. Oh, I don't want to watch that, says Cousin Did It. Not after what happened to Sh- Victoria's Secret. Oh, but it was a favourite. Oh, that's a good point. Hey, Paul, if I die from Danny Glover finding out that I'm lying, <laughs> thus further distancing myself from my family only to then rescue my grandsons from a speeding drug-addled maniac and then eventually have a heart attack with Ben Stiller at my side, better have that Blu-ray ready. <laughs> <laughs> 4k mate <clears throat> oh thanks mate appreciate that <laughs> beads of sweat on daddy glover's forehead gorgeous <laughs> you call me coltrane <sighs> <laughs> Culkin and the cheerleader have douche chills and a desperate yearning for douche chills respectively and it's enough to get everyone <laughs> split up finally they all wander hey. about like a bunch of twats for a while is this a horror movie new randy gets killed despite the fact that he's gay and that was mentioned earlier as a way to survive uh sydney turns up at the cheerleader's house for cousin did it but ghostface is here too god bloody everywhere he is I like to see you catch me, says Sydney, on the roof. Ha! But Sydney forgot the murderer wasn't a cat and doesn't automatically shut down at a certain height. Anyway, she ends up back in the house, rendering the last minute completely redundant. Wouldn't there have been an easier way to go about all this? Is this a horror movie? 
Culkin is caught by the killer after the cheerleader refuses to let him in. Cut to black and then we're back in the room with Culkin tied to the chair. And we as an audience just have to picture the intervening minutes it would have taken to get to that point. The ghost face... The, uh, the ghost face challenges the cheerleader to a round of trivia. She gets a bunch right, and the last question extra right, by yelling out a hundred answers one after the other. That's double right as far as I'm concerned. I won, she says, <laughs> skipping outside for a stabbing by Culkin. Who's the Kilkin? <gasps> oh, Macaulay Kilkin. Oh my god, also the cousin did it. The Two killers, you little bitch. Anyway. anyway. Oh! Motivation time. For the franchise. Uh, movies, uh, shitty boyfriend, uh, <sighs> Sydney gets too much attention. Uh, she shoots Trevor's dick off, deserved, I'd say, and then shoots his face off, deserved, I'd say. Ready for act three, says Jill, and I think, mm, please, yum, yum, yum. Also, pass me, who's Jill? Oh, it's cousin did it. Oh, you've just switched to using her actual character's name. Is it because she's empowered herself by becoming the killer and also victim? What I just said is nonsense, you say? Well, why didn't you say? Because I was trying to distract you to kill you, says cousin did it. Before you, wait, oh, before, no. before you die, you are a Culkin, right? Oh, Rory! He's dead. Uh, do you know what it was like growing up in this family? Related to you? Sydney this and Sydney that? You're always so special. Well, now I'm the special one. Sick is the new sane, she says. Uh, say that enough and it will stop having to make sense. Kevin Williamson rags on teens for a bit. I mean, all, the whole movie. Cousin did it, says the word ingenue. And whoops, that's the end of any credibility this movie has. Uh, cousin fight clubs away to a series of unfortunate injuries which is hilarious is this a horror movie and when the first show up they assume the worst probably cousin did it's a hero according to one paparazzo and wakes up to Dewey's lovely face Sydney might make it after all he says and I tell you the way she hides her disappointment is like she was directing the opening scene to Scream 4 seamless anyway now Gail and I can be survivors together with our matching wounds Great, says Dewey, off I go. So Cousin Did It pays Sydney a visit to kill her for real. Dewey figures it out eventually, by which I mean gets told about it. He then gets beaten not to death, crucially, uh, with a bedpan. And then they have a conversation using horror movie trope terms before Courtney Cox, blah, 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 something, something. Sydney uses a defibrillator on Jill's head, says a movie line like a fucking psychopath, and then the film doesn't even bother. (laughs) And then the film doesn't even bother to pretend it's the final one or that there's going to be a sequel. But if that last bit sounds critical or or sarcastic, then it isn't necessarily. So fuck off. (laughs) Fuck right off. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus Christ, she is properly turning into a sociopath at this stage. She has very few recognisably human emotions, and then is completely undisturbed by the fact she murdered her cousin, who decided to try and kill her. Yeah. Like, it's an interesting arc for this particular lack of character. If if it, if it was uh, intentional, I'd probably I'd I'd be not. more interested in it, and it's it's just not. <laughs> She's is just it? meant to be a badass, but my god, the audacity, Paul, the audacity of putting Shaun of the Dead in this movie. Yeah, I know. Oh, just you fucker! Stop clinging onto the coattails of the one <laughs> good British comedy source we have. Uh, <laughs> make god. your own shit. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's the problem with, with this meta conversation. It's just there's no room for your own shit. Just make it. Well, exactly. It's so tedious. And, like, they really piss me off in this one because, yeah, calling out no character development in the Saw movies. <laughs> the Saw movies are at least partially fun. Like, 50% yeah. fun, 40 mm. minimum. You know, anything that's not cop-related investigation stuff is fun. Even, even, even one of the, the one the one that begins with the fucking cop giving himself a tracheotomy i care the, oh my I care God. to fuck about that cop come that's good that. that's trap stuff that's trap yeah. stuff that's fine the stuff that's boring is the stuff where they're in the police station and yeah. it's like we got to we got to track we've tracked down this warehouse let's go 
yeah. in 20 minutes. That's the boring <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But yeah, there's always fun stuff in, in Saw. Made me care about and it. And like, at one point having the line of, um, oh, what's the point in all these pointless, belated sequels? Saying it doesn't mean you've fixed it. Yeah. You have it's, to it's, then it's... go on to do something about it. The first time people watch it, it's just enough to make people go, wait, what? And then it's the next scene and they've forgotten <laughs> what they were thinking. Oh, God. It, like, it, Let's... It's such. It's so poor. It's just such. <laughs> it's so annoying. Basic storytelling. Oh, it, it's. It really it's, is. It's. It's like high school levels of writing. Yeah. It's I mean, pathetic. Do you remember anything of first impressions? Do you remember because we saw this? I remember it was 2011. Yeah. I remember I saw it with my sister, and I remember mm. being annoyed and kind mm. of bored. And I remember that for you, you saw it after me. And you sent me a text saying that some asshole had spoiled it for you by coming out of the cinema. Yeah, um, I, I, I must have seen it with Nadia then because I, yes. um, <laughs> I in my memory, it was with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's no, no shame on anyone. That's just my shitty memory. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah. And it, that Nadia mask I was wearing at the time, often. You, you, you made a thing of that and that was, that was weird. But, <laughs> it would have been less weird essential. if you hadn't made a thing out of it. Yeah. You just worn it, but you know. Yeah, I'm happy just to let it go. I just see you doing a bit, um, but the way you kept going, oh, it's not a bit. Ooh, really, my life really now. <laughs> I've got no friends left. Um, yeah, yeah. Some somebody genuinely came out of the cinema and said, oh, "Yeah, I can't believe that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father." It was, yeah. it was, it was just cinema etiquette, dude. Yeah, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Get the cute. fuck clear of here, you prick! Before you talk about the one thing that is a surprise <laughs> in this movie, um, I told you my X Men, um, X Men, uh, the Last Stand story, haven't I? Where maybe. it's, um, I was in the bathroom and I heard two guys, and they'd clearly they were friends, but they hadn't come. To, they'd gone off to see different films because they were okay. in the bathroom. And one of them was going, dude, can I just tell you one thing? And he's like, no, I don't want you to tell me anything about it. He's like, no, just one thing, one thing. Let me just tell you one thing. And he's like, all right, fine. What's, what's the one thing? Um, Jean Grey goes evil and Wolverine kills her. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Don't, don't value that friend. Why, Why would you do that? <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> you ruined Brett Ratner's The Last Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was unbelievable. That was. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't even amazing. remember what happened next. I can't remember the kid's reaction. I just remember that. I think it might have just been drowned out by me laughing. <laughs> and then running away from the, the shaking cubicle. I, I, I think if a friend did that to me, I wouldn't even be mad because of the audacity of it. You'd just go, well, you played me, sir. <laughs> Well, that's you win. What galls me most is that you got me to give you permission to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he went, oh, yeah, that's um, fuck, uh, synecdoche, yeah, society. And he just oh. backs out the room. <laughs> but you, you texted me to say like, oh, some guy just came out and said, oh, the sister did it. And I texted you back saying, oh, there's no sister in it, mate. Don't mm. worry. He must have been lying because there's no sister in the movie. Oh, okay, cool. And then you were like, you were like, oh, okay, good, thanks. And then you came out and it's like, yeah, I managed to break the fucking code <laughs> as soon as the cousin showed up. <laughs> yeah, which like, I, I love that. Thanks for the... trying to get me on semantics, but... <laughs> it makes it all the worse than the guy came out and was like, oh, God, it was a sister or something. I don't know. I don't <laughs> understand idiot, films. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I actually, do you remember 
how I felt about the film to begin with. I have no memory of of. No, I can't. I seem to remember like feeling semi positive about it. Maybe um, might have been a bit meh. I, I don't know. I can't remember. I, I yeah. I it, it see if clearly, I've got the text. <laughs> it, I mean, it says a lot that I can't remember how I felt about it. It clearly wasn't a standout. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it just it just slipped through the cracks a bit. And it was fine. Yeah, um, I think so. But I wasn't as well medicated as I am now. So um, <laughs> very few people are. Just it's just I was just very I was just very surprised by all the colours and sounds. I suppose. Um, <laughs> it, it, but like just on, on rewatch and doing them you know back to back, it it just and, and having five years of horror franchises and five years of um looking at bad movies critically this is so it's it's so predictably pedestrian and basic it it does everything wrong it it doesn't it doesn't garner sympathy for any character it doesn't it 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 repels you with unlikable shallow uh one note characters who who really like it would not surprise me if Scream Five, the twist was it was identity, and they're all just part of yeah. Kevin Williamson, <laughs> the writer, who's just locked in a motel. Oh, it, it's it's so none of the characters. I, I I wonder it wouldn't even be if you added up all the characters they would form one complete person because it would still just be Randy, is yeah, is, is the character me. that that they would all yeah. add up to be. He's gone oh, now, God. so everyone else has to talk about films in the same way. It's going to and... be so much worse than the next one, friend. <laughs> oh my God, how? I know, how? it's so bad. But Jesus I Christ. actually decided to try and get into this one. It's better reviewed than Scream 3, um, with 61% on Rotten Tomatoes and 52 mm-hmm. on Metacritic. Still a massive step down from the first mm-hmm. two. I mean, huge, but... Yeah, you it's know, tighter on, than, it's, uh... than Scream 3, so... Oh, I, I, sure. I, I you can, you can see where it's it. coming from. It's less of a foray into comedy. Yeah. You know, but it's a horror movie. I like those. It's a well-reviewed mm. horror movie. What could go wrong? So, let me try and accurately... <laughs> Here are the things that went wrong. <clears throat> let me break down why I hate this. Okay. So, it's poorly made, technically. And I feel like mm. this last year really points out how much better horror can be. I have a, a, a modern horror film to compare with each thing that's wrong. We okay, have cool. really flat photography compared to In mm. the Earth, the Ben mm. Wheatley film. Boring lighting compared yep. to Malignant. Yeah. No sense of suspense compared to A Quiet Place 2. Yep. No ingenuity compared to Censor. Mm-hmm. No ingenuity compared to Candyman. Uh, an overactive score that gets in the way compared to X, which has these long, lovely moments of silence. Okay. Uh, no investment, because I still don't care in, about any of these characters compared mm-hmm. to Fear Street. You mm-hmm. know, all with character, all Williamson can do is cliche and repetition. Mm. another randy another dewey another billy and he, mm. you know, god the billy is bland in this one yeah. billy bland bollocks and <laughs> they're just or they're just parodies of annoying young people which is yeah. becoming way too much of a trend now yeah. the performances are especially poor by the returning cast mm. it's amazing how boring i found sydney prescott it's just oh, god they have no idea how to give her any kind of inner life I, you know yeah. i don't want to blame neve campbell for this the writing gives her nothing all they can do is make stuff happen to her. They cannot actually no. make a character out of her. Like they gave her just about enough in the first one with the, the yeah. dead mum and, and and the boyfriend well, again, and, and that stuff, stuff going happened. on. But but yeah, but like because we hadn't addressed that yet, 
it was yeah. it was present. It was a present issue, but then that was done, and then all they then yeah. all they could do is just keep referring to that. She felt like a character in as much as you could compare her on the phone to Drew Barrymore on the phone, where Drew Barrymore's yeah. kind of you know entertaining the guy and you know just. Yeah going along with it a little bit and then immediately like she's uh, our hero is more practical she's solid final girl territory you yeah. know she's not got that much more going on than let's say the lead woman from the very first friday the 13th yeah she's just a capable avatar that you can invest in but now four movies worth of trying to do things with her is just incredibly boring and yeah Anyway, in terms of murder mystery, as I said last time, who cares? There are no characters, and it's hardly mm. knives out, and it's plotting and twists. Yeah. It's just guess two innocuous characters. Yeah. And a good chance that they'll be the killers. And it's, you know, what if it's actually the Sydney-alike? There's a new twist, and then mm. there's just hilariously no impact on her being the Sydney of this situation. It doesn't yeah. bother anyone. They don't bother to vindicate her. Like, if the final girl is the murderer, maybe mm. she's the one who actually has the good motive. Mm. But no, it's just uh. yeah. And the meta comedy isn't funny. It's boring yeah. and obvious and flat. And just yeah. shut the fuck up. Score. And I'm going to sample the conversation between Alison Brie and Courtney Cox interacting mm. for the first time. And in real life, you two never be. Ooh, dug a hole, <laughs> climbing out here. So anyway, kudos on being brave enough to drop off the professional map. Any plans on revitalizing your tarnished brand? In about two seconds, I'm going to revitalize your face with my tarnished brand. I still got it. Cringe. Mm. It's unbelievable. And Oh, uh, didn't have like a bit of a run for your wife feel it. Yeah. Times. It just couldn't resist its little like... Yeah, it was doing it all the way through that scene. It was so bad. Ugh. And, uh, and as with the last movie, it does the having something to say in three dollops. Once in the prologue, when I talk about modern movies, modern yeah. horror movies. Once when the film nerds gather, and then the big mm. killer speech at the end, um, mm. where it takes aim at celebrity culture and social media, with no insight on either. Yeah. And no better than Reality com- Queen. No, absolutely not. And in terms of its commentary on horror movies, it doesn't really say anything about slasher remakes. No. But- even if it did, even if it was a pitch perfect parody of horror of slasher movie remakes, those were done by 2011. Mm. It peaked in 2009 and crashed and burned in 2010 when none, mm. none of them made any money. Mm. And in 2011, the horror movie genre had already moved on. And you know yeah. what? The meta horror movie genre was already moving on with movies yeah. like Cabin in the Woods and You're Next, yeah. both better than, to be honest, probably any of the Scream movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's just undoubtedly, it's um, I'm I'm, st- I'm I'm we must have covered this in in one of the other franchise mm. episodes, but I'm I'm fairly sure that Scream is responsible for the spate of unlikable teenagers, you know, yes. going to going to a place and getting murdered by Michael Myers or Jason or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's as opposed all... to charming Crispin Glover types. Yes. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, if you don't find it charming, at least interesting. Whereas, <laughs> whereas, yeah, it's like they've gone. Oh, so you like snappy meta and um, and wisecracking teens, right? Okay, well, um, I'm nothing like Kevin Williamson, but I'm sure I, c- mm. I can do it as well. And the twist is yeah. that Kevin Williamson can't do it either, uh, and, <laughs> and nor can you. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? That's Just- it. That's the fundamental problem of all of this is that Scream has never managed to reconcile being self-aware and a slasher movie at the same time. Yeah. You could cut out of this movie 
the scenes of meta humor. Yeah. You could just cut those out anytime they address being yeah. a, a horror, in a horror movie. Yeah. And it would just be a straight, boring slasher film. Yeah. Easily. Like, it's just there. The footage is there. Compare that to mm. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Where that genre awareness is a part of the DNA of the film. It is mm. in the visual language of the horror set pieces. Mm. You could not show a scene of yeah. Shaun of the Dead without it being obvious that it is a parody film. A horror, a, yeah. a self-aware parody horror film. Figure them all clubbing the zombie to death to, you know, Queen. Yeah. You know, this just feels like a generic slasher with a few pages yeah, right. of uninsightful lip service thrown in. You know, and I like this less than other boring slashes because it pretends to have something to say, but mm. it's just another bland cash-in sequel with nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, very, so very astute observation. That's that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. Ah, well. It's just, it's, it's, and it's been that way since the beginning. You know, remember mm. Sydney being like, oh, it's the girl with the big tits, you know, running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. And then they just do that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, what was the point in her being aware of it if yeah. the movie doesn't then subsequently and consequently get smarter? Mm. And the killer has to address the fact that he's dealing with a smarter antagonist because they're aware of horror movie tropes. If you don't do that, then what the fuck is the point? No, Paul, you, you misunderstand. She she didn't have enormous knockers, so um, that's oh, the that's subversion. True. Yeah, They wait for Rose McGowan to have the yeah. boobs. Yeah. Uh, and there's no stairs near her, so... Not even a staircase near her. Oh, wait, she... She does go down a staircase to the garage. That's true. You can't really call that, that a staircase. But that's meta. That's meta. Oh, okay. When it's not actually a staircase, that's meta. That's true. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not actually a staircase, let's just have a quick look at some production notes. <laughs> okay. um, just, I just want to put a montage together of me decrying how much production notes there are. For... Okay. <laughs> Who's writing all of this? <laughs> Who cares this much? Oh, God. Anyway, it starts production in 2008. Uh, Craven says he will, he'd will he be willing to do it if the script is as good as the first one. And then I guess he changed his mind later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Williamson returns to uh, write and direct... Sorry, Williams or Williamson? Williamson? Kevin Williamson. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Williamson <laughs> returns to write during the hi- hiatus of his show, uh, The Vampire Diaries, which is a fun detail I didn't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Starring our friend Tom's cousin <laughs> in uh, the role yeah, of Klaus. Right. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So that's <clears> our good, one good thing is that guy's great in that show that this guy who wrote this movie also wrote. <laughs> oh god! And Craven said the main characters have to figure out where the horror genre is in current days to figure out the modern events happening to and around them. What's your what's your favorite time that happened in the movie, Paul? <laughs> when they had to figure out where the horror genre is in current mm. days to figure out the modern events happening to them. Yeah. It's, it sounded a bit too much like a, 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 a shareholder, a stakeholder meeting, Paul. <laughs> and I immediately started to think of ways to kill myself. <laughs> That's fair. That yeah. is fair. And I respect it. See what they've done Williamson. There. Williamson expressed his desire to tell a story in which the audience would really care about the characters. Like with Sidney Prescott, who survived the first three films. And focus on them rather than the next kill. Uh, in comparison to other horror films like those of the Saw franchise. Did that work out, Kev? How's it going, How's it going there, Kevo? Speak- also, another aspect of this being out of date, Saw, the final chapter, came out the year before this. Yeah, okay. Originally, the movie would end with the cousin apparently having killed everyone and getting loaded into an ambulance at the end, only for mm. the paramedics to come out of the house, uh, out of the ass. Out of the ass. Um, out of the ass, they come out of the ass and say, hang on a minute, one of these birds is still alive. Uh, and they wouldn't say who, so it would end on a cliffhanger. 
Um, mm, and they, okay. Then they decided, fuck, we're not getting another movie, lads. Let's just <laughs> wrap it up. Yeah. Um, tell you what, though, Scream 3 and Transformers 2 screenwriter Aaron Kruger uh, mm. did a rewrite on Williamson's script, and Craven says, look, there was a bumpy period where things shifted from Kevin to Aaron. I signed on to do a script by Kevin, and unfortunately that didn't go all the way through the shooting. But it certainly is Kevin's script and concept and characters and themes. So a lot of love between Wes Craven and Aaron Kruger there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, d- 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 too much uh, for between him and Kevin, some would say. Uh, unredeemed. Yeah. <laughs> Unjustified, maybe. What's the scariest bit that happens in this movie, Paul? Oh, Christ. Um, <laughs> I, 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 oh. There's nothing, Paul. It's not scary. None of it is scary. It's, I know. It's so bad. I have one shot, which is okay. so Sydney is at the television and it's off and she sees the reflection of someone behind her. Mm, okay. That's it. That's pretty. That's all right. Look, yeah, uh, the, the the shot of Victoria's Secret stabbed up. Uh, oh yeah, the the whole room is covered in like blood spray, and then a yeah. quick shot of her guts hanging out, hanging out, just hanging out, all over Danny the ass. shot. Yeah. <laughs> Danny ass. Yeah, that's all right. <coughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, best camper. Hayden Panettiere, the cheerleader. From, what does she do? Uh, you know, from Heroes. <coughs> I haven't seen Heroes. What is she oh, doing in this? Oh, she she's the one who is the film buff. Uh, and okay, the, the one oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. The one who nearly gets together with uh, Macaulay Culkin. McCrory Culkin. McCrory Culkin. Yeah, she she plays the cheerleader in Heroes. It was great. Oh, okay. Oh, the one you're not meant to kill. No, the one you are meant to kill. The one you're meant to do something to. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah, regenerate. But you can put her in the corner, right? Um, Yes, but she loves it, so... Oh, fuck, be, she's nasty in the corner. Be careful with your corner antics. <laughs> yeah. All um, right, mine... I very nearly didn't have one, but I'll go with the two cops. I think you called one of them Anthony Anderson. One of them um, is Anthony Anderson. Is it actually Anthony Anderson? Yeah. Oh, fuck I so. me, I didn't know that. Oh. Uh-oh. Let me, let, me just, let me just double check. The one who got stabbed in the head. It is. Anthony ah. Anderson, yep. I did not recognise him, but that's great. Uh, well, I really liked him and the other cop. They seemed like Adam reasonable Brody. guys. Adam Brody. There you go. Actual Adam Beautiful. Brody. Yeah. Actual Adam Brody. Not an imitation or a dumb joke of ours. All right, Paul, <laughs> what was the best kill? Um, it was actually Manderson's stab in the brain. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty rough. It looked really gross because he, he put his hand to his profusely bleeding forehead and stumbled out of yeah. the car. and was just alive for longer than I wanted him to be after that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Much longer than any of us wanted him to be. <laughs> Definitely, mate. Yeah, uh, my it. one was the first two in the movie, and they were part of the fake out. Mm. A woman very quickly and elegant, elegantly gets her throat cut at the door, mm. and then another woman gets like stabbed in the chest, and mm. it just it looked good. I think they're mm. using CGI knives in this, but I don't think they had CGI blood, unless I'm what? wrong. Yeah, I know. But what? I know it's what all very rubbish. Fuck is that? Uh, it's the future, mate. Oh. The future was not orange, it was CG. Oh, you can do it all on sets now, it's brilliant! <laughs> do it on computers! You don't have to do anything! Uh, speaking of which, one thing that we do have to do is go through this door. And I think it's about time okay. that we do that. Oh, oh, the handle's oh. warm. That's nice. Oh, that's nice. Someone yeah, must good. have been here holding it to keep it warm for us. Oh, it was Jesus. Oh, You mean, <laughs> he's back? Through this door? There's only one way to find out. Ah! Quick. 
Oh, I tell you, my only comfort during this awful procession of meta slasher films has been this wonderful door. It's so convenient and usable. Yeah, there's nothing meta about them at all. It's... Absolutely not. Not even metal. What would that even look like? I don't know. I, I have li- literally no way. I'm just I'm too busy holding on to the knob of this wonderful door. Oh, it's so comforting and familiar, and it means that we're about to leave a Scream film. So uh, let's well, look forward to reaching for that at the end of this. Okay. No, 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 no! Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, yeah, after Scream, uh, Wes Craven confirmed that he would do Scream 5 and 6 if the fourth film was well-received. So 11 years later. Uh, No, things did get moving back in 2011, and Wes decided that fool me five times, shame on me. So he insisted that a full script be written and finished before filming started. So 11 years later. No, it was... um, It became this weird thing where everybody in interview kept saying they'd love to do another one, but that it just didn't happen. Mm. So it's always a good sign as to the vibrancy and relevance of a franchise when it gets made like a reunion of university friends. Well, Naomi isn't free in June, so 2014? <laughs> oh, Christ. Why Why would you want to do another one? Why? What What about <laughs> yeah. the other ones have made you want this? The, mon- <laughs> oh, the money. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, Wes Craven does die of a brain tumour in 2015, four weeks after his 76th birthday. Scream 4 ended up being his last film, directed in 2011, nearly 40 years after his first film, The Last House on the Left, the Mm -hmm. first of several times that he reinvigorated the genre. (sighs) Now, the Weinstein Company did actually go and make a television series with MTV in 2017. Oh, yeah. Bob Weinstein said that this made more sense for the franchise, saying, it's like putting an art house movie in an art house theatre. Where the teens reside is MTV. What? Also, what? <laughs> First of all, why do you talk like that? Second, what's that about an art house movie? And thirdly, do kids still watch MTV? <laughs> I mean, you don't know. <laughs> you, I you, know. you know as little as Bob Weinstein does on this. Is um, MTV TikTok now? I am... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say yes. And I, th- I think he's saying art house people go to art house cinemas to watch art house movies. So that's why you right. show art house movies in art house cinemas. Right. But kids aren't going to go and watch Scream at the art house movie. <laughs> They're too busy no. on, on MTV whilst doing Ollie's. Uh, yeah. God damn it. They damn love the those grinds. Yeah. They're terrible. Grinding all the way to a, a, a serviceable demographic. <laughs> Open grave. Uh, speaking of which, then his brother and series producer Harvey Weinstein was arrested and eventually convicted for dozens of instances of sexual assault and abuse over yeah, 30 years. Eventually. Yay. He's in the process of spending the rest of his life in prison and the Weinstein company has broken up. Oh. So there you go. Last time we'll mention those pricks. Yeah. Sp- Spyglass eventually step in in order to make the movie with Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler Gillett, Mm. uh, having recently directed together the very good horror movie Southbound. Oh, okay. I have not not heard of this. Very good anthology film. Uh, The movie was written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Uh. Busick wrote the very good horror movie Ready or Not a few years ago. Mm. James James Vanderbilt, meanwhile, wrote The Amazing Spider-Man, White House Down... Independence mm-hmm. Day 2, Resurgence, okay. and Murder Mystery. Oh, also Zodiac, but you know. Whatever. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Whatever. Stop clocks. Stop clocks. 
the film was originally intended to be released in 2021, 25 years exactly after the first film was released, but then something happened. I don't know. Hang on. I mean, who gives a shit? What does it even matter? Hang on a minute. 25 years after the first film. Oh my god. Scream 1 came out closer to the original Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre than to now. There was more history of slasher movies before Scream than since it. No, since Scream than before it. Fuck me. Jesus. That's fucking untenable. I can't live with that. still as relevant today as as it was back then. (laughs) Am I being serious? I don't know. Ah, Ryan Johnson was originally meant to make a cameo in the film. Interesting. That's interesting. We shall come back to that. Hmm. The film did infuriatingly well with critics and audiences, spoilers, tragically revitalizing the franchise. I forgot how salty I was at this stage of my nose. <laughs> I mean, you're always, you're always salty. Uh, it has 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, 60% on Metacritic, and made mm. so much fucking money. <sighs> where's that, where's well, that portion for us? Where's our slice? Let me tell you what happens in this one. You're not going to believe it. Oh. Holy new concepts here. Hello? Hello. Is Christina there? No, she's not available. May I take a message? Uh, yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, sorry. I'm a friend of hers from group. I, oh, shit. From her shit? Okay. We start with the opening to a Scream movie, yeah. where the main character looks an awful lot like Rachel Ziegler from West Side Story. Hmm. Uh, but unfortunately for Maria, there is most definitely something coming. Yes, it's a boy like that. Ghostface. <laughs> So he gets Maria on the phone and they talk about elevated horror. Sounds boring. I prefer movies where the same things happen over and over again with superficial differences between them. That's what I like. (laughs) Obviously, the person expressing this terrible opinion turns out to be the murderer who then chases around the house a bunch. Ah, ringing phone. Oh, God. It's so scary. Oh, God. Who'd like to be in America, eh? (laughs) Uh, Not not her. But, um... Oh, slight twist. The killer has her friend's phone and is texting her. Her friend, Manson family chick from Uwate. <laughs> yeah, Manson girl is dead if Maria can't come up with uh, some exposition to get new, vi- new viewers all caught up. Yeah, but she gets one wrong, so she gets stabbed. It's oh, thrillingly no. original and different from the last four times this has happened. Oh, yeah. But Maria doesn't feel so pretty now. Ah, <sighs> So, we meet, the ni- we meet Mr. Nice Guy, who's Iron Fist, I think, <laughs> from, from the Netflix franchise. And, she, yeah, he's dating it's Maria's really sister, cold. Anita. Yeah. <laughs> he's really cold. Was cold. Uh, yeah, dating Maria's sister, Anita. Right, I know I know Anita isn't Maria's sister in West Side Story, but Anita's dating Maria's brother, Bernardo, so... Okay. All right, fine. Iron Fist is dating Maria's sister, Bernardo. So, <laughs> Maria lived, so now they all have to go to Woodsboro. Mm. I guess when you're a Woodsborian, you're a jet all the way. I don't know. So... <laughs> More teens than I want to come up with names for show up all at once <laughs> and start to share some very natural dialogue. All oh, right, yeah. we've got we've got I- Iceman Bobby Drake. We've got <laughs> aforementioned Manson Girl. We've got Detective Rosa Diaz. She's not a detective. It's a thing I'm doing. <laughs> Her brother Mov- Movie Jock. <laughs> uh, and the girlfriend Sandra B- Bernard from uh, King of Comedy. Oh, okay. Start guessing which one the killer is, everyone, and I'll start trying to care. Anyway, <laughs> to the hospital for some character moments. And done. To the bar for some exposition <laughs> shots. Ooh, bit of tension, though. There's an altercation between mini Tony Soprano and uh, movie jock. But mm. fortunately, baby Soprano goes to hang out in an obvious kill sequence and gets killed there, the outrage. Wow, idiot. Ugh, never do that. 
Bernardo decides to isolate herself in the hospital kitchen where she remembers that she's related to the original toxic guy that what caused all this, yeah. Billy Loomless, who appears reassuringly at moments of great need. Genuinely, how could you have misjudged this? <laughs> oh, hey, they had an interaction from the first movie and now the killer is being easily kicked over and overpowered. I can't understand why some people prefer horror movies that are about things. Captain Cop shows up from the last movie, I think, to be a red herring, but prompts Bernardo to talk to Maria about her dark past. It turns out that Bernardo is actually Billy Loomis's kid by an affair, and she mm. accidentally revealed this to her dad, prompting him to leave. Mm. Glad the movie is continuing the legacy of having all of its problems being caused by promiscuous women. <laughs> something's got to be done. So, yes. So that prompted uh, Bernardo to take off and take every drug she could get her hands on, as kids will say. <laughs> Maria tells her to take um, <laughs> to take her one hand and one heart and fuck off with both, because... <laughs> She's not really interested in hearing any excuses. So Danny Rand, Iron Fist, heard everything. So they agree that they're going to be the leads in a Scream movie for a bit. What could go wrong? Yeah. Oh, look, it's perennial series Joke Dewey. Oh, I remember <laughs> finding him endearing 23 years ago. Let's find out what he's up to. So, yeah, oh, he's living a... <laughs> oh, no. He's living a pretty sad life in a trailer watching his ex-wife on TV in order to spend some time with her. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rule what? <laughs> Yeah, he's very much the Luke Skywalker of this one, but everyone's going to get behind him for some reason. <laughs> Rule one, Danny Rand is obviously the killer. What? Rule two, it's always something to do with some contrived nonsense from the past, so look there. Okay. Rule three, the other one will be from her friends, so yeah, I'm really glad to see that Dewey looks as bored of all this as I am. <laughs> Dewey refuses to help, but then calls Sidney Prescott. Did they write her character for her this time? Let's find out. He tells her something about this one feels different. Does it? <laughs> yeah. Could you elaborate? It's another one of the things that they say in the script. <laughs> anyway, Jury, be sure to put yourself in harm's way. Bye. Oh, wait. Oh, oh. Okay. Whatever the cost. You're... Whatever the cost. <laughs> he also takes Gale. Anyway, time to have an annoying interaction with the friends. Okay, so Rosa Diaz and Movie Jock are related to Randy. Great. Let's have this awful conversation in front of his weirdly prominent memorial that takes up most of our living room. Yeah. That's a weird... Oh. Like <laughs> cult of personality there. <laughs> We've all based ourselves on him. So Soprano Junior, Soprano Junior, crucially mm. not Junior Soprano, uh, was related to Matthew Lillard. That's mm. a shame that whatever it was that he had wasn't genetic. Then <laughs> <laughs> imagine if he had shown up and it's like, yeah, that's fucking related to Matthew Lillard. Oh Christ! The killer slash killers are clearly making a requel. Oh yeah, a new term for me to hate. It's not quite a remake, and it's not quite a sequel. Wasn't that what they used to call a soft reboot? Oh, that term isn't annoying enough. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Requel it is. God. I like it because it has the word reek in it. So, <laughs> hey, remember the Stab p sequel that came out last year? The one directed by the Knives Out guy? The one that sucked and fans hated because it had some SJW bullshit in it and Mary Sue's and tried to have a point? Well, what's wrong with making an elevated horror movie? Nothing, but it's not Stab. <laughs> Franchises should only ever be one thing again and again forever and forever. But to some people, the original is their favorite thing. Is it? <laughs> Find me those people. And also, guys, you can stop making Scream movies anytime you fucking want, man. Literally anytime, it's okay. So they reach the end of the painfully contrived meta conversation in which everyone forgets that they are characters in a movie and decides to become mouthpieces for the screenwriter. Yeah. And I actually genuinely feel fucking exhausted. So... I wonder if, unlike the last two movies, the nature of the discussion they just had at length is going to affect what happens next at all. No, just random characters getting stabbed for a while? Okay. <laughs> Great. Good thing I didn't listen to the rules. 
<laughs> Loomis shows up. Loomis. Oh, Billy Loomis. Right. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking. Right. Yeah. Talk to Loomis. Um. Yeah. Billy Loomis shows up again. Use your serial killer powers, daughter. Yeah. Great. I'll you have a that. mental illness. You can exploit this for gain. <laughs> for physical superiority. Oh Christ! Well, a lengthy kill sequence sees Iceman and Captain Cock both die. Mm. Um, I was really heading towards Cock, and I don't know why. <laughs> I had to really jump out at the last minute there, like a burning barn. <laughs> oh God, Captain Cock! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it when the thing I know is going to happen eventually happens. <laughs> oh, Gail is here. Great. I wonder if she's gotten any more natural in the past ten years. <laughs> um, it's a scream movie, so Gail and Jerry have the same conversation about their relationship they've had four times now. Mm. Mary's not happy, though. Geoffrey's a crop key. I'm very upset. <laughs> I don't have the police protection every victim should get. <laughs> so her sister rushes to the hospital to help. Danny Rand shows up in order to help, but is uh, ineffective. Who'd have guessed? Oh. Wish Jessica Hennick was here. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, the killer is easily overpowered by an injured woman in a wheelchair. <laughs> Fuck, these guys suck. <laughs> but she decides to slowly wheel away rather than just stand her ground and definitely win. Yeah. Uh, luckily, Dewey and Bernardo show up in order to, uh, yeah, just in time for Dewey to get killed by the killer. Yeah. And uh, let me just try and summon up some memories of earlier movies to care about that. Yeah, okay, it's kind of sad. <laughs> oh, Sydney's here. Will her reunion with Gail be as affecting as the last two movies? Genuinely can't remember the last one. <laughs> so you're going to say yes? I'm going to say yes, absolutely. Yeah. The sisters agree to get out of town. You know, somewhere there's a place for us, is what mm. they agree. Uh, but Sydney advises against it. Um, it always follows you, but you always went back. What have you yeah. s- stayed gone? Yeah. Maybe it'll work. Anyway. It, fo- it follows you. I can't help but think that... What's that triggering in my mind? Don't think about that! Don't think about that! Just think about stab. Stab, stab, stab. Think about, think about dumb movies. They're better. Yeah. So Sydney puts a tracker on the car, but they really don't need to because they're just going to go to the climax because Maria's sister forgot her inhaler and you can't get those at any pharmacy. So yeah. they just have to go back to the party. Hang on a minute. Maria's going to a party. Bamboo! Oh, hey. Remember Sandra Bernhard and Movie Jog? They're here. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. They have an awkward makeout that ends with them splitting up or something. Yeah. And, uh, oh, look. He's, he's involved in an app-related death. Oh, who says this movie isn't relevant to it? literally anyone anymore? So he, he dies. Does and, it? I thought uh, he got. I thought he gets wheeled into the ambulance at the end. Into an ambulance. No, I don't think so. We'll talk more about that later. But I'm pretty sure he dies. Uh, okay. Someone else does. But I don't think it's him. Danny Rand and Manson Girl mm. end the party so that the main characters can be all left alone together. Perfect. Let's just Brilliant. get it over with. Yeah. <laughs> oh hey, Sandra Bernhard is still alive. Great. It's nice that they're trying to make it mysterious who the killer is by making everyone act suspiciously. Almost <laughs> as good as developing these characters. Almost. Sydney and Gail are on their way in their legacy mobile so they can be unbearably smug about all this. <laughs> but before they get here, it's time to reveal who the killer is. Oh, brilliant. If you ticked off Manson Girl on your card, then you can get a free medium popcorn at the concession stand. So she shoots Sarah Bernhard. Mm-hmm. But there's still another killer, and Danny Rand thinks it might be ma- that Maria might be the killer. But Bernardo thinks that Danny Rand might be the killer, which, if true, is really going to hurt his argument. It's a right pickle. Oh, so, God. Gail and Sydney have an awkward interaction with the killer that ultimately puts uh, Gail immediately out of action. Wow, yeah. they didn't have Courtney Cox for very many shooting days, did they? <laughs> She's alright, though. <laughs> She's fine. She achieved enough. Yeah, I'm I'm bleeding. You go ahead and finish this. I'll just yeah. I'll just stay here with this gunshot wound to my chest. I mean, I'll help later in certain scenes. Yeah. Don't think <laughs> about it too much. <laughs> I, I've become a no- immune to gunshot now. 
<laughs> oh no, though, Bernardo is having doubts about Maria. Oh, keep coolly. Um, fuck, I can't remember the melody to this part of West Side Story. Um, keep coolly, cool boy. Don't get hard because you've got some dumb times ahead. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you who's got a rocket in their pocket though, and it's Danny Rand, the other killer. Uh, he dramatically reveals the inhaler. Oh, what <laughs> obvious killer? Prescott and Bernardo are injured, but hopefully okay enough to be exposited at for a few obnoxious minutes. <laughs> So it turns they out are. that these killers these killers want to save the franchise by creating real-world events that will make a better, less original Stab movie. So they're going to frame Bernardo because she's the daughter of Billy Loomis, so that makes sense. Mm. Um, they explain the screenwriter's justification for doing this all, and I'm not convinced. <laughs> and, hey, how about this? I'm going to pitch Scream 6. A horror fan is so sick of Stab movies that he starts mercilessly killing anyone even remotely involved in them. The <laughs> twist is that the movie doesn't fucking get made at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> somehow uh, you fit you in the movie feeling like the time has actually reversed and you've gotten that time back <laughs> the twist is you show up and they're showing a better film <laughs> uh, the sisters finally managed to overpower the killers just a reminder that one of them is really badly injured and in a wheelchair and neither of them are prepared for this but they win mm. gail and sydney need to be here for a reason for a reason so they kill manson girl yeah. uh, she gets set on fire is that the same one who got set in fire in oete i'm uh, not checking no i'm I'm not going to... I refuse to check. Yeah, absolutely. But great! What a fantastic evolution of those characters, Sydney of um, Sydney and Gale. Yeah. They've come full circle. Sociopaths. So, yeah, um, Bernardo stabs the killer to death and uh, does the finger thing that the original Scream did, the Loomis legacy. <laughs> oh, good. Rosa Diaz is alive and gets wheeled into an ambulance. Love her. Fantastic. Oh. She's the one who hated The Last Jedi, with by inference. <laughs> it's the end. One last yeah. shot and an affecting character moment and one last encouraging look from Billy Loomis. You did it, kid. Now I'm going to go murder another innocent girl in the afterlife, which I'm able to do. Tonight, tonight. The film is full of shite With nothing new to say at all Tonight, tonight I'll boycott the next film It's so bad Shooting sparks into space That's it, I'm finished Okay, brilliant (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I was just just letting you get that out. I felt like it was uh, <laughs> it was a ne- no way necessary and and helpful, but it wasn't. That's great. So it um, was helpful to remember West Side Story during this. Okay, good. Yeah, it seemed like a good anchor to have um, during <laughs> during this movie. I had a lovely shepherd's pie, and uh, oh. that was that was my that was my cornerstone. <laughs> good uh, for I'm that. Glad evening. to hear it, mate. So, how do you find Scream? <sighs> So when the movie starts with a um, the phone going, I had a sinking mm. feeling of I've been here before, and yeah. and that didn't really leave me for the rest it's, of the movie. It's really annoying that this one tries to distinguish itself by being even more like the first one than all of the others have been. Yes, the the only only way that it tries to distinguish itse- itself is by in the Randy scenes where somebody yes. talks like uh unhuman like about movies they say uh-huh. that it's going to be different and, yeah, and, and exactly and, and i've and i've realized paul 
listening, actually listening to some of the dialogue in these movies is really bad for it because when 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 Dewey says, "Oh, you've got you've you've got to follow the rules to survive," like I did, yeah, you think about it for half a second and go, D- "Which rules did you follow, Dewey?" To, yeah. to, to survive you just fucking ran around and got stabbed exactly and that's it's, the it, thing it's it's like when gail and the other ones was like i'm an expert you know this is what i do like, is it what, yeah, what the, have you done to prove this i feel like we could now do a supercut of us saying this each time because yeah. every single movie the metatextual stuff and the fact that it's a slasher mm. movie do not interact at all yeah nothing is gained this movie is not at all different from being a requel yeah. The things don't change. Well, oh, the fir- the guy who killed was a secret relative of the first yes. of the the first killer. Yeah, that in no, you've already done that. First of all, you already did that <clears> in the <throat> second movie where everyone had the same name, and then the third movie where they were all connected to the past. Yeah, you've done that shit before. It's the fourth one was the cousin, nothing... so it's you know it's, yeah. it's all in the family. It's fucking Palpatine. No one, no wonder you don't fucking <sighs> like the Last Jedi. <laughs> it's so frustrating. And okay, let's talk about the meta stuff because it's the rest is just. This isn't different. It's the same no. as the other screams. Yeah. Uninspired kill sequences that lack tension. Yeah. Boring characters with unnatural dialogue and a yeah. whodunit premise that admittedly works better than the last two, but still, who gives a fuck? But it was still so, so it was too, it was so obvious that I didn't actually guess who it was going to be because I thought, <laughs> of course, it can't be her. It can't be Manson mm. family from Watcher. It was it's it's too yeah. it's too simple. It's a red herring. No, yeah. it was just it was her. Yeah. So the meta. The villains are toxic fans who dislike the direction their famous their favorite franchise has taken because it's too much of a departure from the original films. Hilarious that they yeah. think that's an issue with the Scream movies, but fine. Yeah. And Star Wars gets mentioned yeah. twice. Okay. Yeah. So what does that mean, and what are you saying about it? Yeah. You know, it's just what what's the significance there, and how is this a return to form from a franchise that has never really strayed too far from its formula? It takes some swipes at elevated horror, which is. I've seen actually Men just came out and I I really enjoyed mm. Men as yeah. a film but I've seen that it has taken a uh, not even that much of a critical licking it's better received than Antichrist which it reminded <laughs> okay. me of but I saw an article in Pace magazine saying that this movie is the end of elevated horror and I'm very annoyed by the mm. term elevated horror incidentally mm. because it feels dismissive and like in, in the same way as we're sick of experts in, in a way it's just it feels like they're drawing a box around this thing yeah like you're you're collecting together this broad movement of genuinely quite good movies and putting mm. them into a thing that can be identified as like a movement that can therefore be dismissed. And this Pace article was arguing that mm. fans don't want movies that are about stuff anymore. Yeah. They want simple, straightforward movies yeah. like Malignant was last year and mm-hmm. Scream is here, yeah. apparently, because it has done well. It, mm, it feels very... It, it, it smacks of the sort of the Murdoch creation of the term identity politics to sum up everything sort of everything progressive people are pushing for yeah in, it's in creating a... a boundary it's saying that horror movies are two things pick a side yeah you know traditional horror and you know woke horror or elevated horror and yeah. it's just it feels dismissive and like suggesting that in trying to make the genre more representative of broader experiences of fear yeah modern horror movies are in doing so forgetting the fundamentals but i don't think that's true no people don't like the babadook because as the character says in this it's a mediation on grief nobody says that nobody says oh yeah i love the babadook it was a fantastic mediation (laughs) on grief no they like it because it's really fucking scary and part of the reason it's scary is because it taps into anxieties we all have about grief yeah yeah that's scarier than teenagers in halloween outfits who can be kicked over easily yeah this is i mean the, the problem is with with the script right when when they have the character 
slip into their Manchurian candidate activation <laughs> to parrot yeah. those lines about it being a meditation yeah. on grief. It's a line that they found on a Google review and they've copy pasted yeah. it into the screenplay. They know absolutely I mean, nothing about, you know, they know nothing about their subject matter beyond like a sort of base instinct that they just prefer the, the stab movies. And, and, and <laughs> like with the meta, it, it's just it's just saying one thing and doing another. There's no thought put into it. It's just, yeah. oh, wouldn't it be fun if this is what that is? And then someone yeah. goes, okay, well, um, I'll be interested to see your script and how it gets that across. And they've gone, what? I've already finished it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It does work. That does work, incidentally, in a sort of Patrick Bateman style. Nobody actually appreciates the value of anything and everybody's parroting yeah. uh, these lines. But is that what, what we're is. supposed to think? Is no. that what we're supposed to think about the sister? That she's just she doesn't like the Babadook, she's just memorized a Google review. Like if so, <sighs> fuck you, movie, for thinking that's what we're like. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think the movie's those... that smart. I don't think so. Because the thing about all these elevated horror movies, and a few get mentioned. The ghosts, demons, and monsters of modern horror return horror to its Victorian mm. roots because they are stand-ins for all the ways in which you are unable to control your life mm. and in which the universe can just step in and fuck you over and mm. you would have no control. If Ghostface breaks into your home, you can have a good go at kicking him or her over. They're usually yeah. just a punk kid. But yeah. You can't do that with mental illness, systemic yeah. racism, transphobia, yeah. death anxiety, or any of the yeah. other things that people make good horror movies about right now. Mm. Michael, I mean, Michael Myers is yes. that in, in his we'll come to original yeah original incarnation is is just it's yeah. just death it's it's like it's kind of like it follows really it's it's the yeah. same slow march towards uh, death yeah you can't avoid it's exactly terrifying he, yes exactly that's the thing is it's not new good yeah. horror movies are about things like yeah. if you want to argue that men is tricky because ultimately you wouldn't really be able to understand the ending unless you were following the subtext and the subtext mm. you know some people complain is too obvious others that it's not obvious enough yeah. The ending maybe is lacking in a sort of internal logic that doesn't make sense unless you engage with the themes. Fine, mm. maybe that's irritating for general audience goers. That is not very common. Mm. Like, Get Out works perfectly well and it communicates its messages while still delivering a very standard thriller experience. Yeah. But actually, I think you'll find that horror movie audiences in general are much more accepting of transgressive experiences mm. and you know unusual narratives. Yeah. I don't think everybody's there just being like, I need my horror movie to have a sensible ending. Like, Mm. people are open to weird like look at the shining like what the fuck is that ending you yeah. know people are open to weirder experiences in horror yeah. but all right fine elevated horror is boring say the villains who also feel like the mouthpieces of the writers fine yeah and incidentally it's one of those things where the villains say an argument and the heroes never actually effectively refute the argument so yeah. it does kind of feel like that's the argument the movie wants to people yeah. to walk away with fine scream 5 is going to be a recall like all the soft reboots that have been coming out in the past 10 years the best of which is halloween 2018 which is a very very obvious influence on this film yes so the idea is that this is going to be a purer version of scream like mm. halloween 2018 was a purer version of halloween <laughs> and I, that is a good comparison so why do i re why did we really like halloween 2018 and hate this because halloween 2018 mm. did not go on and on and on about how yeah. it was a, pu uh, a purer version of the original. Yeah. It, for one thing, it's not it's not ever been a part of the conversation in Halloween movies. Mm. Um, it maybe was a little bit in the sequel in Halloween Kills. Um, maybe a little. But <laughs> there was one metatextual scene in Halloween 2018 mm. where the friends are walking to school and talk about how it mm. was a bullshit rumor that got started that Michael Myers was related to Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Like that's the only bit that does that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, 
Halloween 2018, I think, has just a much better directorial flair. Yeah. You know? Stylistically, aesthetically, mm. in terms of building its tension and delivering on it what it's supposed to do. Yeah. It's just a better made movie. Yeah, it has a better understanding of what is scary about yes. about the franchise. But it also has the benefit of... Um, more likable characters. More, more likable characters and actually being scary in its original mm. form. Because as, yeah. as we've kind of found, the original Scream isn't scary anymore. And <laughs> and, and the actual ideas are pretty mm. much the only substance in there. there, yeah. there there's, there, there are bits. Like, I, I, I still like, you know, I like Neve Campbell and Billy Loom, Billy Loom and Skeet yeah. Ulrich. Uh, I like Sydney and Billy and everything yeah. around that. It's still it's still a tight kind of cool movie, but it's mm. it it doesn't it, it it in in terms of scariness it doesn't hold up as well as mm. Halloween does, and that's because a lot yeah. of the, the the sort of the uh, the meat of Scream and its and its yeah. sequels is the found it is the foundation of previous mm. horror movies like Halloween and Friday yeah. the 13th. It's all built upon existing material. Yeah. There's very little that Scream does itself to, to drive mm. things along. It, 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 yeah. it, it relies, it stands on the shoulders of all these other movies. So mm. you're kind of doing a recall, but when the original is already kind of, I mean, the original is kind of a parody of, of, of horror movies. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's already recycled at that point. I know. So and it's, it's nothing. so frustrating, but I mean, the fear of Scream 1, the bits mm. that do work, mm. are the idea that there are two punk kids yeah, and they have decided for their own aggrandizement and for their own little twisted obsessions, they are going to go out and kill people and hurt people mm. and you're going to get swept up in their shit. Yeah. Like, it's the, it's the school shooter fear. Mm. Very relatable. It has not... I would still argue when you go back and watch that movie that it does not deliver those scares as effectively as perhaps you remember if you haven't yeah. watched it in a while. Yeah. It undercuts an awful lot of it with this meta stuff, with mm. the humor, and with an awful lot of things that just mean that it doesn't land as maybe solidly as when you're an impressionable teen. Yeah. Um. But they have just so far wandered away from that. Yeah. And that's fine. You can wander away, but they have not discovered any interesting new country that makes these films compelling. No. And I'm really confused by so many people, so many critics who came out and said that this is a return to form. Mm. Like, it's better than the last two i think I, yes yeah. i think so there are some sequences in this at work as we all mm. hear when we quick fire mm. but yeah it's still it's still a very frustrating and irritating movie that i did mm. not enjoy sitting through in the cinema and neither did katie who came and saw it with me you know big horror fan and she she's did an idiot. not have fun and she's an idiot yeah. and she didn't like it so <laughs> no neither of us yeah. enjoyed this yeah. it was much more fun at you know a new slasher movie you know a little while later of x mm. Which oh yeah, yeah. Had some new stuff to do and a much better sense of style. I think style is a big thing. Yeah. I was a li- I was a little worried because I knew you hated mm. this and I knew Ellen mm. Graham hated this and I thought, yes. oh, I hope I don't like this because. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but 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 I but I went in and uh, I was talking to Ellen just before it and I said, well, you know, mm. maybe maybe I will. You don't know. And and, yeah. and and we'll just see. And yeah. from the first the first two minutes, yeah, I just thought, oh, if, if this is the vibe they're going for, it's really this is not was for it, me. More or less obnoxious than the many, many endings of Scream 4. Which I enjoyed better this time around, if mm. I remember correctly. I found it a slightly amusing, all the fake openings. Yeah, I liked Tara 
uh, mm. in, in this opening. Once she, once she was doing mm. the fear stuff, I, I found her quite effective. Um, right. The actual cocky teen on the phone thing was lame, and but the uh, uh, Prescott uh, thing again. Yeah, and and yeah. and it's just so self-referential, and the fact oh. that it. The fact that it talks about stab as though it's the fucking holiest. Holy shit! As, as like as the, like it talks about s- stab as if scream was the most important thing to happen to our generation. Comparing it to Star Wars oh is my just god. Does anyone like scream this much? It'd be like sawness. You know, like sword's still fun, but it's it's like sword's great fun. But you, you still wouldn't compare it to fucking <laughs> no. Halloween or whatever. You know, absolutely not. It's. The thing is, the prospect of a new... And here's the thing. Like, yes, okay, fine. You want to say all the Scream movies are the same. All the Friday the 13th are the same. I fucking love those movies. <laughs> I love the first Friday, six Friday the 13th because of the... Mm. Because the formula is something I enjoy. I do not enjoy the Scream formula. I don't like mm. the self-satisfaction. I don't like the bland kill sequences and yeah. moments of absolute lack of tension. It just... It doesn't engage me. The only unique selling point that Scream has is this... um. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, who done it? Quality to yeah. it, which works it's better not, in this for me. But yeah, it's still it's like not very said. sophisticated. No, um, and we're, we've gone in a circle now. Yeah. So, but, but also mm. the uh, I I do not like every you know Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween or uh-huh. and and I find some of them painfully boring. Um, mm. uh, a lot of it is because they uh, it's the ones that try and do the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, and when you when you mm. get to it's like the Texas Chainsaw movies when you get to the final thirty minutes. It's and like, you know exactly oh, what's going to happen. Hey, here we go. Let's just yeah, uh, fucking try and try and care. But mm. it bespeaks laziness, and that's mm. never fun. You yeah. never want to know that the person mm. involved in the thing that you are enjoying is you know doing it out of laziness and not passion. But I mean, that's I scream. It feels like they've. It feels like once they agree to writing a movie, they get sent a template for it, and they're like, okay, try yeah. and fit your ideas into this. It's like Mad Libs. Yeah. All right. Well, look. Let's. Um. We're nearly there. So let's okay. let's just do. Our favorite bits of this. Okay. So let's start with um, let's start with scariest moment because my god, god. Uh, that's yeah. that's not one that I mentioned. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd say for me the opening scene had its moments where it delivered. Okay, it delivered scares and yeah, uh, I found the like I think there was one particular moment where the phone rang mm. again that I did. I had a little chill, like a a little chill. Okay, that's um, good. It, it ramped it up. It ramped it up well. Um, yeah. As as an aside, the number of fucking fridge door fakeouts in this movie made me want to oh scream. Oh my god! It, like, yeah. The, sorry, I know we're just going back to bad things here, but when like mm. all, all I could think every time it did it, either way it was going to be disappointing. You're either going to be yeah. a, it's either going to be a scare, <laughs> and you're you're ramping up to it, or yeah. or it's nothing. And I that's what I yeah. expected it to be. And, and yeah, oh, very frustrating. There's no way to be scary with this because there's just either going to be a guy there and he's going to jump out at you. You can yeah. startle people with this premise, but there's nothing. Mm. Yeah. Okay, a creepy thing to do okay. would be to have him maybe in shot yeah. and not acknowledged, and yeah. have him like staring at the main character. That would be creepy and yeah. like with no music sting. And yeah. the music is doing so much work here oh, with the jumps. It shouldn't, and it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. It's very annoying. I don't know if it's built for me again, but oh Christ. Um. Anyway, yes, my fa- scariest moment is, although it's used as an excuse for many fake-outs, the sequence in which the son, Bobby Drake, is mm-hmm. wandering around the house and his mum has been stabbed to death on the mm. the porch is scary because, and it's sad, 
because mm. he's doing all these things. He's finding notes from his mum, and he's like going around. He's preparing the, for the dinner that yeah. she's never going to bring home. Yeah, it's a really sad moment. You're just waiting for the tension of him realizing that everything's gone wrong. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, I hope that he ends up getting killed before he realizes his mum <laughs> is dead. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. And I can't remember if he does, but yeah, it's just a really kind of sad sequence, mm. which was you know quite effective. Yeah. And I'm glad they let it play. They cool. let it run out a bit. Mm. Um. Okay. Uh. Best kill. Um, who the character I had as Pacey, which you called um, oh the the Pat, the killer, not boyfriend. our first Pacey. Yeah. I know. Oh yeah, boyfriend. Okay. Um, what did you call him? <laughs> yeah. Um, I called him uh Danny Rand from. Oh Iron yeah, Fist. yeah, yeah. It was called. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Um. He. Yeah, he had a charm. Um. Yeah. Like, it was. It was also with um. Oh, Sam, the main, yeah, uh, the main woman. She mm. she uses her schizophrenia powers to 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 mm, stab yeah. stab him, and um, it's but he's kind of he becomes very fearful and like in it like yeah not able to tolerate the pain and he's getting stabbed and he's crying and like he he kind of looks more like he's he's just flinching from it as he's getting stabbed and it was pretty upsetting and the the, the throat slit was incomplete. There was just half of his throat. Yeah, slit. So and he was you know, it, just choking out of it, which was pretty gross. He does also have his final words though. Of what about my ending? Yeah, don't just don't. to undercut the whole fucking thing. Don't know what you mean, mate. I didn't. <laughs> he didn't have any lines in this movie. <laughs> For the best, my best kill. I think it's probably just going to be the quick, sudden horribleness of um, Tony Tony Soprano Junior. Yeah, in an alley, just a quick jab to the throat, and he's gone. Yeah, that's all it took. He got him unaware. Yeah. Quickly lurched in, did that, and off he goes. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that was a fairly upsetting notion. Cool. All right, best camper. Billy Loomis. <laughs> so we've got Skeet Ulrich yeah. back. Yeah. As, um, yeah, as, as Billy. As, as, shows as up. voice in Sam's head. but And face in Sam's head. Yeah. But my God, he's fucking cool. And I, like, he, he he's... <laughs> We didn't even it, talk about this. Yeah, I know, but he's like, it's probably because I, I liked it. It was one of my favourite bits in the movie, having Skeet Ulrich there. <laughs> Just because of his presence. Yeah. I found it so fucking weird, the idea that the guy who was the ultimate original, you know, Columbine fucking dude, awful guy who yeah. started all this because of his own petty inadequacies, taking yeah. it out on random women, mm. shows up as the fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi figure in this. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. How did you get that so wrong? Well, it it was like a it was a temptation into giving in to her. It, it, it I suppose it was into her fucking urge to murder women. Her her, her inherited urge to murder women. Yeah. Um. Pat, like <laughs> because her grandfather was Palpatine. It's the same. It's yeah. fucking. It's just Rise of Skywalker. But um. It really is. But to, to me, it was she's she is mentally ill and. He has these uh, hallucinations, and yeah, but I guess but so. but whatever. I like the idea of her yeah. as a flawed character, even if it didn't end up impacting on any of her actions. <clears throat> yeah, but the um, <laughs> but having Skeet Orc there is great because he's a hot man, and he's a hot man. Yeah, he's de-aged, and as Ellen pointed out, doesn't didn't need that because he's aged like a fine wine. Um, <laughs> yeah, d- absolutely. Yeah. Is that why he looks so weird? Okay. Yeah. That's it. Interesting. Also, because he's hot. Good for um, Maria, as I called her. I thought she was really good. Um, mm. I liked her as this sort of slight presence who nevertheless keeps managing to get the upper hand. Mm. You know, uh, she is fairly obnoxious in her opening scene, but everything after that, yeah. I found her fairly endearing. 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, including the final line of hers, which is when she's well, not the final line, but when she's put into the hospital and she just says, "Can you take us to a different hospital this yeah. time?" <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, I really like that. I, I I did like both. I like the sisters. To be honest, yes. um, I thought they were good yeah. together. It's kind of like um, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I liked the leads, <laughs> but oh yeah, just the story. Fuck me, I forgot all um, about that movie. Yeah, for the best. <laughs> well, speaking of for the best, Paul. Yeah. What do you say? Will you now? Here in just the beginning of June, will you take my hand and return to the 90s so that we can be young men together again? <laughs> Waiting for That's a train <laughs> on a network that has been privatized. And, <laughs> and you don't know where this train will take you. Probably I know what you did last summer. But what you do know is that we'll be together there. Bye, everyone. Our tenuous grasp of time is slipping away. But tell you what's not slipping away is our grasp on this door handle. So let's just go for it. Fuck yeah. Very cozy. Okay, door, normal door as always. Right, is this June or October? Wait, let me just uh, check in with my overall health. It's passable, so it's not the London Film Festival. Nose is blocked, haven't been sleeping good. It must be June! Yay! Summer time! (laughs) Summer days! Summer time. So, (laughs) which which means that we must be here to talk about I Know What You Did Last Summer! Yay! Boy, oh boy! Extra work, yes please. Bet you didn't know it was based on a novel. Um, was it the Christopher Pike <laughs> uh, horror? <laughs> horror? Because it should have been. Oh, uh, because because I read I read a lot of Christopher Pike. I guess it was like YA horror. A Christopher Pike when I was a, a lad, or when I was a lass, and yeah, I I I I enjoyed it very. Enjoyed yeah his there. I imagine it was just a, <laughs> a series of authors who were just you know contractually <laughs> obliged to pump out one occasion. Some of whom were Stephen King. Very <laughs> weird. Weird. Well, if you arrange yeah. the letters of Christopher Pike, you don't get Stephen King at all, so it's, it makes sense. Yeah, but it's suspicious how little you get it because you only get yeah, it a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If like, surely there'd be more overlap, but I mean, who's called Christopher Pike? Or none, but it's exactly like an awkward amount. So. But the, there is a book that is identical to this story um, of his. Oh, really? Uh, it's like what, what? I can't even remember what it's called. It's like I, I do know <laughs> what you did last summer. <laughs> oh shit yeah very uncanny mm-hmm. no the, the book was called i know what you did last summer it was released in the 70s and it was by why it was a ya novel by louis duncan mm. uh, and it seems to be a lot darker they actually do kill a little boy on his bike well good he was probably yeah. a criminal he was he was coming from a murder he'd done spoilers mm, we've gone on about it kevin williamson wrote a screenplay before oh. scream <laughs> and then after scream he they uh, after scream was a success they rushed it into production like heroes would <laughs> Uh, the film was directed yeah. by Scotsman Jim Gillespie, who oh says, um, yeah, Gillespie said in 2008, the joy of the film for me as a filmmaker was in taking the elements that we've seen before and saying to the audience, here's something you've seen before, knowing that they're saying we've seen this before and still getting them to jump. I love how inarticulate directors tend to be. <laughs> Just completely married to their medium. It's, it's, it's reassuring for me. Uh, <laughs> there's hope. Can you explain what this cup is? Camera? (laughs) I need camera. Me? It's me. (laughs) It's me. It's all of us. It's a universality that I want to tap into. That's actually very deep. Uh, Producer Stokely Chaffin says that they... uh, Best film ever. 
they they sought out actors who were beautiful but likable. Oh, it's hard to get both. <laughs> Evidenced. <laughs> <laughs> They nearly cast Melissa Joan Hart. That'd have been fun. Wow. But they went for other mystical teenager, Sarah Michelle Gillar, instead. It's for, it's for the best. She turned out to be less less of a <laughs> lunatic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Gillespie said of her, I wanted an actress that had uh, a warmth to her. To it still come off as being a bitch. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Gillespie. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Gillespie shot the film very bloodlessly, as he didn't want the film to be gratuitous. Uh, but he did sign off on that costume for Jennifer Love Hewitt in the third act. But anyway, um, after test screenings, it was decided that they needed an earlier death. So they shot Max's death. Uh, He didn't actually die in the original script, which does just make you wonder what the fuck was his his role then? Yeah. And also, what was the whole car bit? Yeah. Did they CGI her in from elsewhere screaming, what are you waiting for? (laughs) She was actually in line at a, a, a fast food restaurant. They CGI'd her over. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it was, she was doing it anyway but there was just <laughs> she, she does it to get into every role <laughs> uh, Columbia tried to advertise the film as from the creators of Scream but Miramax weren't having that mm. turns out screenwriters don't mean shit around here so yeah they got sued and they managed to get them to take it off they're not creators Paul it's actually way harder <laughs> to direct a film than it is to yeah. write one so, Terry Gilliam yeah Terry Gilliam doesn't know anything about what he's talking about <laughs> Uh, they Idiot. did it did very well commercially, but middling middling yeah mid mid middle middle ditch with critics mm. uh though there were some defenders, including Richard Harrington, who preferred it to scream <laughs> heathen interesting opinion get out uh but what about Louis Duncan, who wrote the original novel? Well, she hated it uh oh, she said well. in two thousand and two oh, that's probably Lois, right yeah, yeah l o i s yeah. Let's talk about the patriarchy and the way in which it shapes young men and men in their 30s to just assume that all young. authors are male. Even ones with female names. Yeah, especially. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she hated it. It said in 2002 that she, uh, she was appalled that her story was turned into a slasher film. Oh. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> well, she shouldn't have written a slasher story. <laughs> oh, God, I tell you what, though. I wish I knew what happened in this movie. Oh, well... You're what? in luck, because... Uh, oh, no! I saw... There's a bloody nerd over there who's been working on a plot <laughs> synopsis. Let me just... Uh, yeah, you nerd! Yeah, give it... <laughs> uh, ow! Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry! Can, it really hurt him, folks. Can, can I just borrow your synopsis, please? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, sir. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Got that nerd. Brilliant. Oh, fuck yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. <laughs> so... <laughs> My <laughs> so my my plot synopsis is uh, <clears throat> is thus: we begin with a moody fuck along a horizon made of water, <laughs> reminding me of oh. the Shining. Until we slowly helicopter mm. to a cliff face to meet. The Shining. Until we slowly helicopter to a cliff face to meet. Don't commit suicide, Jimmy. What lovely dimples. Uh, it's all very moody. <laughs> and then Kevin Williamson's name comes on screen. Ah! Yeah. Oh, actually, maybe he's not going to jump. He's just drunk and a man. He can do whatever he wants. So say, K- so say K-Rod. Anyway, a school, I think, is having a who do you want to fuck the most contest. But if it's not a school, mm. then it's a town staging a Miss Something pageant, which is only mildly less awesome. Cucks. Anyway, <laughs> we meet our campers. Oh, let's call them Cruel Intentions, Barry Teen Angel, Cruel Intentions, and Jennifer Love Hewitt. 
guy from the Big Bang Theory that looks sort of like Adam Buxton manages to be even creepier than he is in that show. <laughs> You'll love that show, Paul. It's smart like you. Anyway, I'll tell you... <laughs> I'll tell you what's smart like me definitely isn't Cruel Intentions, who asserts his physical dominance over Big Bang Leary for no reason, i.e. is a fucking asshole. And for the first time ever, I'd actually rather just go chill with him and play League of Legends. Oh, well, off to a beach campfire with our hot teens telling spooky stories, which is when I re- which is when I realise I have no interest in any part of that transaction. I'm more a cabin in the woods kind of guy, just chilling Fuck far yeah. away from society, the rustic life, off the grid, just playing League of Legends with my, with my bros. You are the Big Bang Fairy. Oh, fuck. Now, I am the theory. Barry Teen Angel stands out in the scene for delivering his lines naturally, but ultimately this plays out without the need for me to say anything sarcastic. I didn't say anything about doing, though. (laughs) (laughs) They... They pair off Cruel Intentions and Cruel Intentions, that's weird, hey, and Gennifer and Barry Angel and discuss their future, sort of. They make out and probably do some sex on the beach. Ah, shit, I realise Cruel Intentions is actually called Barry in the film. Well, I don't want this to be confusing, so I'll rechristen Barry Teen Angel as Barry Teen Angel Freddie Prince Jr. They drive home, trying as a team to figure out the safest place to put Cruel Intentions so he doesn't do a drunk drive or a toxic masculinity. Oops, the twist is he has to do at least one of those at all times. Otherwise his bros will get him and manages to alpha male his way well past everybody's peripherals and into the zone of ruining everyone's life forever. He drops his alcohol, which distracts Barry Angel Freddie Prince Jr. into thunking a chunk with the opposite end of the trunk of his car. Funk! Jennifer Love Hewitt discovers that they hit a boot. It's black as the night sky and just <laughs> standing there. All booty. Anyway, after this movie was over, I, d- I decided to go refresh the old memory with the first 20 minutes of Scary Movie. Turns out they also make that, bo- that boot joke and it's very good. So shame yeah. for me, but win for comedy. Yeah. <sighs> oh, and there is a dead body there too, unrelated. Jennifer Love Hewitt suggests calling the police and reporting the accident, but everybody else rightly points out that this has nothing to do with them. They only hit the boot after all. Anyway... Up shows Big Bang Leary, who's more than sus- anyway. Up shows Big Bang Leary, who's more than suspicious of the hot teens. He's suspicious bastard. But hey, better off with the league, you know. LOL for life. They improv a story that Cruel Intentions drank more than he could handle. And now look, that body you definitely saw us dragging over the railing there has caused old Drunky to have a spew. Anyway, Leary bangs off, and the teens bang on about a whole bunch of crazy reasons why they shouldn't fess up to the moider. Sorry, manslaughter. Cruel Intentions says all they need to do is pretend he was an escape lunatic and everything will be fine. You can pretend anything in your dreams. They just about get the body in the water. He wakes up halfway through, awkward, and Cruel Intentions just makes that first remember scary movie moment happen for me. Screaming, we'll take it to our grave as he grabs Love Hewitt around the throat. Barry Teen Angel standing by like a bit player in his own life, knowing the scene is already written. It's just one more thing the scary movie people got right. God bless him. (sighs) Anyway, Bun Beer Beta... Jennifer Love Hewitt has become inside girl at college. She's thinner and paler and more raccoon-eyed like an actual college student as opposed to film and television (laughs) actor, and it's strangely good. She goes home after some good friending by a friend, miss one scene in the movie, and then she's home to be cryptic and completely unparentable. Kids, I tell you. After an awkward dinner, she gets a note that says, I know what you did last summer, exclamation mark, making it equal to the derpy, the snowman, snowman. But then in the 90s, I suppose grammar wasn't just lumped into the two categories, cuck speech and damn, insert generation. Or maybe it was. I wouldn't know. I'm a millennial. Mum comes in. What's on the note, honey? Nothing murder. I mean, mother. Just delicious paper. A paper snack. Um, nom, nom. Can I go to dead? I mean, bed now. I'm awful car accident after that delicious hit and run. I mean, fish. On land. Gasping for air. The one visible eye glassy and yearning for meaning but finding none. My final dread exhalation signalling the near silent but decisive turning of the cogs of inexorable life. Rise and fall. Dawn and dusk. But can we trust the rising of the sun any more than we can the blinking of that lifeless eye of a being doomed to die in a plane of existence for which it only held fear? 
Oh, ugh, sleepy. <sighs> Inside girl locates cruel intentions working in a clothes shop with a sister, uh, Elsa. Oh, yeah, not that cruel intentions, though. Can you imagine? Jesus. And shows her the note. But we were so careful, says cruel intentions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Anyway, they reunite with cruel intentions and he isn't happy to see them. They have a believable interaction full of believably ridiculous rationalizations and cruel intentions decides to go bully Big Leary a bit. Problem solved. <laughs> hey, don't you think it's this kind of irresponsibility that led to this pred predicament in the foot? Oh no, you punched my balls off. And now I'm the killer too. Barry Teen Angel, aka Freddie Prince Jr. is now Ocean Man who lives life on the open sea. But he's in harbour <laughs> yeah. long enough for Jennifer uh, but he's in harbour long enough for Jennifer to catch up with him for a few seconds and get too dang close, so she runs away. Big Bang Leary gets chilled to the max. Max is his name, getting a fish hook uppercut and dragged across ice is a game. Explanation for that previous line and new name. Goodbye, getting a fish hook uppercut and dragged across ice. We hardly knew ye. <laughs> Cruel Intentions is doing his twice daily workout in the abandoned gymnasium and horror foley workshop when he finds a note left by Max, probably, I don't have time to check, who pisses off with his jacket, his expensive murderer's jacket. Still believing it to be Max, he goes running after the car. But surprise, it's not Max at all, but a full-grown man with beer breath and bull hair, well-versed in the art of fuckery do. He leaves Cruel Intentions alive to tell the tale, though they all... He leaves Cruel Intentions alive to tell the tale, though, and they all get some crazy-ass ideas. Front and foremost, visiting David Egan's sister Anne Hesh's house and asking some number yeah. one suspect-ass questions. We wanted to say <laughs> we're sorry about your brother's death by, by our hands, van, car. It was a car. I mean, of our minds. All of our minds. Our collective manslaughter. I mean, guilt. Uh, anyway, tell us something we can use for our meditations of murder of a mind. But it turns out David Egan had a friend, says Anne Hesh. Billy... Blue? Oh, Christ, well, we've got to go, says Gov Buett. Got to go commit manslaughter. I mean, wait, by the secret to our grave. I mean, oh, oh, no good at this at all. Vehicle. <laughs> Uh-oh. All Cruel Intentions wanted was a Coke and an innocent midriff shot. And what's this waiting for in a bedroom? It's old Fishy Hook Joe breathing loudly in a bedroom closet. Uh, if only a phone call could be inserted into this scene somehow. <laughs> Even scarier, though, is the sisterly dynamic that follows with her sister Elsa. Obviously, sister... Oh, were you brushing your hair? You and your insane obsession with your hair. Being clean and soft, with no seaweed in it or anything. Anyway, good night, <laughs> you insane, vain rodent. Uh, but Cruel Intentions wakes up and her hair has been hacked. Or should that be hooked? Oh, no. <gasps> hacked. Off. Inside Girl gets the news over the phone and rushes to the scene. But wait, that sounds an awful lot like a crab-covered corpse in my boot. I'll just pull over and... Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I knew it. And with my midriff on show and everything. Here's your problem. Yeah. Cruel Intentions 1 and 2 go out to the car with her and the body's gone. Perfect opportunity to spout some more of their radical stream of great ideas. Where's your jacket, Barry? Where's your jacket? Uh, we have the what are you wearing for moment reminding me that this moment was from this, not Scream. Uh, because that, that's what I thought when I started, when I started watching the Scream movies. Uh, but of course, primarily scary movie one. Thank you. Great film. Cruel Intentions sees another man and immediately accuses him of murdering Max. But... We know this guy. It's Barry Teen Angel. Oh. You know, Freddie Prinze. Junior. Oh, yes. Yes, it is you. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, we do need to do something to kick through the Act 2 wall. Well, this, this year's Who Do You Want to Fuck the Most cost Well, this year's Who Do You Want to Fuck the Most contest is tonight. Perfect. Crawl Intentions <laughs> 1 and 2 go on the baton handing over pageant. Uh, finally aping the amazing scene from Scary Movie where Lachlan Monroe gets Hookland Monroe. She screams and runs towards him, but the audience dutifully gets out of their chairs to hold her back. From danger they can't even see. 
<laughs> Officer Bad at his job goes up with her goes up with her to inspect and no one's there. But he tried to kill Barry. Barry who? Who are we even talking about? Look, officer, you know, in no way would that mean a murder didn't happen here. Oh, fine, I'll come with you, I suppose. Look, lady, I might be a cop, but I'm not one of those give your story credence kind of cops. I'm a horror movie authority figure, but also I'm a real world cop. Uh, so I'm just going to ridicule your story. Let's not think about it. Hey, uh, he dies. Cruel intentions escapes and flees to the family store. Sister Elsa finally unlocks the door and gets her inside. But oh, no, is that Portis head? It's not going to end well, is it? Elsa gets hooked and dragged around a bit. Come on, guy. Let it go. Yeah. Oh, look at you there. Oh, intentions realizes something's wrong when the porter's head's <laughs> turned off. This guy can't be human, but I tell you what, he's probably hiding here among the mannequins. Hmm. Faceless oh. mannequin, faceless mannequin, mannequin wearing a fisherman's raincoat and hat. I mean, <laughs> ah! she's chased and jumps out of a window. Inside girl makes it to the pageant where I guess they agreed to meet. Strange. It's almost midnight and no one's here. Hmm. <gasps> Back to the Faces Flay Parade, and oh no, it's that mannequin in the hat. Back for vengeance. I always appreciate he <laughs> <put> his head. <laughs> Cruel Intentions is dead. Inside girl, or I guess it should be outside girl at the rate she's going, runs around a bit and finds Barry Teen Angel. Does he actually live on the boat, or is it just a romantic euphemism for his job? Anyway, your bloody boat is the same name and Hesh mentioned earlier. It's bloody you. You're the killer. Anyway, some rando fisherman clobbers him, which makes him good in my book, Inside Girls too, because she gets on his boat, this fisherman's boat. It's fisherman. This fisherman. He's the killer. Shit. Anyway, Barry oh, no. Teen Angel gets on the boat, which is going out to see no less. See no less. Hear no less. Old man with a hook. Some chasey chasey happens and then it stops happening. Barry knocks out the old man and old man gets back up. When you leave a man for dead, make sure he's really dead. Then he gets his hook hand caught in a rope loop, which turns it into a hook hand and drops it in. And then he drops into the ocean. Well, I'd like to see him swim to shore with only one hand. So they get the cops on the scene and learn a valuable lesson in owning up to your shit. Is there any reason why this man would try to kill you? Nah. <laughs> One year later, scary jump ending. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Superb, sir. Thank you very much. My mouth is really What a rundown. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's getting rough. It's getting rough here <laughs> in the film reviewatorium. <laughs> Nevertheless, you did a marvellous job. Good stuff. So, all that in mind, what do you bloody think of this film after watching it and Ooh. writing about it? I I quite enjoyed myself, Paul. Yeah, me too. I was surprised. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. Mm. I It I, was yeah. Uh, such a relief after the last three Scream movies. Mm. It really it was. It was a very nice change of pace to go back to the 90s, to go back to, <clears throat> yes, nostalgia. I watched this movie quite a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite a lot. Mm. Um, so it was a bit nostalgic to go back and see all these moments that I've fucking memorized at this stage. Yeah. But more than that, I, it just had quite a lot going for it. I was very happy early on with mm. the sincerity of it, the lack of meta humor. My God, that was nice. Oh, um, God, yeah. The relatively complex central characters mm. who each had good motives for not wanting to, you know, mm. be associated with this murder, but then also all of whom managing to have their lives kind of fall apart after doing it mm. was good. I liked that aspect of it. That was really interesting. And Same. I like the sense of dread and melancholy that's seeping into the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and then when it actually does turn into a, a slasher movie, at least initially, the stalk sequences were quite good and menacing. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's some really s creepy moments, like when, 
you know, the fisherman is like standing over Ryan Philippe, having him at his mercy, and the film just kind of fades out from that moment. That mm. was creepy. It does get dull for me in the third act when it becomes all about chasing people. Mm. Um, there's an awful lot of it. Both Sarah Michelle Gillard and Jennifer Love Hewitt both consecutively have lengthy chase sequences. Yes. Um, which, you know, is a bit of a weakness of Williamson's. Um, and then also some of the supporting characters are supremely flat and um, <laughs> mean-spirited. Like, the sister, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Why is the sister such a dick, you know? And yeah. why is Guy for the Big Bang Theory such a dick? Like, And the cop is, like, unbelievably... Oh, incredible. God. That, that, that wasn't me doing a funny joke. That was, like, who's, like, who's Barry who? Who are we even talking yeah. about? That was his justification for not investigating <laughs> the murder. Unbelievable, yeah. Just oh Christ. It's and then he mocks her in the car later. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. And yeah, this is a Williamson thing. Just everybody's a dick. Yeah. And it's yeah, that that's unfortunate because otherwise I think between like the source material and uh the direction, I mm. think there's something really special here. Something yeah. kind of subtly menacing for a teen movie and yeah, it had yeah. me invested. Yeah, I think so. I um I think generally just there were more character moments and, yeah. and deeper character moments. There was an actual story, cause and effect. And yeah, and yeah I, I, I care, just cared a lot more and I felt a lot more about their grief and, their, and the, yeah. the, the different ways what they did affected them. And I was surprised um, because, yeah, me too. you know, I'd, I'd seen I Know What You Did Last Summer a couple of times as a kid, but I saw yeah. Scream. 20 oh, yeah. 30 times i adored it <laughs> and i think yeah you know one of the reasons why i know what he did last summer wasn't as well received was because screams you know the original scream it's relentlessly metatextual angle was fresh it was new you know yes it, it teased a you know a bit you know wes craven like had yeah the new nightmare done it yeah but but a movie like that it was like this is new horror for the kids and it, it, it's yeah. cool and it's yeah, teen focused, yeah. self aware. But but actually, you know, with twenty years, twenty plus years uh, of reflection and multiple screen movies, going back yeah. to something where I actually I believed the characters, uh, yeah. and like I believed in in their concept. Just, and yes, just a pure horror film. Yeah, really. it, it 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 has actually aged much better. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. because it's just a. It's just, again, for the most part, and again, I do think there were weaknesses that become stronger oh, yeah. as it goes. For the most part, it is just an effective thriller aimed yeah. at a teen market. And that's an interesting thing. That's an interesting thing. And it's surprisingly effective in its yeah. uh, delivery. And I think, yeah, as a result, like you say, it does stand up quite well. And it holds mm. up to a fair amount of modern scrutiny. Yeah. And the nostalgia elements are the soundtrack, uh, mm. some of the fashion. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. But... By and large, it doesn't feel as much like a 90s throwback as Scream did either. Mm. No. It doesn't feel as dated. No, it doesn't. Just despite the fashion and, and the hair, it's it's yeah. kind of... There's, there's more to it than that. Whereas, I think I think we said, you know, like, I we enjoyed Scream well enough, and it, we sort yeah. of agreed it was it was very tight, and mm. it, like, it felt kind of cool, but it, like, ultimately it has a lot of nostalgia. And, yeah. and, and uh, there's a lot of a lot of glee that we took from that. And mm. I don't know. Yeah. It just, I mean, the fact that I don't really, I didn't really remember this movie. Um, yeah, I remember yeah. bits as they were happening, but I didn't come into the movie with, yeah. uh, uh, 
same preconceptions that I did for Scream, and I was very just, mm. just pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's too much to say about it. It was just a very yeah. fun movie, and I'd be. Yeah. It's curious. We'll have a word in a moment about where what to do next, but mm. yeah, I I really enjoyed this little return to the well as yeah. well, just because also. This is something that was of its time, mm. whereas the last, certainly the last two screen movies were made 10, 20 years too late, respectively. Yeah. So it was nice to see something that was fresh at the time. Like this, like a Scream fan, I think, wouldn't necessarily be disappointed by this if they went and saw yeah. it. Like it would, you know, unless they did specifically go in and go in expecting the meta humor, but it still has a couple of like fun little subversions of horror tropes, yeah. only without talking about them all the time, which yeah. is much more refreshing. Yes. Leaves you to come to that realization yourself in, instead well, of somebody indeed. just staring at you, going, Did you get oh, it? God. <laughs> you didn't. Okay, oh, that's God. fine. Because what actually happened was. <laughs> we'll explain it a few more times and then make two more movies about that. Oh, God. All right. Well, let's get to our best bits then. Let's mm. get to um, Scariest Moment. Well, it was actually Sarah Michelle, yeah, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller at the door uh-huh. of the store after she'd been pursued. Oh, yeah. And she's getting her sister to unlock the door, and the sister has no idea why she's panicking yeah. so she's taking a sweet time and she gets yeah, halfway yeah. to the door remembers that the keys aren't on her so she yeah. very slowly goes back it really ramped up the tension and i felt it I, did. I really felt it it was really well done there's something so frustrating about the idea that she can't communicate to her sister how urgent this is yeah yeah that was really good i remember mm. being really affected by that as a kid watching it mm. um, just getting yeah really frustrated by it my scariest moment is just the note, the concept of the note. Like, they thought they got away. It was a year later, and just this handwritten note with no more information on it, mm. just saying, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Is, you know, that's a really spooky concept. It's a great mm. core concept. Um, Yeah, and I thought that original note, that handwritten note, was just a really spooky element. Mm. Cool. In the book, he found them because she got, she insisted on sending, um, flowers to the funeral of the boy that they ran over uh, okay and then the guy is able to the relative of the kid is able to sort of phone the florist and find out who ordered that particular bouquet mm, okay oh in my plot synopsis yeah. i didn't really explain who the killer was but oh uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever yeah yeah fuck doesn't it, really right. matter no someone who remembers this... what they did last summer yeah uh, ski ulrich yeah again you didn't, wouldn't yeah. believe it but it happened mm. best kill uh max yeah, it's Max. yeah, um, yeah. It's the late, late addition to the movie. It's the test audience mandated edition. Mm-hmm. It's a good sequence. Mm-hmm. It's full of atmosphere. It's well designed. Mm-hmm. Um, my only issue is once the hook is in his chin. Yeah, I think it would have been better if hook goes into chin, shot of him hitting the deck, and then aerial shot of him getting pulled over the desk. But we mm-hmm. get about five different shots of him yeah. dangling, and mm-hmm. it's a bit, a bit much. But yeah, otherwise, sure. it was a very good sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. It's 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 really useful to the story as well. So it's amazing that that was yeah not part of it originally. So yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah, added to the paranoia as well. Yeah, um, well done, test audience. The yeah. only issue, the only slight issue with it is it does remove Max as a red herring quite early. Yeah, but you know. But then it does. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. But then it just causes Ryan Philippe to go even deeper into wrongness. <laughs> yeah, which is. <laughs> Which is entertaining. Which he also did in Cruel Intentions. Oh. So, best camper. Oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I liked her very much. Yeah, she's very good. She was great. Yeah. She was, some That's of her, her dialogue was 
I mean, it's very Kevin Williams. It was just, this is a script. Especially like the yeah. campfire scene. And there were some other things where she, she oh, just God. said stuff that was so obviously written. On the nose. Yeah. Yeah. Just too, no, too well constructed to be just something that someone would say on the fly, like when sitting around a campfire. But yeah. um, but yeah, she's very charming and it's very effective. And we'll get into some of that stuff in quick firing. Mm. But uh, sure. yeah, she, uh, just the way she sort of performed the grief was really good. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Sarah Michelle Gellar. I found her character to be really tragic. Mm. She's this homecoming queen mm. who, in a year, has has passed her prime somehow. She's mm. gone to New York. She didn't manage to make a go of it. She's ended up working back in her sister's department store. Mm. You know, she's from a family that is clearly indifferent to her at best and actively hate her at worst. Yeah. Um, and it's just really sad. And she carries herself with such this sort of morose kind of disappointment. Mm. You know, she's not even angry at the world. She's just kind of sad about it. And yeah. it's just... Yeah, really affecting, I found, her character. Yeah, and right. When she's trying to reach out to Jennifer Love Hewitt, but, you know, she's kind of lost that connection as well because of this horrible thing they did together. Yeah. It's just a tragic portrait of a woman who's lost everything. And that's what I like in my teen slashes. <laughs> <laughs> Have that fucking... Oh, epic night. <laughs> oh, shall we do Urban Legend? Sure. I, I haven't actually seen Urban Legend, so let's do that. Yeah. Let's give it a go. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right, folks. Let's get on through this nice mellow door and uh, into yeah. a whole world of other slasher films. Ha! Mm. Huh. Ooh, that was nice. Ooh, touch that doorknob. Yeah, I, 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 I like. I, I jabbed my toe on the door, but in a mm. good way. Wow, it's better now than it was. <laughs> I have a stronger that. toe. Toe is hideous, and now it's great. I fuck that toe. Fuck yeah, I am gonna fuck that toe. But Bring we're gonna it. do it after we get through this door. Okay. And through. Oof. Oh, that was alright. I can't believe we only get to use this wonderful easy door one more time. It's amazing. amazing. Who who powers it? It just keeps opening to all these different dimensions and planes. <laughs> Actually, all these different months of 2022. It's magical. You know what, Paul? They do say never meet your heroes. So <laughs> yeah, I don't want to meet the door king. <laughs> the Doro. Stephen Dorking. Well, it owes us nothing. It's been there for us the whole year round. Yeah. One last go down the screamer go round. And uh, we've been out of screen movies since June. Mm, how have yeah. we lived? Well, not to worry, because there's plenty okay. of knockoff self-aware teen comedies in the late noughties. Oh, I love that. At 90s, sorry. <laughs> God, at least it's not the late noughties. We all know Ugh. what that means. Ooh, just cut in some weird dark meat line from Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and just us crying. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it, Paul. I hate it so much. Oh, Halcyon times. Yeah. Uh, Here's one, Urban Legend. Oh. Yeah. It's Silvio Horta, the man most famous for adapting the, Col the Colombian TV show Yo Soy Better La Fee into okay. Ugly Betty. Oh. Well, there, there you go. I, yeah. I'm aware of Ugly Betty. I'm at least aware of Ugly Betty, and now that I know it's an adaptation of a South American TV show, yeah, it checks. Mm. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that happening. They're awful, he, down there. 
he unfortunately died at age 45, very oh. tragic. Uh, he wrote this shortly after film school, receiving support from producer Gina Matthews and Neil mm. H. Moritz. Uh, they shop it around, but there's no interest, so they take it to Phoenix Pictures, a brand new company. And they say yes eventually. Maybe, <laughs> I mean, make the script better, but yes. Is it more of so a... So they do. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. And they do, apparently, according to the Wikipedia article. <laughs> what else have Phoenix Pictures made? U-Turn, Apt Pupil, Lake Ooh. Placid, Ooh. Urban Legends 2, oh, okay. The Sixth Day with Arnie. Oh, I love that one. Stealth. I mean, also the Finn Red Line, Zodiac, Shutter Island, the Black Swan, but mainly those bad ones I picked out. Mainly the bad ones, let's focus on those. Fuck you, yeah. Phoenix, whatever. <laughs> Fuck you, this narrative disadvantages you. <laughs> when you said U-Turn, I thought you were going to say, what movies, other movies have they made? You tell me. I can't, I don't. I'm not prepared for this, mate. Surprise research. <laughs> Otherwise known as making it up. Making it all fucking up as you go. I'd prefer to call it surprise research. That's what, that's that's what some, the politics of my country have led me to believe is the ideal. That's some blue sky thinking, mate. You're the new Prime Minister's controller. <laughs> Handler. Yeah. Uh, just try and keep them in, on coke enough to not realise how far their morals have shattered they're saying Boutrus 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 Gali is what they're saying (laughs) Uh, but who to direct who to direct this excellent script well obviously we need an Australian (laughs) that explains that explains why it's set in Melbourne New Hampshire (laughs) of course he wanted to feel like home so yeah he he was new Yep. And he was very interested in making I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, which Moritz was also producing. Okay, uh, that's but good. But they already had a great guy for that, so he did this. And Valentine, which was another candidate for this episode. A oh. close-knit community as the Scream knockoff world. The David Boreanis <laughs> one. Oh, yes, Guess yes, you'd know you He has a nosebleed a lot one, yeah. You're literally the only person who's known about Valentine that I've spoken to. <laughs> I've actually seen Valentine. So, wow. Um, because it was just one of those movies that was on Sky Movies back when I was a right. teenager with Sky in his room. You know, it's 2am, you're not sleeping, too busy, yeah. too busy touching it and learning things about your body. And um, <laughs> and, and Valentine was just one of those things that was on. It was either that, the Royal Tenenbaums for some reason, or just <laughs> uh, like back-to-back episodes of uh, Live at Jongleurs on Paramount. Oh shit, yeah. Oh my god. And that's how I, I became the man I am today. <laughs> a healthy, steady diet of Tenenbaums, Jonglers, and Valentine. Actually does explain a lot. <laughs> uh, really does. Tell you what though, mate. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't well received. Oh. How yeah, about very everyone... well received? Oh, now. No. Oh. Uh, everyone called it a Scream knockoff. Uh, genuinely, a lot of critics cited its similarity to Scream as an issue. I'll tell you this though. The film is credited for redistributing a number of urban legends to a larger public and so has to feature in studies of modern American folklore. What a gift! <laughs> Good news, everyone. We get to watch a movie this week. <laughs> Yay! No, it's not the Shawshank Redemption again. <laughs> Even though, in spite of its pertinence to modern American mythology. Uh, but you know, all of this reminds me of a crazy thing that happened to my cousin's best friend. <gasps> no way. Coincidentally, watch the movie Urban Legends. So let me tell you about that instead. <laughs> okay, phew. Yeah. So we start with Drew Barrymore slash Anne Hesh, uh, who's recklessly listening to Tara Reid. He shouldn't do it whilst driving, kids. <laughs> For love of God. And she knows that, so she turns over so she can have a good yowl at Bonnie Tyler. Awful woman. Uh, but the <laughs> Anne Hesh is. 
To okay. this Anne Hesh. <laughs> Actual Anne Hesh. <laughs> Anne Bonnie Tyler, dreadful. So she runs out of Swine. gas and has to stop at Brad Dourif's gas uh, gas station. Brad Dourif! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> God, Bruce Dern's right. That's great. <laughs> Gets him every time. <laughs> uh, Drew Hesh uh, shows off how unlike how likable she is as Brad Dourif suddenly gets all weird and grabby. But twist, he was warning her about the guy in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Oh, you see, ladies, if you're uncomfortable in a situation, just give it a minute. See how it pans out. <laughs> Let him get a sentence out at least while he's grabbing and shaking you. <laughs> yes, stranger. Let me hear what you have to say. <laughs> so she literally falls apart. Oh, shame she wasn't listening to a different Bonnie Tyler song. Mm. Like, Lost in France. Or Saved from, saved from a murderer. And <laughs> not getting your head cut off. By Bonnie Tyler, love it. Like a twat would. So, yeah. Yeah, so she gets killed. Meanwhile, at Slasher High, we meet our teens. There's DJ Tara Radio. (laughs) There's Chad. (laughs) There's actual Jared Leto, but Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) Jawbreaker, movie I found out about this week. And our main character, The Craft. Mm. Was she in The Craft? (laughs) No, she just looks a lot like Nicole Kidman from The Craft. I see. Okay. I think. Or am I thinking of Practical Magic? Nobody can tell me that they're not the same movie. Let's just agree to disagree and call it Wild Things. <laughs> I've seen the two posters and I'm willing to put down any movie that's been marketed towards women. Any of them. <laughs> Don't you test me on this. I'm going to be sick so... now. <laughs> Clearly this is bad. It was for girls. So <laughs> Jawbreaker and The Craft... Uh, decide to do Bloody Mary. Ah, oh, you're going to need a mirror for that because everybody knows that you say Bloody Mary three times. Oh, yeah, that wall. Perfect. <laughs> it's not any wall, though. It's the boarded up doorway of Third Act Manor. Oh, no. Yeah, bear that in mind. Never go there. Uh, yeah. Oh, but there's creepy noises and happening happening inside of it. Well, mm-hmm. we must back away without looking behind you. Brewstern! I mean, Dawson's Creek! <laughs> God almighty. Uh, uh, what have we told you, mate? I don't want to wait. For this douche to go away. So, yeah, he's actually Dawson's Creek. He's a character from there. Joshua Jackson, oh, well. so what... Pacey. Joshua Pacey Jackson. <laughs> but what was, making all those, what was making all those creepy noises inside of that place? Ah, oh, well, I'm sure that'll make sense when you find out who the killer is. <laughs> so, the craft returns home, and uh, who's that getting railed by some dude? <laughs> oh, that's little Danielle Harris from Halloween 4 and 5, Aww. traumatized by Donald Pleasance. It was then problematically naked and murdered in, Hall- in Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2. Oh, bless. Fantastic. Look at her go. <laughs> Look at her go. <laughs> Got to admire that gore. Ah, oh, good stuff. Hmm. Anyways, it's time for school, and they're studying modern American mythology. Oh, good. I'm not the only person studying something absolutely pointless. Absolute waste of everybody's time. They have the last laugh, though, Paul. Because <laughs> Freddy Krueger, Professor yeah. Freddy Krueger, is delivering a lecture. When Jawbreaker cracks a lame joke. Oh, it's time to fuck with you a bit. (laughs) Nobody's funnier than me in class, bitch. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, Have a a mild carbonic reaction. No. (laughs) I'll do it, says Beverly Hills. Oh my god, he's (laughs) such a badass. Everyone seems to think. Oh, and then he does a practical joke. What a legend. A gross legend. I want to sleep with him. (laughs) You assume. Someone's got to. Everybody says with their eyes. Gillen Leto has uh, published an article about the dead girl in spite of what the man has to say about it. Such a badass as well. I want to sleep with him too. Uh, Not as much as the OC though. (laughs) That's what I'm all about. Um, Yeah, I heard he likes to hit people in the head and then say heads up. He's so hot. Oh, God. He's amazing. He has so many good things to say around the word head. 
<laughs> he does. Yes, Gilmore Girls does a fantastic joke about blowjobs, and everyone loves it. This guy. Oh, she is dead, isn't she? Oh, she's so dead in the head. Daniel Harris is on her 90s computer, literally reading a website called goff to goff But uh, she's hogging up all the phone line. People alive after the 90s will never realise this kind of villainy. Self-imposed. <laughs> uh, the craft actually did know Drew Hesh, though. She lied earlier. Oh, oh good. She can be broody and dull for the rest of the movie, then. Uh, she goes on a date with One Tree Hill. I oh, love this guy. <laughs> Oh, is that the Dawson's Creek theme on the radio? Oh, the guy's making this a pretty cool. He's wearing it well. <laughs> uh, Gilmore Girl talks about his dead girlfriend. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. Yeah, he's definitely telling the truth. <laughs> he's uh, He's been very upfront so far. But she decides he's not and punches the side of his head. Ow! <laughs> yeah, he goes off to be on his own in the woods for a bit. It can't possibly be this easy to actually kill teens, can it? Can it? I'm not, I mean, I'm not, you know. Can it? Maybe pull America, mate. <laughs> How does it work? <laughs> but you never, you never know till you try. That's that's the rule of most things in life, including killing teenagers. It's my murdering rule. <sighs> oh no, a mysterious Parker figure. Oh, that'll definitely be iconic. Start getting in those Parkers, shop owners. Teens are going to want them. It's so warm. <laughs> Why am I doing this in summer? <laughs> oh, the killer rigged him to an elaborate rope system that will strangle him if she tries to drive away. That would be definitely check out once you know who the killer is <laughs> uh, chad gaslights everyone and sets himself up as a red herring i thought sorry i thought you were saying that was his name chad gaslight <laughs> chad gaslight hi i'm chad gaslight <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird name no it's not you think it's normal what <laughs> oh, he's... you only imagined it <laughs> not good at it oh i've got a good feeling about this obvious asshole wait that sounds like an urban legend that Professor Freddy talks about every semester. Every semester? He started his last lecture by explaining what an urban legend is, but somehow he's established a reputation for telling this story. What's the context? <laughs> and how long have you all been here anyway? <laughs> have you not taken him his urban legend classes? He teaches other things? <laughs> oh, it's, it's week 13, by the way. Everything I've been telling you have been urban legends. That's the phrase we use. Oh, I had a lot of kids talking about that. A lot of cool kids. Uh, oh, and Anne Hesh's murder is also like an urban legend. So wait, the killer arranged for the gas station attendant to know exactly what was going on and then react in exactly the way that they did. And how did anyone else know that he was trying to warn her, like in the urban legend? But it's all, it's all, it's all the magic of cinema. So the craft tries to go home, but Daniel Harris is such a goth. Awful people. Oh. one. So she goes to the library with classic bookworm Tara Reed. <laughs> it's always there. <laughs> she loves it. Yeah, Daniel Harris starts flirting with some goth dude on the internet. Look out, it's Rob Zombie. Run. Never going to turn out well. Uh, she leaves an alarming number of candles burning in her room, i.e. more than none, and then comes back later and gets <laughs> murdered. Oh. Oh, and the craft, Shit the craft didn't come to her rescue because it sounded like her sex noises. Oh. If only she hadn't been. If only she hadn't been kinky in life. Oh well, live by the ball gag. Uh, she wakes up refreshed, but what's that in Daniel Harris's bed? A flash cut. Oh no, it's definitely oh. a suicide. She cut her wrists and then wrote a scary message on the wall in her own blood. Classic goth. Awful. And then got back into yeah, bed. Yeah, <laughs> back into bed and put the covers over her head. Awful, awful people, <laughs> goths. <laughs> They'll love this when they see it. <laughs> Letter hall and the smells that something's afoot. 
can I be a secondary character mm-hmm. for the movie? Well, what about my best friend, Jawbreaker? Oh, she's the killer. Oh, okay. All right, then, sure. Right. Yeah, be my That's true. Be second yeah, build, then. Something, then. Uh, <laughs> so they, she explains the situation to him, and he says, an urban legend serial killer? It's a bit of a stretch. Very over-elaborate, implausible, and thematically thin. Yeah, well, mm. shut up. So they investigate anyway. I'll tell you what, that sounds really boring. How about we instead investigate this tenuously connected massacre that happened 20 years ago? Right. So, yeah, the creepy janitor directs him to Dr. Kruger's office. Mm. Probably a good place to check. Uh, perhaps he's the killer. He's got a parker and an axe and a hidden closet in his office at this school. The fuck? America's wild. He swapped that for tenure. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, they get caught, so they get brought before Professor Hardass. Mm-hmm. You're claiming all of these deaths are mysterious, but you've got a dark past, and you, fuck you. <laughs> oh, goddess. You're fucking Jared Leto. <laughs> You're never going to be able to sell any of this. <laughs> anyway, they get pretty mad at each other. Jared Leto confronts them and says, hey, you better explain yourself or this partnership that we founded four, six minutes ago is over. <laughs> oh, no. Think of everything she's got... built. <laughs> Tell you what, she's got bigger things to worry about, though, because the Parker killer is stalking Jawbreaker. Shit. Oh wait, it's just a harmless swimming woman and a Parker <laughs> staying insulated in a po- <laughs> poolside. <laughs> You've got to. It gets very chilly by the side of the pool. Oh god! It turns out that our main character knew Drew Hesh. Yeah, we knew that. But she <gasps> oh. tells her best friend now, and it turns out she was an even bigger dick than we thought because she caused a death by manslaughter. Shit! <laughs> they, I know what you did last summer to someone. <laughs> Oh, Doesn't make any sense. Oh, you get it. You'll get it. <laughs> Letton Hall is uh, clearing out his desk when he finds a newspaper article about the massacre. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, newspaper archives. That's a thing I can utilize in my journalism. Hey, creepy janitor, did you put this here? He runs away. <laughs> or did I just fun. have this and forgot about it? <laughs> Gotta assume. Uh, the principal gets his ankles cut and, f- and driven onto some spiky railings. It's mm. great. If only he had crawled a different direction. And not towards the spikes, the only <laughs> sharp things in the room. High risk, high reward, that one. <laughs> Gillento now knows, um, yeah, that uh, Dr. Freddy covered up the attack, you know, Bum-bum. except for the national papers, of course, which did write an article about it. But otherwise, covered it up. And if any, uh, if any students specifically ask directly about it, he'll act all evasive. And in exchange for that flawless cover, uh, he gets a job for life. Ah, oh, yes, the sweet, sweet academic paycheck. <laughs> I'd do anything for it, literally anything. Teaching for the rest of my life. <laughs> a bunch of punk kids who do pranks in my class. Accuse me of murder. God. I'd be silent about literally anything. Except to the national press. I'll still mention it to them. <laughs> I'm so insular here. <laughs> no one will know. Kids, kids don't read. So all of this gets the craft into the mood. So she makes out with uh, Gillette Hall. Uh, but Jawbreaker yeah. liked him. Oh, oh the tension. Wah. Wah. Uh, speaking of tension, Chad acts like a dick, so Tara Reed decides to go to the radio station. You know what, fuck this guy, I'm going to go do a broadcast, I can do it whenever <laughs> I like. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Chad gets screamed on the phone, yep. and uh, he tries to be the Matthew Lillard of the situation, but no, you're the Randy. So his dog gets microwaved, like Randy <laughs> did. <laughs> he runs to the toilet in order to throw up, and the killer pushes his head into the toilet until he passes out harmlessly. And then it's woken up to have Pop Rocks and Drano poured down his throat, like the urban legend of uh, the, the Pop that thing. Rock Drano thing. Yeah. Haven't you heard the urban legend? You should never drink, um, have Pop uh, Pop Rocks and then drink Drano. Oh, I was just about to do that. Any other time, Drano's fine. No, Drano's never fine. That's the other urban legend. 
<laughs> it happened to my cousin. That's how I know it's true. <laughs> oh, God. The killer then runs from the house to the radio station, a trip long <laughs> enough to necessitate a drive earlier in order to kill Tara Reid. Uh, yeah. She's wearing one of those Britney-style face mics for no reason, so the murder gets the, her murder gets broadcast and everyone hears it, especially mm. Detective Coffee and Jacket Lalento. Oh, God. It gets worse. Uh, Lehal Galento, <laughs> Jawbreaker and the Crafts, end up in uh, his car where they make up. Mm. Uh, but oh no, Freddy Krueger's body is in Gillenthal's uh, trunk. <sighs> we call I call that a red flag. You best run into the woods and separate. One strike. <laughs> it's looking bad for the crafts, but thank God, creepy, creepy um caretaker is here. Uh, she gets into his car and then immediately calms down. Everything's fine now. Thank God that's over. Oh, Hang on okay. a minute, creepy janitor. You're kind of working class. <gasps> <gasps> I'm glad this movie is here to defend the reputation of grabby men. (laughs) They haven't had a voice, Paul. (laughs) Not until now. (laughs) Oh, God. She remembers that actually she thinks that Tahalagil is the killer. Mm -hmm. uh, And so causes a crash that sees her run into the woods again. 20 minutes left. Wow. (laughs) Oh, well, she she hears screams coming from Third Act Manor, so best go there. Mm, Oh, yeah. And, uh... She finds a bunch of the victims so far, just uh, staged around the place. So they were stirred, staged as urban legends for nobody's benefit. Well, you know, you got a, you know. a, a, a urban legend in two saves time, nine, whatever. The, o- <laughs> the audience is a character too. Nobody appreciates this except, you know, it's just Antonioni and uh, whoever directed this. Tia Leone. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Joe uh, Pantoliano. Searching her role for Spanglish. <laughs> Oh boy, the uh, the best friend is the killer. Surprise! Oh no, shit. Yeah, she used to date the guy that uh, they killed last summer. So yeah, she cleverly enrolled in the same college as the uh, killer, befriended her, waited a couple of years, killed a bunch of people around her, themed around urban legends for tenuous reasons, really. Mm, yeah. And now she's gonna cut her kidney out. Yeah. Watch out though, Detective Co- Coffee's here. Try and bluff your way out. Nah, she's just gonna go full on crazy, just yeah. snarl and act mental. Yeah. All- <laughs> hey, almost worked. I'm not climbing down from this. <laughs> uh, don't worry, though, because Gilafalano is here in order to trick her into giving up the gun. Doesn't work, mm, though. No. Luckily, she's just going to talk for ages, allowing Coffee to take a shot, giving <laughs> the craft the upper hand. Uh, it's going to be tough for her to kill someone, though. Could you just scream like an absolute maniac? Great, bang. <laughs> uh, it's all over, and they drive away. And away from the scene of several of their friends' deaths, including her, you know, her former best friend who actually yeah. wanted to kill her. It's time to have a bit of a joke about things. Yeah. When, oh no, Crazy Jawbreaker is hilariously still alive in the back seat. <sighs> uh, she gets the devil incited and uh, gets chucked off a bridge. It's just as satisfying here. <laughs> Cut to a different no. bunch of even worse dressed 90s kids who are talking about the murders. But twist, <laughs> Crazy Crazy Jawbreaker is still even more alive. And teases the sequel that she will barely be in. The end. Aw, yay. Why didn't anyone check? So So there you go, that's Urban Legend. Bloody hell, Paul. Urban Legends. Legend. Yeah. What a legend. An urban legend. I like suburban legends. (laughs) This couscous is is overrated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see Marjorie down number 52. She only takes the bins (laughs) out every other Wednesday instead of every Wednesday. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll have to be- contact the council about this ah! <laughs> Probably because her son's Her son's friends is shacked up With one of them foreigners 
Well, oh, that'll be it. That's why they they refuse to take their rubbish. Oh, suburban legend. We only take British le- uh, rubbish around here. I <laughs> eat everything. <laughs> Your street's next. <laughs> Paul, what did you think of Urban Legend 1998? So my first two notes, Paul. Um, ah. Were, um, and, I, and I wrote the first one. And uh, the first, well, okay. First one was, oh, this is annoying. And then um, <laughs> somewhere between that and my second note, I forgot that I wrote this because my second note was, this is kind of annoying. Uh, and, <laughs> and then I looked at them uh, like one above the other and went, oh, there you go. Oh, there uh, consistency. Because it, um, it is annoying, Paul. It's a bit cringy. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, every, every male character is one eighth of Matthew Lillard. Uh, just trying to battle out for supremacy or randy everyone is randy everyone is just very self-aware and knows all the rules and like delivers exposition every one of them and sometimes they'll try and yeah they'll deliver a line in a this one's a screamer which is definitely more of a (laughs) that was more of a scary movie uh uh, verbatim than the original but you know (laughs) scary movie it's the ultimate film um oh yeah I, i just other other than that and the very poor script that really tested the limits of what actors can be made to say convincingly. <laughs> and like, I, I didn't all try. <laughs> <laughs> some, some tried in their heads. And um, I, 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 my, my main, one of my main issues with this was it, I just feel like the main characters should have been younger to have been so caught up in urban. Le- maybe, urban maybe they should have been high school rather than college. Because yeah. Having a two. feel like, this is a movie about high schoolers. College mm. people, you can't help but feel... I don't know, there might be more engagement with the actual theme of the movie, this idea of urban legends and what they mean yeah. and why they exist, and then tying that into the premise of the movie. Yeah. It feels very underbaked, all of this. It, it really does. And I mean, watching mm. the two of them at the start, standing in front of the house, saying Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, was yeah. strange. Because when I was at university, mm. we didn't do that once, Paul. Oh no! Uh, what parties were you going to? <laughs> Lame ones, apparently. But it's also <laughs> we just did drugs on each other, <laughs> like like good kids would do. But yeah, it, I don't know. It's just it's it is a scream. I know we did last summer clone. It's yeah. more of a scream clone. In fact, it's it's way too self. Oh god, yeah. Um, and full of the cliches of inept authority figures. Um, you know, old yeah. murders. Best go have a party. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's just. Even though there's probably more justification here because nobody actually believes they are murders and they're just partying and, and, and you know, ignoring what's in front of their face. It's still, when you think about the fact that Scream came out a few years prior to this and yeah. had, you know, the exact same plot, would you not just look at your script and think, oh, we can't end this at a party. It'll be too obviously a ripoff of Scream. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, yeah, it's just, it, it's so, nothing is original. Everything's being taken from everywhere else, yeah. you know, from, uh, you know, recent slashes. There's bits of Halloween H20 in here. And, yeah. you know, like you say, Scream, I know what you did last summer, which shared producers, you know, and it's just, mm. it's all kind of embarrassing in that respect. And it's just so underwhelming. They have yeah. this premise, this premise of, you know, urban legends are the thing that they're basing the killings on. They are so tenuous. Yeah. Like we've, we, the, these things have existed forever. You know, Seven is, you know, will theme a murder around each of the deadly sins. The yeah. abominable Dr. Fibes will theme a death around each of the ten plagues visited on Egypt. Yeah. It's, you know, as old as the hills. And these urban legends just make for very awkward murder things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's not, a yeah. Great, not a great thing to hang the theme on, is it? 
know, especially when you're taking these legends. At one point, Freddy Krueger makes reference to the sort of general, the, the theme mm. of this horror story of the babysitter, you know, yeah. upstairs. Misidentifying it, I think, because identifying it as, you know, parents look after your kids. I don't think parents were the main audience of the urban legend in, no. in question. I think it was the teens, and the theme is very much the idea of, you know, information uh, communication technology might imply that you you don't know who you're talking to is the idea and you feel like you have this disconnect and then yeah. the urban legend twists it and takes mm. that disconnect away and that's what's, where the fear comes from yeah um but so I... yeah but there's none of them there's no engagement with what any of the urban legends are actually out there to no. try and scare kids with and why they are effective and why they endure and it's kind of hilarious that folklore students now have to include um, urban legends because I expect a great deal of the studying of urban legends includes distribution, how they spread. And now this yeah. movie just dumped them all out there. Yeah, I mean, to be like, it also, it's it's not a bad idea on paper. You know, a, a slasher movie around the idea or concept of urban legends, that's fine. Um, but it deals with the subject matter in exactly the same way Scream deals with its meta subject matter, which is just to say it. And yeah. then that's yeah, it. That's your lot. Whatever and you were going to do anyway. Yeah, yeah ex exactly. So, like, running with this idea and actually doing something with it might have might have been interesting. There, there yeah. are ways to subvert it. I'm not going to put the effort into thinking of how because it's never going to get optioned. I've tried this before, <laughs> but it, but it's it's just it's just oh here's a here's a funny hook, and yeah. here's the movie, <laughs> and and you just <laughs> I don't know, you just don't get enough out of it, and. No, it's, the it's characters going for, aren't great either. No, it's going for snappy and witty, but it just doesn't have the source to back it up. It, no, it, it's not. Oh, it's it's more cringeworthy than anything else yeah. for me. I'm pretty tiresome. It's yeah. it's not a great one. This is probably. I mean, it's not a. It's not irritating for me. It's not as offensively bad. No, and screams three, four, and five. Yeah. But it's nowhere near the charm of I Know What You Did Last Summer or the first two Screams. No. All of which came out in the sort of roughly the same period. So I think this is the first emergent weak link in the armor here. Yeah. And it's a fitting yeah. end to this uh, franchise yeah. journey, I think. Because <laughs> yes. it, it started with, oh yeah, it was fine. It was not as good as I thought yeah. it was when I was a teenager, but it was fine. Down to... Yeah. 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 <laughs> Down yeah. to really just fuck off kind of air tones at, at yeah. times, and now here we are at another just sort of yeah kind of movie. So uh. yeah, I think that's pretty much it. So let's cover our categories. What was the scariest moment of Urban Legend? Um, for the last couple of years, I think I tended I've tended to go for the most upsetting, mm. uh, just because there aren't really creepy moments in these. No, it's um, been a while I... since we studied a scary one. Yeah. Um. But I guess, you know, it's semi-creepy, semi-upsetting when Tara Reid mm. dies uh, mm. and, and she's just there on the floor going, I don't want to die. And yeah. then the axe is brought up and then there's just a, like a long shot of uh, a distant shot of the axe being brought down a few times with meaty oh, yeah. hacking sounds. And it's just a sad yeah. way to go. Not, even, not not with a scream and... I don't know. It kind, of, it kind of sets you up to think, oh, maybe she'll be saved because of the way yeah. it builds up to it. But then she just dies and she doesn't even yell out. It's, it's ah, bleak. Yeah. Yeah, I love that's bleak. good. Um, I, I should have said, I saw this movie when I was a kid. I think I did say it because it's what led me to buy the book. 
Um, okay. I bought the book because I wanted to read it and plan out my own like urban legend like murders, and I did that all the time when I was a kid. Like yeah. I wanted to do my own. Yeah. I remember having seen Jumanji. I wanted to come up with my own little rhymes that hinted at things in the yeah. in the jungle. And then I watched Urban Legends. <laughs> and forgot um, all about so that I... shit. <laughs> so I saw it as a kid. And the one that stuck with me was when the principal, uh, Henry Wrinkler, let's say, um, gets the back of his heels cut. God, they even rip off killing the principal before... Oh, mm. Jesus. Absolute structure just copied for this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he gets the back of his ankles sliced with uh, the knife, that's... Mm. Oh, that bothers me. And whenever I'm near the edge of my bed... Or, you know, just anywhere, I always get... It was more the anxiety is that a hand is going to reach out and grab me, but yeah, the idea yeah. of a knife around the back of your ankles. It's pretty gross. Uh, who was the best kill? Um, Yeah, it was the Dean, actually, for me. Uh, the Rube Ooh! Goldberg uh, yeah, sequence of events, which, you know, it's one of those things that, because this film was the kind of film that it was, I did yeah. take a step back immediately and go, well, what if, yeah, what if he did crawl the other way? Or what if... Yeah. Something. Or what if the car didn't actually roll in the way he wanted, but yeah. <laughs> slits his Achilles tendons, he falls over and starts crawling towards the tire spikes, and then um yeah. and then the killer pulls, you know, the handbrake, releases the handbrake yeah. on the car and it rolls after him and yeah. smushes him down onto the spikes and you know, what if uh, what if there wasn't a gradient on the road or <laughs> killer thought about very it? lucky. Killer His did plans research. could have been plans could have been twented by a Honda. Anything could have happened. Could have been a twat uh, there. Just doing twatty mm. stuff my favorite is the opening kill because that sequence is actually filmed mm. in its entirety before production so that they would have something to reassure producers and it's a good sequence like okay. i like the urban legend mm-hmm. it's a creepy idea the idea that you misjudged who the bad guy was and that there yep. was someone in the back seat that we're trying to warn you about and then the actual handling of how the max thing the axe thing happens is quite jalo e. you know you've got this figure yeah, okay. the black gloves and then mm. you just see the axe penetrate the car window you know, yeah. which they somehow managed to swing inside of a car. Um, and yeah, the, yeah, it's just red lighting and it looks cool. Yeah, so, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Who's the best camper? Gotta be Jared Leto, man. <laughs> Look at that fresh-faced boy. That Paul. Just dreaming of the day he gets to make House of Gucci. He's such a babe. <gasps> he, oh my uh, God. I, I, I liked he is him. dreamy. I liked him in this. Um, mm. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't just a fuck nut. Um, <laughs> doing what Jarrelletto has come to do now forever. Yeah. It, like, yeah. He was kind of, he was the most normal, to be honest. He was the straightest character in there. He was the only yeah, person that probably. wasn't doing the Matthew Lillard or the Randy. I mean, he was doing a bit of Randy, but he was a reporter yeah. and he had loads of silly lines like, this is, this is, you know, this is my job. This is what I do. I've got to chase the truth. And, um, <laughs> you know, that was kind of silly, but um, wasn't doing yeah. the over the top. Uh meta textual nonsense that just comes to define these movies and he's quite likable yeah and like his face <coughs> absolutely yeah fair enough mm. um mine is doing a bit of a you know a bit of a randy especially in the end but i'm actually going to go for eventual killer rebecca gayhart um mm. as i can't remember the name of the character but she's in there and um mm. you know big frizzy hair and for yeah. the most part, I found her quite endearing. I found that their friendship was one that was very underdeveloped. They get about three scenes together. I think there's more scenes of her with Daniel Harris than there is scenes of the mm. two of them together. Mm. Um, Modern friendships. But yeah, yeah, she had some good instincts and she, she did some good things. Once she is on Masters the Killer, she goes too far, but not in a fun way. It's just a bit stereotypical. I guess you could say I'm a little nutty. Why? 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 
still haven't figured it out, have you? Well, lucky for you, Miss Thang, I've got a visual aid. Well, it's it's very Billy Loomis's mother. It is. Um, Billy's mother. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant line. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's the same. It's the exact same thing. Um, yeah. It's just just weird because it's 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 good, I guess, because she doesn't have the the crazy Timothy Oliphant eyes or the the fucking yeah. Matthew Lillard thing going on. The whole fi- yeah. film, she's fairly buttoned down, and then it is quite an eruption. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's wild, but yeah. Um, <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> It was kind of. I imagine how I feel about that is how most people feel about um, uh, Nomi. Is it Nomi Parker? No, oh, wait, Nomi no, Campbell. Yes. No, uh, Nomi something Campbell's like that. Nomi. Supermodel. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. Like. Yeah. How people feel about her performance in the the swimming pool in in oh, Showgirls. Yeah. Um, she at Billy's world. <laughs> <laughs> fuck her, great. Past her, past us is a great. Um. <laughs> I've got, to, I've got to start doing speed again. Um, <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I think we're done. So there's nothing left but to take the door back to the present. And oh. uh, yeah. Oh, my God. And just Paul. go through the quick fires. Paul, there's, <gasps> the door's gone. What? What? Uh, what's, what's going on? Oh, no, there it is. Oh, no, oh yeah, there. there it is. Sorry. Okay. Cool. I was looking, looking the opposite direction. Okay. Let's go through it. Sorry, I just got, I just got a bit scared of the door before I went through. Oh yeah, my but... added chain scare scare reaction oh, thing yeah. from your scare. That's, yeah. Oh, that's fair. Let's do it for real then. Mm. It's yeah. October twenty twenty two. I know we've travelled such a distance, and here we are. We can close the lovely door, give it a light kiss, and send it back on its way to heaven. Thanks, door. I went a bit heavy. <laughs> I slipped at some tongue. But there it goes. It's gone. And that's it for the Scream and Extended Franchise. <laughs> I think we'd better... Well, what we'll call well... the... The... <sighs> franchise. <laughs> I think we'd better quickfire to help remind us of the things we liked. And then we can have a little chat about Scream in general. And then yeah. rank these subjects. Yes. Alright. Let's quickfire. Alright. Quickfire. I'll start. Screen one started with Gone in 60 Seconds trailer. About oh, six yeah. months before we actually reviewed it, and it was a welcome sight. <laughs> okay, I know what you did last summer. Folk dancing. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> managed to deliver his lines naturally, unlike myself just there. <laughs> Amazing. Screen three, shit yourself. Uh, Ran- oh, what's that? Oh, yeah, okay, it's Randy on the screen talking and Dewey sort of talking back to the VHS copy of Randy oh, yeah. and he says that he slept with uh, Karen Kolchak and they're giving up my virginity to Karen Kolchak at the video store was probably not a good idea Karen Kolchak? Yes, Karen Kolchak Creepy Karen? Shut up! She's a sweet person, okay? And it's just, I really like that sort of back and forth between them, it was quite funny the idea that he predicted, that Randy yeah. predicted people's objections to, Carrie, to um, <laughs> Karen Kolchak that was amusing oh, that, is, that is good that's good. Okay. That's good. Scream the original. Ah. <gasps> uh, Drew Barrymore. Ah. And, you know, everything. Her performance in the opening was amazing. And yeah. um, just naturally quite good. And the whole sequence was very grim. Absolutely. This is, there's, a lot of, there's a lot to this, mate. Uh, Scream <laughs> 2 2 on the way to Choo Choo Town. Oof. Oof. Uh, T- Timothy Oliphant approaching Eliza Neal 
asking for a dance and then does a little dance whilst waiting for the answer and his face as he looks at the man Neil is pointing at. That's it. Yes, he comes up, asks for a dance. He does a little dance to demonstrate the dancing he'll do if she says yes. And he says, oh, I would love a dance. You see that guy over there? And then he pulls a face when he looks at the person that she's indicating. And all of it is pure Oliphant. It's awful font. <laughs> um, it's awfully font. In uh, Scream 2, uh, Me Scream and You Too, uh, I've got the line, it would have been a good one too. So I assume somebody did a uh, silly English accent. Yes, it would have been a good one too. Randy does it. 300 people watched, nobody did anything. They thought it was publicity stunt for Christ's sake. It would have been a good one too. Oh yeah. Randy? Randy? What's fucking wrong with you, Randy? What's wrong with this man? Jesus Christ, how am I going to remember what some of these mean? All right, I've put that I know what you did um, last summer. Everything and everyone. The music. I like the music, both ah. the original music and the songs they decided to use were very evocative. Hmm. Good stuff. Um, okay, in Five Creams can only get better. Uh, <laughs> I've got how the voice at the start would weave in and out of the killer's voice. I have no fucking clue what that means. Was there just, did it just like, like, like a voice breaking crack out of the killer, into the killer's thing briefly before going back to the normal voice? Okay, well, lots of people love movies. Yeah, but she says you love scary movies and that you guys have that in common. She's proud of making a fan out of you. She is? Yeah. She told me the other day, she wonders, what's your favorite scary movie? Uh, urban urban Legend. Mm. Um, the sequel to I Am Legend. Still got it, everyone. <laughs> um, I got distracted because Shark came in and when it rains, Shark goes out and he comes back in and cries until he's toweled. And um, he, he comes in. No, sorry. And he, and he comes in very much with a face of, I'm wet, and what are you going to do about it? <laughs> Fuck you, I'm wet. <laughs> Fuck you, dry me. And uh, yeah, in, in, so Urban Legend 2, sequel to Iron Legend. So it's better when I do that. Um, the opening shot of the rain, hit, uh, you know, falling down to this sort of this, oh, yeah. this moodily lit road was, was quite good, I thought. Wow, like Blitz. Just yes, like, just I like enjoyed Blitz. that too. I like the music in that moment. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in Scream 2, how about you? Um, I really liked the um, <laughs> Omar Epps just before he's horribly murdered, which is also a very affecting no. moment because, you know, he gets stabbed in the head and then he does, he just, he like, he has like a face and he looks back at where he's been stabbed like, mm. what? No. And that's that was very affecting. But just beforehand, he asked for some popcorn and the popcorn guy is like, you got it. Oh, <laughs> Fuck yeah, guy. Aww. Rock this job. Um, I thought that it was quite a sexy kiss between Cox and Arquette in Scream 1. Cotton weary suit in Scream 3 at the very beginning when he gets murdered looked good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Actually, yeah, I've got um, uh, the, the line, hot shot, cotton weary. I assume that's partly to do with his suit. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and his general talk show persona. Oh, fuck yeah, he needed that. Mm. Uh, I've put that for Scream 4, and it hurts me to say it. The false starts were kind of funny. I think it crossed yeah. the line twice. I think it crossed the ah. line from doing it just enough, then boring me, and then being f funny again. 
Oh, that's good. At least, as long as there's something, some sort of respite from the pure anger and frustration that it caused. <laughs> what did I mean? And I know what you did last summer by drip, drip, drip. Been decapitated and it's the blood from his severed neck that's dripping on the car and it's going drip, drip, drip. Drip, drip, drip. Might be Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes, she's telling the urban legend. And oh, okay. she says drip, drip, drip. And it's good. She's always saying that. Oh, yeah. The fact that, uh, what's her name, Rebecca Gayhart is um, so callous in the interview with Jared Leto uh, is an early giveaway that she's the killer. And I like that. Ah. Oh, callous Gayhart. I like early giveaways. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, look, Paul, in, in Urban Legend, <gasps> the Pacey story, I, I liked Joshua Jackson being around. I have a lot of strong feelings oh, yeah. towards him because of Fringe. Um, ah, yes. Very lovely, charming man. And, you know, he, he's only alive for a while after it's revealed that he's, he's a real dick. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so it works out about as well as it could have done. Uh, I just want to. I just want everyone to know. That I love Joshua Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I've got the line. It was the killer's voice, you know, from Stab or Your Life. That's <laughs> that quite a good line. Mm. Um, all right, I'll, I'll match you for Scream Four. Oh no, Scream Five. Oh yeah, I like her trying to figure out who the final girl was using IMDb. You know, and like going yeah. through and like trying to figure out because she's doing the whole you know horror quiz thing mm, on okay. the phone. I like that. I like the idea of the modern twist of it. I like seeing her thought process as she's like looking at different people and trying to figure out, you know, mm. which of them is the final girl is good. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. my folk final five cream. Uh, <laughs> oh, the killing Hicks in broad daylight was an unusual choice. Um, usually all the murders yes. happen at night times and um, having it in broad daylight, yeah. kind of different. Well, Randy uh, dies in daylight as well, and that's True. also quite an affecting death, so that's good stuff. True. Yeah. That is good stuff, yeah. yeah. Speaking of Randy, I like that he says, I'm going to go say hi to Dewey. Like, what does that look like? What does Randy and Dewey reconnecting look like? So, <laughs> and I quite like their scenes, because later on they have a dinner scene together where they sort of talk about suspects. And yeah, I like Dewey and Randy. They're an interesting duo <laughs> together. They're an interesting sort of, mm. yeah, chemistry. Come on, Randy. These kids are your friends. Who do you think's the killer? How about Gail Weathers? Gail? A killer? Why not? Well, she is vicious enough. She's an opportunist. Yeah. Isn't it conceivable she's planning her next book? That's what reporters do, Dewey. They stage the news. Yeah, not nearly enough of them on screen together uh, yeah. throughout. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'll also just throw in I like Lillard and Randy when they're discussing who the killer could be. You know what I think it is? You know, I think it's her father. Why can't they find her pops, man? Because he's probably dead. His body will come popping up in the last reel somewhere. Eyes gouged out, fingers cut off, teeth knocked out. <laughs> it noted both of the scenes down like independently month a month apart <laughs> without noticing. Nice. Hey, that's quality. Look, I'm just going to... I've got this on pretty much every single uh, screen movie, so I'm just going to say I like David Arquette as Dewey. Um, sure. Even when he has bad lines or no lines at all, he's um, he's very sweet and charming, and it's a shame that he wasn't given more to do. Yeah, and then killed in that rubbish. <laughs> yes. Scene. Oh God. Yeah. To prove some arbitrary point. Eesh. About um, bullshit. I, two moments that came out of the really frenzied ending to Scream One mm. is that I think the phone rings and the, one of the killers, I forget whom, but it sounds like Stu. Uh, says, shall I let the machine get it? Okay. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah. And then afterwards, um, 
Billy Loomis is like having a temper, and he, he I think unscriptedly hits uh, Matthew Leonard with the phone, and uh, okay. Matthew Leonard replies, "Fucking hit me with the phone, dick!" <laughs> Didn't show Matthew Leonard then beating Ski Auric to death, and they managed to <laughs> managed to cut it really well so that you know, you know it doesn't look like that's happening. You're not you're not aware of it at all from the only urban legend that I care about, the legend of my origin. Uh, I do like the bad singing at the start. That's good. It's it's yeah. usually just a a talented singer who can sing badly and doing it so bra- oh, yeah. so brazenly yeah, along God, to Bonnie was... Tyler. It was kind of painful. <laughs> it was egregious. Mm, oh, it yeah. was egregious. It out of time, out of my goodwill. tune. Wonderful. Um, a line that Ryan Philippe had, and I know what you did with my summer, was, um... You killed Max. You took my jacket. <laughs> it was cold. It was cold. <laughs> well, f- oh, fucking the, the only real, real urban legend that I care about, which is to say my favourite line from Urban Legend, is, uh... Mm. He's gonna explode! <laughs> <laughs> when Josh, God when bless that extra. Josh, that was fucking, wasn't that, like, that was Chad, that I think. random extra. I thought that was Chad. Chad <laughs> it Gaslight. It was Chad, yeah. It was Chad Gaslight. Oh, God. Um, speaking of saucy things like Chad Gaslighting, in Scream 2, who moo? Hulu. <laughs> Mimu. Um, I like that uh, when uh, Jimmy and uh, Courtney Cox are making out, mm. and then she notices something on the screens and disconnects, but he's still got her hand, his hand on her boob. It's very saucy. Ooh. <laughs> bit of leftover sauce there. Bit of, bit of boob squeeze. You don't see it enough. Not since Steven Seagal. <laughs> Not um, in society. <laughs> uh, so I've got in in chloroform. Mm. Yeah, new Randy. Parenthesis, Robbie. Is that uh? Is that a Culkin? Is that Rory Culkin? Oh yeah, maybe. Maybe does a good fall face first into the decking. <laughs> Fuck yeah! An absolute plan. Absolute um, ragdoll. <laughs> I can only imagine it's with the sort of speed and severity of a family yeah. guy. Family guy pratfall. <laughs> oh yeah, died after that, and they managed to cut around it really well. You never tell. Really well. Used, and they've uh, kept him alive since using the magic of cinema. Ske- Ski Ulrich's uh, skeletal frame to keep him upright. <laughs> Look, Jimmy's death was undeserved but fairly horrible when it does yeah. happen. It's fairly True. bleak. So mm. yeah, I like that. Yeah, for bleak. Labour bleak. Labour bleak. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. And I know what we all did last summer. Um, yeah. Vote Tory. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Jennifer Love Hewitt are cute together, I wrote down Aww. back in back when I they was are. a young man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you wrote it then. You had you prepared these notes back then when you were a teen. Yeah, I, I love doing that. I'm going to say... Um, and. Added to that, because I just feel like I've got to roll these off <laughs> fucking quicker. Um, yeah. When when they're talking in, in the same movie, what we all did with the last summer vote, Tory, it's got to be a friend or family member <laughs> of the guy we hit. What's his name? And then when Jennifer Love Hewitt repeats the name David Egan, you can see it fucking kills her to utter it. Yeah, it's very good. I and that was that. really good. Yeah. Um, in the Urban Legend of Bag of Vance, 
Uh, the tree transition is very good. There's like a pan up to trees and then it keeps panning and it's in different trees and it sort of establishes a new shot, which I think was very good. Um, and speaking of things that look nice in Urban Legend starring Tim Curry, um, yeah, very idyllic morning that she wakes up to the morning after Daniel Harris has been brutally murdered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a very... <laughs> just, yeah, very idyllic. And she looks super comfy. You know, you know when you sleep well and you just want to stay here forever. <laughs> you know about that, Danielle? Danielle? Danielle. She's nudging it. She's covered in blood. Fucking Danielle. bitch. <laughs> when uh, in, scre- in scream mm. your face off for the lads. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, iconic moments. It screams full of them. You know, the, the pointing, the exorcist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All that, all that bullshit. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's great. Fuck. Yeah, and I'm, hey, Paul, I'm going to say Henry Winkler is the best head teacher ever. Fuck yeah, he's the one I want. I really like his delivery of. Let me tell you something. You're both expelled. Get out. Yeah, like, it was just—it was so brutal. I remember that being really harsh when I was a kid. I remember Aww. being really scared of someone saying that to me. Oh, especially. Henry In fact, yeah, I—I I have that as just him chewing out those two guys. Really, really like powerful. It, it was kind of cathartic as well to have somebody. An authority figure just be like that, and yeah. just actually seem to give actually a shit and do pissed. the right thing. Yeah, yeah, really in real life pissed was yeah. very good. That was great. Um, uh, scriform, mm. scrofloroform. Um, it's kind of cringy, but I do actually like Alison Bree saying "fuck me well." <laughs> I mean, as you say it there, like I don't remember it from the film, so you saying it there sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> you just imagine Alison Bree doing that. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks for that, Paul. <laughs> that's the best thing I've ever thought about. Oh. Well, that and uh, in also in Scriform, Victoria's Secret, uh, st- her stabbed up room with her guts hanging out was, uh, was what's, what's, yeah. what's the word? Horrible. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, really uh, bad. That, that was, was the big punchline at that moment. It was really brutal. Yeah. Um, in Urban Urbaned Legend, in Carl <laughs> Urban Legend, um, yeah. the photography in the swimming scene was very good. I think mm. it's very weird, and mellow. The transition to it was very calming. Nice, and uh, yeah, it's a good shot. Cool. Well, in Keith Urban Legend, I <laughs> just thought of that <laughs> uh, the uh, when when Pacey Jackson is doing his bit of uh, oh, I'm actually dying, and everyone falls for it because I think he's going to explode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that. There's a shot of Robert England just in the background of the scene, just going like he knows this kid's full of bullshit. Yeah. I know you're. Yeah, I know you're full of I shit, know what Pacey. This Look, I delivered this this class for forty years. Every semester, there's always one of you. <laughs> Every semester. <laughs> oh shit! I think we broke him. In Scream Two, Two Lou. Um, yeah, when the killer calls the phone, and I think Sarah Michelle Gellar says, "Um, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. I thought you were someone else." That's okay. I am. That's just a very. Cool, a kind of cool line, a sinister line that was well delivered. Nice. I've been I've been crossing off things that we've mentioned in 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 the show before, but I really do want to hammer home how nice it was in uh, in in Scream Three round and round again we go um, <laughs> when Dewey and Sydney are reunited. Just how oh, lovely yeah. it is to see the two of them together having a fairly humid moment before it all goes uh, you know just metatextual again. So well yeah, done absolutely. for that brief is the briefest of moments. Well done, that man. <laughs> That man's in 
Scream 5 Alive. I'm sure I've used that before. Um, yeah, right. I think it's when the guy who claims not to like Scream movies, but actually is the killer, um, mm. is saying... And I gotta make sure we don't get sliced up by some lunatic who saw Friday the 13th and thought, you know what? That Jason guy, he's got some pretty solid ideas. Mm. Uh, yeah. Alarm bells. From the toe for grace alike. Oh, Christ. Yes. Um, from Screen 2, colon, Death Wish 2. Mm. Starring uh, Bruce Willis' son. Screen 2, colon, Death Wish 3. <laughs> what is this? Death Wish 3, colon, mine. Um, <laughs> when, when Gail Weathers interrupts the chief of police at the press conference, he sort of shuffles to the background and quietly tucks away his prepared statement. And I like that. Uh, as oh yeah, as just a little oh, fucking gal well, do my speech. Then I only spent all night writing it. That's fine, fine. Uh, tell you what, mate. Shall we go through the movies and just like empty? Which one? Just go through the movies like in reverse order and just like <laughs> do the rest of them. Okay, mate. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. Oh. All right, in a Bane Legend. Oh, uh, the last few I have is yeah, endearing Rebecca Gayhart, uh, having a mouthful of pop rocks and then being offered the Pepsi and just sort of backing. She's got, she's given the pop rocks. She like pours it to her mouth and then like stands there with her mouth open to demonstrate mm. they're still there. Mm. And it's just very kind of cute. And then yeah, Kruger offers her the uh, the Pepsi and she like backs away and goes ah, uh-uh. which mm. yeah, yeah, I did like that. Cute. That was that was endearing. <laughs> and she has a line later on where um, after having been told the story, the background story, she mm. says, "Oh, awful." everyone (laughs) and finally i kind of like the idea that the principal of the school was a hard ass but also maybe kind of a liberal guy because at Mm. one point when talking about where the missing kid might be he's like ah he's probably shacked up with some girl with some guy with some girl yeah or guy or farm animal and he doesn't seem to like judge that much it's just like "Eh." and he says weren't you ever 18 implying that when he was 18 he did get up to that sort of stuff oh dear he was part of the bullington boys (laughs) Oh dear! Uh oh, could go either <laughs> way. You see, it's what they never tell you. Um, but you are free to do that if you want. Is that is yeah, that is it. that it for your urban urban legend ones? Fuck as many goats as you want, says Paul Goodman. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next one. All right, cool. Uh, Have you got well, anything else for urban legend? I've got a couple more for urban legend, uh, and that Ooh, is legend. Or they they is uh, when uh, main girl Alicia Witt uh, kisses Jared Galentoto. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then the killer sees her, sees her and then runs away and is like, oh, you fucking didn't take your time or whatever. You, you didn't yeah. waste any time. And then she runs off crying. The the main girl just has a nice little oh, shit. I screwed up. <laughs> like yeah. when Geralito asks what happened. And it, it, it felt like a, it was a very natural uh, delivery of that. And amid all the, you know, sort of hyper meta textual dialogue. It was a, just yeah. a bit of realism coming through, which I really liked. Yeah, a little cinema verite, a little social realism. Yeah, and then some something that is just so fucking tone, not tone deaf, but like something deaf, um, mm. or just atonal. The <laughs> actual hot, death. Actual death, yeah, the, the deaf yeah. representation in this was was massive but offensive. <laughs> but um, but and then, and then my final thing is, the fucking horror nerd guy is so fucking weird. The one who who is at the party and is like, oh yeah, you see the, oh, the actual yeah. scream in that was uh, was taken from a real nine one one call, and he he's like, just getting off on his own knowledge and 
later when Tara Reid's <laughs> running around broadcasting her murder, she, he's just like, oh, she's doing a performance piece to commemorate the massacre. Mm, and he just Yeah, keeps, based on nothing. Yeah. And it just, it's, it's such a weird bum note. It's so, it's like, <laughs> it's, 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 that's Breen levels, to be honest. It, it's just fascinating yeah. in what they're doing. <laughs> Very unique decisions. Just, just, just think, oh, what? Are you, what are you? I know. That, that's it. All right. Well, finishing up on Know You What I Summer did last. <laughs> uh, Buffy's speech, mm-hmm. I thought was very good when she's uh, sort of just won, I think, Miss, I don't know, World, whatever. Um, when she's won that, I like that. I like the pageant host's face. Can't remember it, but apparently I do. Uh, don't the need band to remember it to like celebration, it. Mm-hmm. which is very good. Uh, good shot of just feet of corpse. Oh yeah. oh yeah, that was good. When they run over the guy, they sort of pan out, and it's just the feet there. Okay, that was very yeah. creepy. Uh, good conversation after hitting the body. I liked them sort of sussing it out, talking about their options, what to do. It felt good. Yep. It was an accident. Look, let's think about this a minute. Think about what? Think about what? He was crossing the road in the middle of the night. Okay, it was an accident. You weren't drinking or speeding. There's liquor all over the car. But you're sober. They'll never believe I was driving. It's my car, they'll nail my ass. That's not true. Are you kidding? Look at me. I'm drunk as shit. I'm fucked. No, we'll call the police. We'll tell them the truth. They'll believe us. It's manslaughter. We're going to fry no matter who takes the fall. I enjoyed the fishing village setting in general. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. When Buffy says to uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, I miss you. Mm. I really like because she can't make this work. She can't make the friendship work. She just reminds her too much of what they did. Yeah, but she does genuinely miss her because Sarah Michelle Gellar's life sucks now. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. So you can yeah. really buy into the idea that they, she does miss her friend. And then finally, yeah, the hand getting sliced off by the pulley was really grisly. Yeah, cool, nice. Yeah. Well, um, my last ones from the summer that uh, we all know happened. <clears throat> Vote Tory. Can't deny it. Uh, the, the line, come sit in the back and I'll let you do things to me. I quite like oh, um, <laughs> uh, Get your white as death chalky corpse in the car now. Uh, <laughs> cannot remember oh, what yeah. that's from, but... Um, I think so, Michelle Geller might say it. That's what I screened in the cinema. <laughs> uh, uh, um, I liked... Je- I liked Jennifer Love Hewitt's chat with Freddie Prince Jr. where she says she doesn't hold him responsible. She takes responsibility for her own actions. And yep. all these moments of just sort of natural character stuff coming through that i really appreciated yeah. um i've got sarah michelle geller's physicality when they're walking around egan's house mm. sure uh, and hesh's <laughs> accent uh, i found quite lovely you didn't right say farm. anything get out of here get out of my house um yeah there's a look philippe shares with geller uh during the parade that bespeaks their history mm. which i thought was, was it was quite a, a meaningful yeah. gaze yeah and, i remember that this is good and finally, and I enjoyed the cheesy quick pan from the boat at the water to Freddie Prince Jr.'s face looking out at the harbour. And that was a good <laughs> dynamic yeah. shot. A dynamic shot, a contrast of ideas. But what is seeing really? Find out in my right. new 11-volume series. Seeing uh, before you do that, uh, Scream 5, the band. Yeah, There are little moments that hit differently when you know who the killers are, which is mm-hmm. good. It's nice to have those little moments. Um, there was a brief niceness between the two sisters, which mm-hmm. I appreciated. I always like seeing them together. They seem like a very good chemistry with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, some good wrong footing in the sun being stalked sequence, but and in the end, you know what's going to happen. 
yes, a couple of like leading moments where it feels like you know, oh, yeah. is the killer going to be here or not? But ultimately, just you know, you don't know when they're going to come because the yeah. music tells you. The throat stab looked good. I think he kills the son, just stabs mm. him in the throat. Yeah, another good looking thing. Yeah. Oh, I think that was just a funny line that they were driving erratically to the car to the hospital, and one of them said, "You know, we have to live through this to help her, right?" <laughs> right. Okay. I like that. Cool. Oh, I think somebody at some point just yells, "Holy shit! It's Ghostface!" Mm-hmm. There you go. That. It is. There you go. Can't True lie. enough. Um, I like Sam Melissa Barrera. Is that the? Was she the killer? Screen five. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, she's the one with the long black hair. Yes. Great. Yeah. Liked her. Um, if uh, <laughs> the line you want me to help you and the host of a morning show to commit murder. <laughs> that is good. That is good. Um, I've got, it calms me down, so I'm gonna smoke some weed, drink some beer, and maybe hook up with Francis. And it cuts to Francis sitting a foot away, who smiles. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. Appreciate that. Um, yeah. and then I think at, at the end, uh, Sam going <laughs> with the knife. Uh, oh yeah. And there's also some good foley work on a bite. Mmm. Mmm. Look forward to finding that maybe. Just do it with your mouth. <laughs> What? Nope, <laughs> weird woman. Weird, weird woman. But oh what scream for. <laughs> yeah, we've got Oh, I'm the more impatient version of the person you just spoke to. Quite good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's good. Uh Woodsboro looks nice. I've put in the various <laughs> shots, a nice autumnal kind of Halloween thing. Oh, the cops having failed to protect someone to say, um, I saw him going to that yard two houses down right before. Yeah, and I circled around to cut him off. And? And I met Haas coming from the other direction. Yeah, no, he must have circled back around somehow. He's like a ghost. Chief, we're sorry. I feel terrible. All right. Get out of here. Aw. Um, you tried. Cops pretending to be random teen at the uh, party in the mask. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cox. Sorry, Cox pretending to do that. I think was good. I think oh. she does some good physicality when she's just pretending to be some teen. Um, Classic teen antics <laughs> and i like the cousin staging the crime scene especially throwing herself against the picture oh uh, yeah okay yeah. yeah that was well that's good stuff cool yeah. um <clears throat> okay uh mantony anderson's nick cage style turn to the back seat and um, <laughs> you can imagine what that is um Don't love that using dead trevor's dead hand to rip out a bunch of her hair oh uh, yeah yes yeah that's fun uh, the staging yeah and oh, yeah. also the the line wear the vest save your chest. I don't know what that is, but uh, <laughs> oh, that'll be just wearing a bulletproof vest. Well, yeah, but uh, did someone say it or? Yeah, I think it was one of the cops. Or yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. What's that? Well, there you go. Right. The screens one through three, I will remember much better, so I will know what all of these mean. Super. Um, I like Sydney's home and working setup. I know that she's somewhat condescending of it, but mm-hmm. I think it's good. Oh, I like Parker Posey jumping into the bodyguard's arms was quite funny. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Carrie Fisher's cameo. Mm-hmm. I was up for Princess Leia. I was this close. So who gets it? The one who sleeps with George Lucas. I thought it was a nice view outside of Henriksen's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got one more for number three. Uh, uh-huh. running, running from the killer and opening the door into the bedroom set, which is 10 feet down. I, I oh it. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that is good. Good sort mm. of, you know, space work. It's like, it's like MC Esther. Like. 
in Scream 2, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I like okay. the couple going to the cinema. It's Jada Plinkett Smith and mm. Omar Sy. Omar Epps. Omar Epps is discussed earlier. Oh, yeah, no, I, that's it. Um, there's a scene transition. Um, someone says to her, nice streaks in a kind of sarcastic way. And then there's a beat and she just says, well. One more thing. Nice streaks. Well. <laughs> Which I quite like. Mm. Um, oh yeah, Buffy saying that she has to stay home in case a drunk sister needs a ride. I love that. I love this image of Buffy's college years that she just stays home and waits to see if a drunk sister needs a ride. <laughs> it's kind of cute. No. Um, Derek's wide-eyed face when uh, the knife comes through the door. And he just goes, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> David Warner is the theatre director. I fucking love David Warner. I'm always oh, happy yeah. for him to show up. He died recently. Um, oh. But, you know, this is a tiny little demonstration of his talents. Mm. The battle for the soul is fought in the forum of art. You're a fighter, Sid. That's why you're here. That's why this is your major. Yeah, I'm a fighter. I didn't hear that. I'm a fighter. I don't believe you. I don't. But uh, Timothy Oliphant yelling, Manson! No, it's uh, Randy yelling, Manson? Bundy? OJ? Listing off murderers. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I like the rhythm around um, uh, Derek getting shot. Because, uh, mm. yeah, he gets shot, bullet hole appears, little streak of blood, and then Sydney puts her hand over it. It's good stuff, good timing. Nice. Uh, Sydney whispering, you're psychotic, mm-hmm. is good. Uh, shot composition of looking through the bullet hole at Sydney with the axe. It's very Jarlow. Mm-hmm, okay. And finally, Gail dropping the microphone to help Dewey. Was good. That's yeah. why she gets handed a microphone, um, and it's like, "Come on, do your report." And then she sees Dewey getting wheeled out, and she just drops it and walks off. And that is the most her character will ever be developed. I'm good at this. You know I am. What are you talking about, Gail? <laughs> All right. Okay. So I've got the line. Did you get that on film? Yes, I got that on film. <laughs> oh, that was it. Yeah. Did you get that on film? Yes, I got that on film. Did you get that on film? Yes, I got that on film. <laughs> there we go. Um, page 44. Deputy Dewey oozed with inexperience and then a pain yeah. expression from David Arquette. It's great as he's, <laughs> as he's confronting uh, slash trying to get back with Courtney Cox. Yeah. Um, yep. I've, got, I've got, hi. No, I really mean that. Hi. I don't know. Again. <laughs> Do, do not remember. I'm going to say all of these with Timothy Oliphant. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I enjoyed the spinning camera signifying De- uh, Dewey looking around every corner, then coming back to his face. Oh, uh, yeah. Not as good as Millhouse, uh, as Bart looking for Millhouse in the, in the treehouse, but it's close. <laughs> Love that. Um, the music when Courtney Cox is chased down the corridor at an hour 19, uh, 40 mm. seconds. Love it. There you go. Once an episode. Um, <laughs> and then... Point forgetting one thing about Billy Loomis. What's that? I fucking killed him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good line. Very good. Mm. Very good. Okay, we're down to Scream. L'original. An act of exclamation. That's what it's actually pronounced. <laughs> um, I only have three left. The sa- like Drew Barrymore's death is it does eventually become horrible after being like cartoonish for quite a mm. while. It does eventually become horrible, and her sad little moans just before she properly dies, which the mum hears on the phone, mm. are just brutal. 
yeah. really unpleasant. Um, yeah, there's kind of sweet little moment between Arquette and Cox, which you don't know the extent to which she's orchestrating or faking it to get close to him, but it's mm. kind of nice, like the early stages of their relationship. Yeah. And finally, <laughs> my favorite moment from Scream, perhaps, is that when Randy and Matthew Lillard are discussing who the killer might be, mm. there is a background woman in the video shop who just looks appalled at this conversation and then yeah. walks away without saying anything. And I like, had that as well. It's great. Yes. There's always some stupid <laughs> bullshit reason to kill your girlfriend. Yeah, that was the line. <laughs> she just wanders off like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. I've got the line. Do you think Sid would go out with me? <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't at all. No. <laughs> Just something about the the frankness of it. I really liked. Yeah. Um good fall from the top floor. Oh yeah. I yeah. imagine in the the one of those killing scenes. Oh, that's brilliant killing scenes. Brilliant. I love Do you know what? I love I love the killing scene in this. It's so it's so oh, yes. They're so visceral. It's very fucking yes. Um <laughs> Okay, Matthew Lillard's entire third act. It's glorious. Mm. Um, I'm sure I've said that yeah. before. Oh my god! Um, yeah. Uh, what else can you say except yes? Uh, I've got the exchange. Hello. Oh, Stu, Stu, Stu. What's your motive? Billy's got one. The police are on their way. What are you gonna tell them? Peer pressure. I'm far too sensitive. I'll rip you up, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I think nice. it's cut off by Billy Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, I just really, really like the showdown with her hiding from Billy and Stu. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's great. There's a lot of tension. There's my right. there's my cine literate hot take. It's very good. <laughs> it's good. Fantastic. So yeah. I think that before we get very much further with all of this and start ranking them, oh, nips. we really ought to check in with the OG screen. Oh, I see what you did. Uh-oh. With the OG. Ah! The OG. Uh, over on Twitter, ro- uh, Roll Plus Heart. Helen from Roll Ooh. Plus Heart. Helen here. I don't have my own Twitter, so. Uh, well, we will judge your performance on whether you should have your own Twitter or not, Helen. Uh, thanks for getting in touch. I like you very much. I can't speak oh, yeah. for all the screens, but the first one, there is something oddly comforting about the cheesy 90s vibe in this movie. Also, yeah. I love how quickly they kill off Drew Barrymore. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Absolute comfort <laughs> you watching. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if, if the line absolute comfort watch for me is related to how quickly they off Drew Barrymore or if it's just a general observation just about the movie. But <laughs> just Im- imagine a world in which... She's just dead. It'd be great. Oh, God. Just... Oh. Can't even, can't even imagine it. It's going to feel amazing. really bad if she dies between now and the release of this episode. <laughs> um, okay. I think that was it from Twitter. Ooh. I don't. I don't check out oh. the OG OG Twit very much. Okay, I'm just gonna get on to. Gotta check out the OG Twit. Check out all the OG Twits. None of the OG team. They're solid. Oh yeah, solid dudes. Yeah. Hey, you're not talking shit On- about the OG team, are you? Honest, I'd smack you up. <laughs> Jenny Sones over at uh, Meta. Why do you make it so hard to use you Meta? <laughs> okay. Oh my God. Topical as well as funny. Uh, Jenny Sones, Scream Shouts, number one. A true classic that sets the bar for horror movies for years. It is still solid wow. despite so much parody. Of course, the performances, mm. of course, the performances really make it. And my top pick is definitely Matthew Lillard bringing full on yeah. hackers energy. Oh my God, yes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the shame I can only imagine uh, picture the Wayans doing it in my head. Uh, a noble second out number two. A noble second outing that changes things but still tastes the same. Silly and schlocky, mm-hmm. but I do enjoy seeing more Liv Schreiber. Timothy Oliphant is uh, wonderful yeah. but underused. My one better thing would be Go, nineteen ninety nine. Ooh, more I haven't seen that. Oliphant. Mm. Yeah, I've heard of that. You got to get that Oliphant peeking. Oh um, yeah. Number three. All up in the Oliphant. Mm. Lance Henriksen. Small part, but well cast. Please, everyone, <laughs> yeah. check out Millennium for three powerful Lance seasons of television. Um, three powerful Lance seasons. I actually I enjoy. The show. Do you? Yeah, I didn't see any of it, but I remember the marketing um, being like, "Oh, that show looks cool," and I just went yeah, about my day. Well, Jenny Sones confirms. Yeah. Um, I actually enjoy this strange movie, though maybe not the twist ending. Uh, I f- twist in inverted, uh, in quotation marks. Sorry, I feel that it is almost camp, and Parker Posey and Patrick Warburton are definitely helping that. The voice changer is not helping anything. Also feels like a nice ending for Sid. What could go wrong? Uh, Screen four. The opening is pretty fun and silly. Uh, Really tells you what kind of movie this is. Once again, some great performances in smaller parts. Hayden Panettiere, Mary McDonnell and Alison Brie are all terrific. Pretty good deaths, even the cops. Um, Especially the cops, I'd say. I think they capture millennial fame craving pretty well depicted here too. Number five. Have not seen this one, but absorbed through cultural dissection. Sounds like a good examining of tropes. Does it play well? Does it earn the death of one of the big three? Who stands out from the cast? No, is my answer to all those. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid so. Thanks for watching all of these. Love your annual Halloween feast of films. Yeah. And, oh. and then uh, Jenny has replied to her own message with um, a bit of paper pegged to a sort of mesh door that looks a lot like our door, actually, uh, saying, <gasps> this is Australia, not America. Fuck off with your Halloween shit, you little cunts. <laughs> so, it might be that Jenny's stalking you guys. Ah, and putting and rightly so putting signs on our doors, <laughs> inflammatory signs that, that adequately adequately express our opinions, but ones that we choose not to peg to our own doors. Well, you are British after all. The only oh. thing you should be pegging to a door is a Scotch egg. <laughs> trying to eat it. <laughs> Wish I hadn't eat sold the cutlery. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that someone knocks on the door and you try and eat it before they answer. That's England. <laughs> That's England in a nutshell, or a Scotch egg casing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great! Anything on Patreon? Um, did you did you post a Patreon? Fuck yeah, I did. Oh fuck yeah, mate! I couldn't see it on my phone, so I'm just gonna log in. I'm all over this. Logging on just me, pooper. Absolutely, just absolutely crushing it like the pussy. <laughs> like you, t- <laughs> like you do to pussy every day. <laughs> like the pussy. <laughs> oh yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> the you audience, right in. Let me know. <laughs> Please. I just I heard it. I heard some young people saying it. Yeah. No, nope, it's not there. Shit. Sorry about that. That's all right. Yeah, you we'll just, just have to imagine what the Patreon said. All very good. All very good, insightful, and only vaguely yeah. racist sentiment. Ah, well, love it. Jennifer Sons, thank you so much for doing that breakdown. Yeah. I think you might enjoy the Scream franchise more than we. Um, but nevertheless, yeah. it's very infectious to sort of hear someone really infusing about these things. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you so much. So, without further ado, let's get into ranking these films. Okay. Now, there might be some disagreements. You're I hoping that I care enough about it. <laughs> I'm hoping you don't care enough about it and I get to rank them however I like. Okay, you go for I'm, it. And I'll start I'm feeling the bottom should be Scream 4. Okay. 
I Ooh. think that was the most irritating of them. Um, I remember it just being really awkwardly self-aware. I remember that party. I remember being so unimpressed and just mm. constantly pushed away from the film. And I, Interesting. I barely remember anything good in it. I can't even remember what lovely, brilliant Jennifer Summers just said. <laughs> Millennium Power first? Was that that or the fifth one? I think I think that was the fourth one because Jenny hasn't seen the fifth one. That's right. Yes. Um, but I remember that's, them not doing that's that right, very the well. The cousin. Yeah. At yeah. all. Um. Ooh. So and, and and there was that moment in Scream Three that saves it from being bottom spot. You're saying? Yes. Yes. Scream <sighs> Three is next. Because I would I would find that. That is incredibly egregious, that movie. You're right. I'm it, just remembering how annoying Parker Posey's character it's, was. It's like having somebody scrape an open wound with a, with a knife, um, with a rusty knife, and then at the very end they give you a lovely kiss that reminds you of a past love. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that they've been rooting around in an open saw with a rusty knife. <laughs> and but I, I remember finding Scream 4 so annoying. Like I remember the, the Randy-alikes, those two kids... I'm just being so irritated by it. They're both bad, and and maybe at least oh. we can agree. Maybe the, they're tied the, the bottom two, yeah. Yeah. Then it's Scream Five, I think, the latest one. Yeah, for its disdain for um, just general yeah. story convention. Yeah, and, for its um, cynicism, amongst anything else. Yeah. Just, yeah, being really just hateful of its own existence. Mm. Um. Then Urban Legend for not being impressive. That's the first <laughs> yeah. dull one. Yes. But and dull is better than um, painful. Actively pissing you off, yeah. yeah. Then we're into the top three, and I think <laughs> it goes. I know <laughs> what you did last summer. Yeah. As being better than we thought, a real nostalgia trip with some genuinely affecting moments and some good sequences in <laughs> there, um, including an actual dilemma of what to do about this body, which was yeah. very good. Yeah. Now we're into disagreements because I think. <laughs> For me, Scream 2 is tops. Yeah. I really enjoyed Scream 2. It had everything that Scream 1 did, you know, and it had it bigger and better, and it lacked, for me, some of the really annoying self-awareness. Mm, okay. Um, but I would think you want to go Scream 1 OG as the best? I, I would, because as mm. much as I, I feel fondly towards Scream 2, I feel like mm. it was it was it was bigger but not necessarily better. Uh, on mm. this occasion, uh, we had this discussion. I think it, we it felt a bit, felt a bit loose and flabby, and um, you felt it was sort of a bit, a bit more sprawling and adventurous yes. uh, and ambitious. And yeah, I do I do see that, but I do really I like the the compactness of the original, full of its iconic moments. Uh, yeah, and it just about wins out over the inherent charm of a timothy oliphant a thon oh god it's tricky because you're stacking lillard against oliphant and that's a that's a game that nobody wins it's a war of man it's a, a, a war of man a clash of wills and yeah. everyone comes but it's not good no no oh so are we happy for a tied first place I'd say, yeah i'd say so i I'm, think so tied I'm, first and tied bottom yeah you know and everything else in between yeah, so is Lipshops, boy. Oh, I didn't say that line properly. <laughs> but I, it's better this way. Show the, sew those lips shut. Show those lips shut. That's what I want to see. That's what, That was my, what my original line... That's what it was meant to be. But uh, <laughs> sew those lips shut. Yeah. True words and never with said. that final coherent thought from us for the day, <laughs> Jesus. it's about time that we put the Scream series to rest. Oh, it's been a long year. <laughs> it's been a long year. 
I don't want to think about next year right now. It might be Final Destination. Let's just see what happens. Yeah. But for now, I think it's time that people hear about where to find out about the OG team mm. and their adventures. Well, people often ask about where to find about the OG team. Uh, you know, find All about, not, necess- not necessarily find out about. Um, and I clarify that. Explaining like, it. Are you missing a preposition in that line? And they're like, no, it sounds like some weird bullshit you'd say when you're tired and can't string a sentence together, but that's exactly what we mean. And I say, okay, well... <laughs> But that's my that's my my whole deal. Yeah, and I okay, and I say gripe number two. Uh, what about finding out about us? And I go, oh, kind of dispelled any intrigue you might have had the first moment you open your mouth, you dick. Okay, well, fair <laughs> enough. It, it just so happens that we are we are uh, friends, acquaintances. We are associated with a wonderful OG team, and you can find out all about them OGT Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Send us an email at gmail at ogtpod at gmail.com. If you have any questions about them, about their fears, about um, secrets that they've told us in confidence, and uh, they all have. It's a, it's a condition of becoming an honorary member of the OG team. Um, mm. other, other things that the OG team abide uh, are our Patreon, is our Patreon channel, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get exclusive access to, for example... Oh. Um, <gasps> for starters. Statham Poetry. Yeah! yeah. What else There's have so we been doing? <laughs> you can, well, you can hear... Well, it was probably too late for you to hear the uh, <laughs> the last part of this episode in advance. Mm. Um, there's all sorts of poetry in there. There's lots of... We've done the Pauls to be Buried with with quite a few of our guests at this stage. Oh, yeah. So you can hear oh, interviews yeah. about the sort of cinematic life mm. of some of our favourite people. As well as just, yeah... Um, as well as Sean, I thought of... you were going to say. <laughs> as well as Sean. <laughs> Fucking hell. We really love you, mate. It's just <laughs> what a lovely man. Ah, it's because I love also you. Hear, I can say these things. You also hear candid stories from my academic past um, <laughs> and present, as yeah. it seems, <laughs> scattered around in there. My God, there's so much content in there. Just going all the way back to like personality quizzes, pictures, um, a whole saga of the Fifty Shades that you may not have heard. Yeah, there's yeah, just a load of let's stuff plays. There, so. So much Let's plays, shit. pictures. Yeah. Oh my god, the content and a special video of us commemorating the death of the queen. So, yeah, it's all good stuff. Go and check it out. Yeah, hours of content for the price of a dodgy hand job. <laughs> a bad boy. <sighs> I'm I'm Skeet Paulrick. I'm Tim Porthy Polifont. <laughs> Porthy Polifont, brilliant. Oh. I remember. The one good thing about the Scream franchise is that it will take you back to the 90s. And it's not the worst place to be. That's the 70s.